Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast, hosted and sponsored by GrandTheftWorld.com. It's May 15th, 2022. This is episode 80. And tonight, we got a long show card. We're going to be here for the next six hours broadcasting live, distilling the past week of news and seeing what we can get out of the uh, the stuff that made through the censorship filters out to the public, what we can discern about world events, current events uh, nationally. We have all sorts of things we're going on. We're going to talk about things like Rand Paul. Uh, is he an, is he an ogre? Is he a hero? He cut off $40 billion in aid to Ukraine that was set to go over there. Why would he do something like that? Well, from a position of a learned person, you might see that foreign policy, foreign aid kind of works like this in these situations. Uh, one government of rich people steals from their taxpaying poor people and they send it to another government and it gets dispersed by rich people over there and never reaches the people intended for help. That's why someone like Rand Paul might step up and uh, say, no bueno, we don't want that. It's not good for America. It's not even good for the people we're trying to help. It's going to enrich a bunch of people and contractors and NGOs that are kind of behind making that situation a quagmire in the first place. The next story that we're going to cover tonight uh, throughout one of the big feature focuses is uh, our friend Fauci. He's been MIA for a while. He's back on the scene. Apparently, he's gotten caught with his hand in the cookie jar hand in the cookie jar, like a thief getting caught, that type of metaphor. How did he do that? Well, he took a bunch of grants that might prove to be a conflict of interest. And so while Americans were weighing their future and their fears based on the, the, the words coming out of Fauci's mouth, no one was talking about these conflicts of interest, which were known on one side, but not known on the side that uh, was getting denied their informed consent. Another story we're going to talk about tonight is um, there was a COVID summit past week. So uh, not the F, not the FDA, CDC, WHO, but rather uh, early treatment doctors from around the world, people who were pioneers and trying to keep people alive at a time when these other world entities seemed to get giggles out of making people reach their demise. Um, another story we're going to talk about tonight would be a pandemic treaty, an international pandemic treaty that they're looking at signing. It has to do with WHO and, of course, then Bill Gates, who funds the WHO, becomes boss. It would override national sovereignty across many, many nations, including America. So all of a sudden, it's no longer the constitutional Demic, uh, constitutional republic that we once had. Uh, it could be outsourced to an international entity with non-elected leaders who are not locally accountable. And at the end of the day, it goes back to a couple of super billionaires like Bill Gates and his eugenics crowd. Um, finally, one of the other bigger stories that we're going to talk about tonight is the title story from tonight's episode. Uh, it has to do with the controlled demolition of our food supply, not just in America, kind of around the world. People are now finding food as a scarce resource. In America, currently, there's like a, a baby formula crisis. Has America been sending baby formula out of the country? Is that part of what creates this crisis, this so-called foreign aid? That goes and doesn't even necessarily reach the people it's intended for, but oftentimes gets hijacked by organized crime, who then sells it off to the people who can afford to pay a couple extra bucks to feed their kids. So there's a lot of things to unwrap tonight, unravel, dig into, do deep dives on, get the documents out. Let's see what the source materials and evidence of such stories are. And uh, we're going to kick it off tonight, as always, with Luke Radowski from We Are Change and BestPoliticalShirts.com. Let's go to Luke from his report from earlier today and uh, see what's going on this week from his perspective. Human beings are now in such a state of like hyper complexity where everything is integrated, everything is connected, that there is no individuality, there is no original thought. You become an amalgamation of everything that you've heard and been exposed to, but 
you really do nothing because everything is designed today to keep you from knowing what you are. You are the energy source that feeds your own demise. Social media doesn't exist if you're not there. Everything is designed to fulfill these physical desires. So you give your energy to feed your own destruction and then you complain about the very thing that you're feeding when it's always you. You're the one. It's not there if you're not there. You feed it. You are feeding and you are arming your own captors. Huh. We're living in a world where the best way to warn about the dangers of social media is social media. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Lukanowski here of WeAreChange.org, and there's a lot of absolutely crazy news to get into today, especially coming from Buffalo, New York, which we're going to be talking about extensively. Lots of information coming to light that should be worrying for everyone, especially with the over-politization of this very sad event that just unfolded a few hours ago. Lots to discuss there, plus all the other latest divide-and-conquer news, including, of course, pregnant men that we're going to be talking about in this broadcast plus a lot more but before we do the clip that we played in the beginning of this broadcast is by the extremely talented samuel rivera we paid we played a small clip of his latest video if you want to watch his latest video we of course will be linking his channel down in the description below and he does really incredible compilations that are definitely worth a watch i subscribe to his channel i got the alerts on you should too since of course his, his latest piece on, on social media is very thought-provoking and something that we should be having a national discussion on right now, especially when it comes to the larger impacts of social media on our everyday lives. We're living in a crazy world that only gets crazier because of big tech social media, which of course could be disrupted by Elon Musk with his recent purchase of Twitter, which now is uh, on hold. It's it's the, the Twitter deal between Elon Musk and its current owners is halted, stopped, and paused as people are trying to ascertain how many fake or spam accounts are on the big tech social media platform that Elon Musk will be acquiring. Elon Musk says that Twitter needs to have less than 5% of its users to be fake in order to go along with the estimates of how much the company is valued. Since, of course, if the whole company is filled with fake users and it doesn't have actual users, then the value of that company will go down. And you, someone on the internet, should know that many powerful governments, corporations, banks, and other powerful entities use fake accounts in order to shape perception reality through of course social media to give a fake perspective that's that's not really there on a low level celebrities use this in order to have fake people like and follow their accounts so they could look more popular than they really are and in the high level of bot use we of course have government pushing promoting propaganda countering it destroying narratives and dialogues and conversations in order to push for war destruction and of course the end of life either way elon musk is trying to find out how many of these accounts are real how many of them are fake Twitter is now accusing Elon Musk of violating his NDA, his non-disclosure agreement, as of course, if this deal between Elon Musk and Twitter does not go through, the company liable, the party liable for this not happening will be billed $1 billion as a penalty for failing to proceed with the deal. The former president of the United States, Donald Trump, even decided to chime in on this particular topic, saying specifically that Elon Musk will not be buying Twitter because, quote, Twitter has so many fake accounts 
accounts with the bots, which Trump cited to cause a lot of problems. Is the former president of the United States right here? Well, we're going to see how this situation unfolds as we're going to be paying close attention to it. And you should know, just because you see a lot of likes and even sometimes comments in favor of a particular idea, it doesn't always equate to what actually is the reality of the situation. And just because online you see an overwhelming support of an idea does not mean that that idea is actually popular. But by faking that perception, it lets people go along with it, which some argue pushes woke, destructive societal norms, which Elon Musk has made a public stance against. And his acquisition of Twitter represents the larger return to reality and away from the squeegee clean Goldman Sachs Disney SJW corporatist view overall representatively speaking which very interestingly Netflix decided to participate in this larger culture war as some people have called it as recently we're finding out that Netflix told their staff that they should leave if they are offended by the content on their platform specifically sending out a company-wide culture memo document that is telling their employees that if they feel offended or hurt by any of the content that Netflix puts out there that they could just quit the job right then and there. This, of course, is sending out a very strong message as some people are speculating that Netflix is doing this mainly because they have some really bad earning numbers recently and we'll need to lay off staff anyway. So why not just have some of them fire themselves, cancel themselves? This as other companies like Calvin Klein are deciding to do the opposite of what Netflix just did as they just prominently promoted a pregnant trans man as their latest star for a recent Mother's Day advertisement. This, of course, is a big topic of discussion. A lot of people are hooting and hollering over this and whatever you may think about this Calvin Klein star, this wokeness becomes dangerous for everyone, especially when governments get involved and they literally start punishing 13-year-olds for not gendering and calling classmates by their preferred pronouns. This as we're finding out that a Wisconsin school district has launched an official complaint because a 13-year-old used the wrong words while another student wanted them to use a word of their choice. This is, of course, similar situations that have already unfolded in the United Kingdom, where people are literally hauled off to jail for saying the word bloke in passing in not even a serious way. Seeing these kind of speech laws be implemented here in the United States should be worrying, as I think it's fair to say that left-wing politicians are becoming more and more extreme with their point of views, as the mayor of New York City just publicly said that he supports a woman's right to terminate her baby up until the day of birth. This as the current administration in the White House is literally using taxpayer funds to give out free crack pipes during a baby formula shortage, which of course this administration along with the corporate media said didn't exist at first. It wasn't happening. There was no crack pipes according to CNN and now we're finding out yes, there there's crack pipe. And as the corporate media is too busy lying, shilling and celebrating this administration for things that they had no control of, for things that they were simply born with as as The Guardian released a very eye-opening, boot-licking piece celebrating the new White House press secretary because of the way that she was born and her preference for partners. Her partner, by the way, works at CNN, which essentially does the larger shilling for this administration, doesn't hold them accountable, even though they wield an extraordinary amount of power and routinely abuse it. They take away baby formulas for you, 
literally hand you a crack pipe. CNN says, there's no crack pipe. Doesn't exist. Oh, look, a person was, was born a certain way and, and likes to do things privately in their bedroom in, in a certain way. Ha <laughs> ha. That's literally the current situation that we're dealing with right now, which is absolutely absurd. And I personally choose to highlight that absurdity with my t-shirts. As of course, I have a t-shirt company called thebestpoliticalshirts.com. We Many times when I wear the shirts like I'm wearing right now, which you could get on our website, you either get a thumb of support, high fives, compliments, or some some really like nasty little side looks from, from, from crazy people who already have the crazy eyes that get a lot crazier when they see the shirts on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And I believe in this messaging. I believe in this product because it is a way to culture jam, to start conversations, and to express ideas that can never be censored just by simply wearing a cloth. Again, we got a lot of shirts. My closet is filled with them. Pillows, masks, phone cases, you name it. We got it all exclusively on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. Click the link down in the description below just so you could scroll through the items that we cannot even show you here on this platform. Now, of course, when when it comes to violence and the call for violence, we, of course, here as an independent media organization have zero tolerance for it, have always called for those really bad ideas to be countered with good ideas. We have always argued the people that turn to violence are the first people to lose as we have been a huge supporter of the non-aggression principle and truly acting aggressive and hurting another human being because of the way they look or their ideas or their identity is one of the stupidest ideas that there ever exists in mainline society and when it comes to these highly emotional events that happen i think the best thing you could do is to try to rationally have an honest and real discussion about them in order to try to prevent future events from happening. And the recent events that happened in Milwaukee where 21 people were shot on three separate shooting events. Oh wait, sorry, the corporate media is not not talking about this particular event. The recent violence in Chicago where just over this weekend, 28 people were shot. Oh wait, the corporate media is not, not talking about this. They are, of course are talking about the events that unfolded in Orlando, which, again, just as tragic, just as horrible as as the ones happening in, of course, Chicago, in Milwaukee. Any loss of life is a tragedy and, of course, needs to be called out no matter what happened here. But there's a lot more attention than usual on the events that unfolded in Buffalo, and that's why I think they're worth talking about. As, of course, an 18-year-old man, now we find out, planned an attack that was motivated by some really disturbing political ideas. This as we're finding out today that the man responsible for this, Peyton Gendern, was known to the authorities, was known as a troubled child, was sent for mental health treatment, and a lot of people are speculating right now was known not just to the local authorities, but also to the federal ones, which is leaving some people asking some questions about this particular event. Now, I think it's important not to jump to conclusions here. We still have to wait to find out all the details before they do come out. These are just some early preliminary reports from the Associated Press that talked about his troubled past, how law enforcement knew him. And while we wait to find out all the details here, there's a lot of other people jumping on the bandwagon because of the optics here and using this tragedy for their own political purposes. Purposes and trying to push, of course, their agenda here. Now, we have to understand that this happens in both political spectrums. The left wing and right wing are just as responsible for this. But for, for people to take to Twitter as this is unfolding and, and to blame 
media personalities like Tucker Carlson for this is absolutely absurd. Twitter's manually curated promotion of this particular story was trending with Tucker Carlson as people took to the internet, didn't even wait to find out what really happened here, and are blaming everything from Gatorgate to TV personalities to YouTubers as some politicians, like the replaced temporary governor of New York, are calling for social media companies like Twitch to pay the price of what happened today as of course the events in buffalo were live streamed on twitch which uh, according to the governor of new york somehow makes twitch responsible and she's trying to put forward legislation rules and laws that of course will give her and the government more power over big tech social media and what they could show you greedy politicians who want power know no bounds and in my opinion are absolutely disrespecting the lives lost here as of course they're making this all about themselves they're making this about the power that they want all the while the bodies were still not even cold here now the sick twisted individual that committed this act in buffalo and and, and broadcasted on twitch also released a document online which anyone could read and in his own words he criticized fox news which tucker carlson was on admittedly saw himself on the political spectrum as an authoritarian leftist who would quote prefer to be called a populist as of course he he dribbled on in his manifesto about the rejection of Christianity, talked about how he was a green nationalist, and from a lot of people's understandings of this particular writing, he was a communist turned racist who seemed to be motivated to be against black people and immigrants because they were getting government handouts, which he believed were rightfully supposed to belong to him somehow. He also, of course, used symbols and prominently promoted them like the Azov Battalion uses, which is linked to, of course, a racist ideology. He wrote the names of the Waukesha Christmas event victims on his weapon that he used during this incident and i think it goes without saying here that that what happened here is an absolute tragedy and as a lot of people try to play politics like hot potato trying to throw this troubled young man into their political camp in order to blame them from all of this in order to gain more power from all of this we have still have to understand that a lot of this is probably linked to of course the larger mental health crisis in this country that's only being exacerbated and expanded dramatically within the last few years and of course is only expected to get worse from here that again is just my kind of overall immediate assessment here is it correct could be not we are still waiting to find out a lot of the details here a lot of the information it's important not to just jump to conclusions there's a lot of things that could be faked there's a lot of things that could be altered there's a lot of disinformation out there there's a lot of propaganda out there and if i could just send one overall message around this particular event is that could we just wait to, to find out what, what what happened here before trying to use the deaths of innocent human beings for a political agenda could we maybe have some re respect for the the people lost here i think if anything during these types of events we should be focusing on, on, on the victims, remembering them, respecting them, if truly we want to try to prevent future events like this from unfolding. And I think because of the hyper-politicization of, of everything, because of the radicalization of our current political spectrum, which some people say is done because of the echo chambers, because of the circle... J family-friendly show here put it simply one side thinking the the other side is as bad so they need to be just as bad or even worse off to defeat them is an absolutely stupid idea that i don't believe in and if you agree with that assessment share this video with your friends and family if you subscribe to luke's members only site i'm sure you can hear him say circle jerking and not have to hold off when that comes up but that was youtube so he didn't want to say that family-friendly show all right
Let's rewind to the beginning of that clip. I thought somehow LD was playing a, a, a trailer for the new Matrix. Who's that filmmaker that made that that montage? Uh, Samuel Rivera. We've we've shown him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple Samuel of times. Rivera. Yeah, Samuel Rivera. He's a very talented uh, producer, editor, filmmaker in general. Um, right. We should probably maybe show it. Only, he does like two minutes. I want to work snippets. that clip into the show later. Yeah. I want to see the whole thing. He had a couple of Joe Rogan talking about the pandemic. I showed, I, I think one time you were in Florida when I showed it, but yeah, he's been doing fantastic yeah, work. I've seen he, his work before, but I'm not subscribed to him and I don't yeah. catch it regularly. And do I, I've seen yeah. it. I've seen his work evolve. And as a, as a filmmaker and researcher and editor and these sort of things, he, there's a tremendous amount of talent just in that clip that I saw. Oh yeah. Of yeah. <clears throat> get, get, keep getting and keeping people's attention in order to deliver value. Yep. And that's a good skill for for people to understand how to do and then you get the attention of people who know how to do that and they're like that's pretty cool well he uses the the time machine of editing because he he produces these incredible montages in two minutes or less of very dense information with a lot of quick cuts keep people very interested like uh, mtv cuts yes before that cinema never had quick cuts like that but when you had to make a whole movie in three minutes mtv innovated this but it also broke people's attention spans that's right but now he's reaching into the broken attention spans and pulling people out to be like dude come on come on yeah you could do better than that awesome you deserve better than that now speaking of people who deserve better than what they got i didn't know anything about that uh that shooting that happened in buffalo i knew about the, the chicago those things go off regularly there's a lot of people who get shot south side chicago it's gun-free zones is the common theme though yep that's correct chicago is a gun-free place right rahm emanuel i thought they like de-gunified everybody over there detroit i thought also had similar rules new york state like if i if it wasn't the death of a bunch of people i would make light of the situation and say like that they need to like lose their guns over there need like new york needs to be a gun-free state but it already is, which is how you get so many people at a supermarket who are unarmed. Because if that same shooter, that same stupid white kid who you can't blame him too far from his environment too, like he's been brought up in an environment that's hyper polarized to the point that none of us even know, like who could you listen to, to get that angle? I don't know. But what he did was remarkably ignorant and hurt a lot of people. And I don't know, is he still alive? Are they going to bring him to justice and put him at trial and these sort of things? Yet to be yeah, seen. No, I don't know no, the details, yeah. but I do know it is super strict to have a handgun, a you know, any type oh, yeah. of self-protection in New York State, to have it outside of your house, even is even more strict. And in these areas where somebody like that kid wanted to go hunting, obviously, he found a bunch of unarmed people in an area. You can't do that in states like Pennsylvania. You go try to do that. There's tons of people in there who are concealed carrying. Connecticut, That's right. even, actually, my buddy, yeah. Connecticut is, you know, there's tons of people concealed carrying in the grocery stores and and all these places, right? You don't see these types of things happen in places where there's a whole bunch of people open or concealed carrying. The first time I went to, not the first time, but the last time, most recent time I went to Phoenix, like five years ago, we were in a grocery store and I saw several people open carrying because that's a thing that goes on in Arizona. And I felt like, oh, if if something went down here at the grocery store, these people carrying would handle it, you know? So that's the, the paradox. That's the paradox. That's the exact paradox that Quigley references. Now mm. I'm going to say something controversial. If New York State wants to say white people can't have guns, which is what they've already done. 
Oh, what about I, the guy? I would who, say, what about, what about people who have shot? a heritage? What about people who have a heritage of having been slaves in the past? Is it right ever to deny them the tools to keep themselves sovereign from ever becoming a slave again? I don't think that's right. And it, if I were it, a person of color in New York State, I'd get those gun laws changed like pronto because I think that's messed up. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a mess. Um, it's not a black or white issue. They're making it out to. They're going to make it into that um, because that kid, a couple of weeks you know, ago the there was a the subway Waukesha shooter victims. that my okay. my buddy almost took that subway when it happened. So he was very lucky not to be caught in the crossfire. Now that was a, a you know a black person. I'm not. It's just crazy people. The problem is they're focusing on the ethnicity, which means nothing. It's really the the sentiments, the the sort of issue, the mental issues associated with these individuals. I'm going to say it's environment and not environment. skin color. In yeah, these sort of skin things. color has nothing to do. And then the politiz- as uh, Luke Radowski pointed out, the politicization of these events as well. And you know the 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 DHS label labeling uh, what's it called? LD vanilla something. Vanilla yeah. ISIS. Or no, ISIS, Al Qaeda, <laughs> depending on. See, they're just they're they're the feeling the flames of racial divide. Twenty years later, they rebranded Al Qaeda, and they took it from over there and they put it on these people over here. Oh, that's interesting. I guess the COVID narrative must be wearing thin, so they have to bring back the whole woke. Uh, yeah, well, America is racist. Narrative. I don't know who came up with this vanilla ISIS idea out there, but prepare for Suge Knight to hold you up over the balcony by your ankles and shake you probably because that's his idea. It is a common theme, though. That's something that uh, a lot of commentators and a lot of journalists... Because he allegedly did that to Vanilla Ice. I was just explaining it for people who were like, what? Yeah, look it up. <laughs> it's 90s it is... history. It's from last century. I know. It's like getting to be antique at this point. It's 25 years ago. <laughs> That's true. Ice, it's crazy. Ice, baby. Yeah. But... He didn't steal it from David Bowie at all. I can think... Yeah. <laughs> I can hear that in my head now. You got it. Say. You're welcome. Yeah. Everybody out. Yeah, you're welcome for that. We didn't even have to go around copyrights to get that communication through. You now have that music on your end. All right. So uh, should we head into uh, this week in medium malfeasance with Chris Ely? Yeah. You're right real quick about the uh, many journalists, many commentators have pointed out. Seems to be a strange paradox of the gun-free zones as well. Gun-free, more violent crime associated with guns. You know, correlation may not equal causation, but there's certainly a pattern there. And the the, the great paradox if I had a group is of sheep the ability to I defend said, oneself prevents crime sheep, from happening. That's the paradox I was alluding to earlier. If, I, if I'm a rancher and I got a group of sheep and I say this is a sheep dog free herd of sheep, what do you think wolves are going to be doing? It's like an advertisement. In fact, most of the shooters tend to seek out places they know that they no aren't going to get any resistance back. right exactly that's been cowards. one of the most common themes because yeah. they're cowards that's, that's why right. that's yeah. exactly right so it's a tragedy um whether it's the subway event or obviously what happened in buffalo and let's see how they spin this one um it's interesting to point out that he this this individual considered himself more of the communist uh, leftist spectrum if for the political Whoa. side of it he took a green nationalist so he kind of falls into a lot of the sort of progressive narratives, but they'll paint I'm it sure as they being won't a MAGA like type, you know? Because the yeah. progressives never want, the progressive communist leftists never want to look at like how Che Guevara looked at people of other races, for instance. Oh, Che Guevara they, was a nightmare. That would ruin all those t-shirt sales that they make. <laughs> Hell, I had a t-shirt. Kids. Or I had a uh, poster probably when I was like 16 years old. 
got down to Ocean City. And it's like, yeah, badass. And the guy who killed Che, he still lives down in Florida. His name's Felix. And he's got Che's last cigar piece in the butt of his gun now, like in the handle of his gun. It's an interesting guy. That anyway, this show's not about story? Mr. Rodriguez. There you go. I got both parts of his name there. Just, they're just not together you know, because the algorithms and stuff. Yeah, look him up. He used to host the YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, He's in timeout with Jules Kroll now. Yeah, so LD makes the pirate, you know, we're on YouTube right now, so I'll say it. There's a pirate, um, hey, look at that over there, channel. And um, LD would take famous names that might have been uh, known in nefarious ways. And, like, you know, as a public service, they could at least do the good thing of hosting Grand Theft World Channel. So Jules Kroll, uh, he's in timeout right now on YouTube. Too much truth got told on that channel. Like we did uh, something when LD was out. We we're, were bad boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We showed we, something. I'm we got strikes. Think. Yeah, we got. But that's strikes. okay because our home is like Rockfin and replays. You know, Rockfin, Odyssey, all the other outposts, and YouTube. It's like a nice to have. People can find the show, but they know like over here, it's going all the time, uncensored. And uh, for our audience, it's mostly Twitch rock. Yeah, we don't mind getting a strike on a YouTube pirate account. That's good. Good for that. Appreciate all those that give us those keys. Say names, but thank you for your help. Yeah. And thank you, Ryan Christian, to be a uh, trailblazer and finding ways around. Corbett had the idea, but Ryan Christian was the first one to put it in action that I know of. Yeah, that's where we we got the idea. Because he was super (laughs) censored. (laughs) He was. And he is super censored to the point where he couldn't even finance his own operation, if I understand it right, Patreon or PayPal or various when other Patreon, avenues. Yeah, they started going after yeah. Ryan and Whitney and a yeah, few Whitney others as well. yeah. for content that wasn't even on Patreon. They're just like, we don't like what you posted over there. We don't like what you're saying over there. And it's really oh, only right. since the pandemic came along, you know, so it wasn't that's even you pandemic. could have sanitized content and put it on there. They're like, no. If you said this thing double dip and they can they can say something on a third party platform that is totally legitimate, but Fauci can double dip and get away with it. Fauci can do a lot and get away with it. Wait till you see what what that story is. It's just the tip of the iceberg, too. It's just like just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. It's all Fauci's. But it's got like saran wrap on it because you got to be safe. (laughs) Multiple layers, too, because you don't want it to you want that the tip to break it. And then if we uh, if we make it to post intermission tonight, I started watching the, the new Matrix movie last night, um, and uh, man, I had to pause that movie and rewind it a lot just in like the first I don't know a half hour I watched. There were so many little embedded things that I'm like, I got to figure that out before I keep watching. Like, what's going on with this? And uh, we'll talk about pop culture later and uh, simulations and whatnot. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's do the uh, medium malfeasance, Christy Lee. Elon Musk tweets Friday, Twitter deal temporarily on hold, then clarifies he's still committed to the acquisition, a needed clarification as it seems there's been every effort to stop this deal from going through. Bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, unbalanced, misleading, or just plain false, here's your media malfeasance for the second week of May. Musk's purchasing pause tweet comes just a day after reports feds opened an investigation into Elon Musk. The Washington Journal reports the Securities and Exchange Commission is probing Mr. Musk's tardy submission of a public form that investors must file when they buy more than 5% of a company's shares. Because this deal hasn't been public enough, 
We were also inundated this week with headlines that Elon Musk would reverse the Trump ban. But they left the part out where Trump has repeatedly said he would not return to Twitter and stay on his own platform, Truth Social. Also left out this extremely relevant point. This is the point that I'm trying to make, which is perhaps not getting across, is that, there, is that banning Trump from Twitter didn't end Trump's voice. It will amplify it among the right. And this is why it is morally wrong and flat out stupid. And this is what legacy media just can't seem to comprehend, the fundamentals of free speech. Here's the Associated Press. Elon Musk boasts that he's acquiring Twitter to defend freedom of speech, but he has long used the platform to attack those who disagree with him. Free speech is the freedom to disagree. Elon Musk, an erratic visionary, revels in contradiction. There is nothing contradictory about being a proponent of free speech and using that speech to defend your positions. Free press, also in the First Amendment, is supposed to mean holding those in power accountable, challenging them, which might mean disagreeing. Is the AP using its free speech to attack Elon Musk? How can the AP have so little self-awareness of its own contradiction? have such a lack of understanding of the First Amendment, foundational to its own existence. As the press, you might want to get a better handle on what our constitutionally protected freedom of speech really means. Maybe the AP should focus its attention on our new disinformation czar, an actual threat to protection of free speech. But there are a lot of people who shouldn't be verified who aren't, you know, legit, in my opinion. I mean, they are real people, but they're not um, trustworthy. Anyway, so verified people can... Um, essentially start to edit Twitter the, the same sort of way that Wikipedia is so they can add context to certain tweets. So Nina Jenkowitz wants blue-checked people like herself who has actually been caught promoting disinfo to be able to edit your tweets, your speech, because you aren't trustworthy unless you're part of her elite class. Breathe it all in, children. It's cozy. Attitude. Come, come. Come along. Maybe the AP should investigate why the government is weaponizing the FBI to target news operations, according to an FBI whistleblower. We don't see a lot of investigations into news organizations. It's not common to see a criminal investigation, particularly one categorized the way that this is, is alerting, and it's surprising based on the public information that is provided. There must be more pushback, like in this case. Appeals court reinstates Texas law prohibiting social media companies from banning users over political views. And we must hold lying Merrick Garland accountable for targeting private citizens just concerned about their own children in school. Seven months later, we're learning a whistleblower has come forward revealing the FBI has opened several investigations into parents and local officials all across the country. In one instance, the FBI interrogated a mom because she, quote, belonged to a right wing moms group known as Moms for Liberty. And because she also just happened to, you know, have a gun, which is your right in the United States. Instead, legacy media is used to propagate lies about the Senate abortion vote, except it was the majority vote against the expansive federal abortion bill, 51 to 49. I think that's enough to say it's time to get rid of the filibuster. We need to protect voting rights. 
We need to protect women's rights. And understand this, Mitch McConnell has made clear they're coming after everybody. Yet Elizabeth Warren, the AP, New York Times, Washington Post, all mislead and report that it was a GOP filibuster, leaving the false impression that a minority blocked a bill that had majority support. Same tactics were used to squash Dinesh D'Souza's documentary release about mass ballot harvesting. But notice how often fact checkers like PolitiFact refer to the trailer for the documentary. Trailer is mentioned five times in just the first seven paragraphs. Did any fact checker actually watch the full documentary? It spends more time trying to attack the character of the producer rather than dig into any of the documentary's claims or video evidence. Oh, but they brought out the generic experts say refutation again. The fact check calls into question the accuracy of the geotracking used to identify 2,000 mules harvesting about 400,000 illegal votes. Then why was the geotracking good enough for the CDC? How was the FBI able to use it to arrest January 6th protesters? Why did Chief Justice Roberts say in a 2018 opinion, when the government tracks the location of a cell phone, it achieves near-perfect surveillance? PolitiFact goes on with a straw man argument, the legality of a family member or designated person to drop off a ballot on behalf of another voter, something the documentary doesn't contest. But Bob wouldn't need to go to five different drop boxes, some at 3 a.m., and drop off more than one ballot for Grandma. Now would he? But 2,000 Mules was almost definitely false. It's so strange that the Yuma County Sheriff has announced voting fraud investigations. It's also just an anomaly that a Virginia County supervisor is facing 82 felony charges accused of dozens of counts of voter fraud, according to WJHL. There's nothing strange that a Washington's Mason County auditor who dismissed 2020 fraud failed to declare thousands of dollars from Zuckerberg. And elections are still totally safe and secure, even though a woman found a box of over 100 mail-in ballots on a sidewalk in LA that police won't investigate, according to Fox 11. But most can see PolitiFact for what it is. It's a fact that it's just political. According to Washington Free Beacon, a fundraising email from them says, help us hold politicians accountable. But its analysis of 300 PolitiFact posts dating back to early March say otherwise. Less than a third of the posts involved claims made by politicians, and the ratings were more favorable to Democrats by a large margin. I am shocked. For KLIM.News, I'm Christy Lee. That was a great report by Christy Lee. I like to go back to that part where the 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 character known as Nina Jankowitz, you know the the song and dance lady, Scary Poppins, from a couple past couple weeks we've covered her, uh, where she's like, I I think I think people with the blue check mark should be able to go in and edit other people's tweets. I'm sure, like if they had it on a wish list, they'd like to go in and edit our thoughts too. But they're not there yet until they get the Neuralink, then they can reverse engineer. Say, that's like, what Elon Musk is for. That's why he's buying that's Twitter. A Trojan horse. So that yeah. people can tweet from their Neuralink, but the reverse is possible. If you can tweet with your Neuralink, can't they change your tweet and go back in your brain? Right? Tell me oh, that's yeah. not common 20. Well, Whitney Webb talked about a uh, talked about a company in Israel that says they can beam basically music into your head without any sort of machine interface. So any sort of having to have some sort of implant or something of that nature. So yeah, they already they have had that, that capability. hypersonic sound where they would project that wave and the bones in your ear would put it together. And then yeah, the bones they got like those special correct, forces, yeah. uh, earbud things, it transmits sound through your skin. 
because yeah. um, you know, that's, that's this how, is a game that the machine that deaf people can hear with. And yeah, yeah. I was just going to bring that up actually. Yeah, that's because far out, they, dude. Uh, let me find my buddy was this who works in neuroscience was referencing this crazy situation. Let me see. Yeah, if you guys don't know, I mean, um, my personal they, experience was like yeah. ten years ago. I was at uh, like this outing, and there was this dude, and he had this thing, and you could put it on your skin and hear through it. There it is. Uh, yeah. What's it called? Well, this is a science. So this is this transmits sound through your skin. That was the point. Uh, so that I wasn't referencing that, but it is similar. It isn't similar. So my buddy works there. He just he sent sent this to a group of friends. And a first Great brain implant lets man with complete paralysis spell out his thoughts. I love my cool son. Talks about how he one of the full first song. Oops. Can you set up? I like to listen to an album by Tool. So he was able to talk. He was able to communicate and listen to some songs by Tool, probably off the ladder Alice or something like that. But you know, see, that's like the the, best possible case used for such. That's how it should be used. This is the problem. These things are tools. They can help. um, Right. They can help or hinder. You know. But but obviously, we know this is how the people who are doing that get funding, so that they can actually do it. Their big picture idea of this is for a man with Lou Gehrig's disease. So Lou Gehrig's disease is sort and that's of that's a tragic uh, disease, and people like that should tragic. have technological help. Whatever we can do, muscle mass is away. Yeah, one of my favorite guitarists, Jason Becker, uh, he unfortunately de- uh, developed that disease, and um, I think he's still alive. Amazingly, he was supposed to only live a couple of years, but he through a lot of meditation, through all of this positive thinking, through a really loving family, was able to. It's been going on twenty years or not longer, so. They made a documentary about him. It's really worth checking out. Um, his father actually made a computer program where he could use his eyes, uh, eye movements to spell out, obviously, words and communicate with his family. So it's really inspiring. Um, Jason Becker, one of the greatest guitarists that no one's ever heard of, just from a virtuosic standpoint. Um, he ended so up people doing amazing. really, really good, profound work in the world. And then there's people like Nina Jankowitz, who's phoning it in and singing all the way through yeah. about how she'd like to because ultimately fuck they're going to be gonna famous. Use, yeah they're she's the american version it. of this lady christia freeland <laughs> she from like is. three months ago <laughs> she even kind of looks rich. like her a little bit the rise of the new super global rich and the fall of everyone else you know because jankowitz thinks she's going to be walking up the plane steps and getting on with the rest of the elite people but i bet they're going to cut her loose any day oh that, yeah because it's perk it's they do we have the clip um and christia freeland mallorca I mean, got asked mallorca got asked if he was aware of her her tiktok videos and stuff and he's like no we were not when we hired her so it's like given oh, the fact really? that she I didn't sang know that, that song interesting yeah. yeah 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 so i don't oh, know if that okay. what clip that is where mallorca says that and i don't know if we saw the clip from last week uh where jankowitz sings that song because i was telling people about it that they didn't believe it i'm like what's well, in last week's episode but it might need to be played again because it's the disinformation governance board the dgb and it's not the little jingle that she stole from the new zealand it's that no, sort it's of not. classic broadway style no. but it's, uh, it's it's that other one that ld played at the end of last the episode. one where she wanted to be rich and famous and rich she'll and be famous. a shallow and does she, have to that fuck she needs to be Who to get her done because that's you know, that's the that was one, one of the lines yeah yeah yeah, because she'll do anything apparently. <laughs> I want to point something out real quick. That's a line of work, a- all right. <laughs> uh, so 
So the Elon Musk thing, amplifying Trump is morally wrong. That's just a poor argument. Like he is, it's a correct, it's correct insofar as when you take someone off a platform who has a lot of notoriety, obviously they'll gain more traction and people will gain more interest in what they have to say. But the argument is poor as to why there should be free speech. Yeah. That like, that's the, the point of free speech is so we can contend with, with, uh, in an open platform with other individuals bad ideas and we can actually use reason logic and evidence to refute or argue against bad ideas it's the most peaceful way to engage because the only other way we have to engage after that is through physical violence so i'd rather use my words and my mind and my my speech in order to combat bad ideas before it devolves into violence so very poor argument by elon musk it seems like he was sort of placating probably to a more leftist style host and there's a reason why adver Kundium, uh, to what um, <clears throat> uh, Christy Lee said, she didn't mention adver Kundium, but that's the fallacy of authority or the appeal or to reverence for the authority. And it's a reason why that's the king of fallacies. That's the first one most people go over. It's the first one that takes forever to go over because there's so many different forms of it. But again, experts say, experts say, experts say, how many times have we heard that? And she did, you know, Christy Lee did a great job of breaking things down logically analyzing it, pointing out the experts say fallacy, which is advercundium, and also bring in the straw man about how they're trying to attack the Dines D'Souza's documentary about the about mail box, <clears throat> the, the mail-in voting ballot box situation. It's like, well, you know, family members can go and drop it off, but not 10 different times. What a the poor straw man. That, that's for people who haven't watched the they're desperate. Documentary. They're playing suckers. They're playing and there's suckers. a lot of suckers out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so first off on the Elon Musk topic, I can't get past the fact that his name sounds like a, a, a cheap cologne made by Prince <laughs> Machabelli in the 80s. Elon Musk by Prince Machabelli. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maker yeah. of Winsome. You know, they'd have to like sell it like that. One of those commercials with the people running in slow motion with the hair blowing and stuff. That's what it would have been today. But even the tech, equivocation on the word he's Musk. supposed to be Tony Stark or Tony Stark's Elon Musk, whatever, man. All right. Next, next topic. 2000 mules. Anyone with a technical acumen, when they set the parameters, we all go, no fucking way. Five times to a nonprofit and 50 drop boxes for precision, like you know, GPS data information. No way. You're not going to find anything with that filter. It's too, like, that's too strict a filter. And then they had all these hits. And I was like, game on, dude. Let's see the footage. Let's see what's going on here. So, uh, yeah, Dinesh D'Souza, he's in the bag for Trump. He was in prison by the Democrats. The Democrats put him in prison. Trump pardoned him. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. They put him in prison. This is the United States of America. Right. Trump pardoned him. Okay. So now Dinesh makes movies and he's showing you. He spent a couple million dollars buying the data and they show you nice pictures on screen, how that works. They have your life pattern. And when um, Mike Hayden, who was the director of NSA and director of CIA, when he got asked on stage, Mr. Hayden, what is metadata and what do you use it for? And he Correct. says, we use metadata to kill people. He literally, right. he literally, that's his quote. We use metadata to kill people. How do they kill people with metadata? They got their life patterns from the GPS tracking and all the devices that they got. That's yeah, how it's they all kill the feedback with, with the devices that we interact with gives them a subconscious reading that in other words, um, sort of the thoughts, feelings, attitudes, and behaviors that we don't make conscious necessarily, but we 
do every day and don't think about it. So they have sort of a better readout than we have of ourselves in many regards. And this is why like Renaissance Capital or these other like data analytics firms are so important. That's why politicians, including Trump and Hillary in 2016, use Cambridge Analytica, Cambridge Analytica as well, like these various types of data analytics firms in order to go to various areas when on the campaign trail and tailor their arguments to what the people resonate there. And so it's it's very disturbing because cybernetics is fully in play in regards to they have a full feed, uh, closed system feedback loop with the way in which we interact with technology. And that might be a good segue into the Samuel Rivera point about maybe we need to just disconnect from the social media, disconnect from some of these devices so they aren't going to, because they're weapon, they have been weaponizing these devices against us for well, since really the the whole digital age began, you know, in the eighties and nineties. So I mean, when they came out with DVDs, that was pretty cool. Early internet, not so bad. Oh Cable yeah, it was the wild west. You, there was a point when you could actually transact data, watch movies, do all this stuff, and it was not hyper censored nor surveilled. Yeah, that ended around two thousand six. Yes. And from right. then on, they had Utah Data Center. They had the AI. And they had social media to feed it everybody's everything every all these patterns and that's what they want they want to not only know where you are right now with a high degree of certainty but they also uh they want to be able to predict your patterns in the future correct correct and what's disturbing is like it's everything so all the the smart grid your washing and drying machine if you have one has a little lg or has a little like uh you know um integrated wi-fi transmitter receiver so they can feed back with the smart grid with the um what are those um you know uh, the smart meters smart meters smart meters meters. so it's all every electronic we're using the new electronics this comes with the green agenda everything that's manufactured has these new has this integration built into them um, so basically every new technology we interact with has some sort of feedback built in so they can collect information from the way we use it or the way groups but of Tony, people use it. Tony, it's for your benefit, bro. Yeah. And then you have very smart people, but very evil people developing these algorithms to make sense of it. That's NSA style. And then the front companies for the NSA. Well, there was uh, uh, like a- Xbox 360. Oh, sorry. Exactly it, accidentally se- it accidentally sees through your walls. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. I remember when Sony had this video camera, it had to be around year 2000. And this particular video camera had night vision. So you could film at night. It was a nice feature. Yeah, it's a great feature. It no longer, have you, have you seen a camera with night vision anywhere, anywhere for the past 10, 15? No. You know why? Because like when it shines that light so you can film at night, it basically lets you see through people's clothes a little bit. Yeah. It yeah. gets a little risque, gets a little risque. So back in the day that had that feature was there and then it like disappeared. Now you still can't film at night very well. There's another way you can get, you can see through people's clothes. You just go to the airport, become a TSA agent. Sorry. (laughs) I had to get paid for it. You know, one of those dudes on the way home, they see a peeping Tom. They're like, bro, you're an amateur. Here's a card for TSA. (laughs) (laughs) You can get them to come to you, bro. Everybody flies. Oh man! Brought to you by Homeland Security. People that are into the muscular skeletal side of things. All right, all right. Let's cheer ourselves up. Let's look at what Greg Reese has to offer for this week, because he's always got that (laughs) uplifting content. (laughs) Let's see what's going on. I'm serious. It's uplifting. Oh, Greg Reese is. It's going on. If he didn't say something about it, let's look at the title. But he's he's telling millions of people about it. 
Let's see the title. How Russia could defeat NATO and launch the Great Reset with only one nuke. Only one nuke? Have you seen their uh, Russia's uh, nuke torpedo that causes a 500 foot oh, tidal yeah, wave for the, off of Britain? The, to scenario? inundate the whole the British Isles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To one well, drop. I'm sure the other side has those too, but. Yeah, I'm afraid cool. of the we after what we, by the way, shout out to Jeremy, um, a lot of great feedback from the community um, for their interview last week. But after talking about genius, the, that's why people are like smart. People are cool. That's why they watch this show in the first place. Then you have like super smart people on and they get a lot of good comments. There you go. Gregory, here it comes. All right. Reese report incoming. Duck and cover. America's current nuclear strategy is a deterrent strategy based on the idea that nobody can win a nuclear war without mutual annihilation. And this has been the strategy since the 1960s, based entirely on an all-out nuclear attack from Russia. But this is a problem for the U.S., because Russia is playing by their own set of rules. A key element to America's nuclear deterrent system is our Ohio-class nuclear submarines, which were all built in the 1980s and armed with Trident missiles that cannot reach any Russian targets from port, which is where most of them remain, despite Russia's threats of nuclear war. The Russians, on the other hand, have intercontinental ballistic missiles loaded onto their submarines, which are capable of reaching the United States even when docked at port. But they are not at port, Russia has made their nuclear submarines actively ready for war with NATO. We reportedly have only four on patrol at all times, because the main element of America's nuclear deterrent is our aging land-based nuclear umbrella, designed specifically for mutual assured destruction, a doomsday machine. This outdated system has gone untested for over 30 years, while Russia has continued their testing as well as continued to build thousands of advanced tactical nukes while the U.S. has decreased its own stockpile to below 200. Biden has assured Putin that a nuclear war can never be won, even though the United States itself has already proven otherwise. So is it really that mad to assume a possible victory? We know that the Earth can withstand it, there has already been over 2,000 nuclear bombs detonated on Earth, mostly underwater, underground, and in the upper atmosphere. But it's clear that the Earth's atmosphere can take it. American media is even suggesting it would be good for the environment. But the West could potentially be defeated with only one nuke. Russia has released videos of a strategy wherein they could detonate an underwater nuke to create a tsunami that would devastate the United Kingdom. But there is a strategy far more simple that they could deploy. A surprise attack with a super EMP weapon could bring the United States and Europe to their knees in an instant. A large enough nuke detonated in our upper atmosphere could fry the entire electrical grid, which is already in need of repair. This type of super EMP is capable of an electromagnetic pulse that can emit up to 150,000 volts per square meter, which is three times the amount our military systems are shielded for. An EMP attack like this could quite easily cripple our military communications, 
keeping the U.S. from waging any sort of counterstrike. The payload required for a super EMP could be launched from a submarine at hypersonic speeds and could also be hidden on board a satellite. An EMP payload could have already been discreetly delivered into our atmosphere by Russia, China, or the United States, and once detonated, would first take out all other satellites, leaving all evidence of the true perpetrator undetectable, so it could be blamed on anyone. And with the CCP-owned Biden administration openly vying for the Great Reset, it would seem that taking down the entire public grid could actually serve their Build Back Better agenda. Why on earth would the world care if America was silenced and put to sleep? Average Americans seem to enjoy the endless illegal wars. The mercenaries are now clamoring for a few more bloody dollars. The liberals are celebrating a world war with Russia. And the Republicans are cheering for Elon Musk, who has used his alliance with NASA, which was founded by Nazis, to serve the neo-Nazi battalions in Ukraine against Russia. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Always uplifting, Greg Reese. You hit it out of the park this week. I'm totally feeling at ease now. That these, uh, these it's, it doesn't feel like we're at the end of the roaring 20s about to head into the Great Depression and World War II at all. It doesn't feel like that at all. That's a relief. Yeah, it's a relief, right? You know, at least Elon in the Musk, roaring 20s, they didn't see it coming. At least, well, a couple of key financiers did and pulled out of the stock market right before they crashed. Oh, wait, I can't talk about that. They took that money and they put it across in Europe to make sure World yep. War II was well financed ahead of time. That's how oh, they, they put it in Nazi Germany. That's convenient. Not supposed to. Elon just said Nazi doesn't mean what you think it does. He's uh, going to redefine it. He's, he's going to work that Twitter thing. So I guess out. it's he's a positive, gonna... negative thing based on one's, whether it helps support one's agenda or not. They're, you know, interestingly enough, like a lot of these military channels, my dad was watching something the other day and I happened to be over and was, was walked by it and it was some future warfare scenarios and all of it's about EMP and counter EMP technology. So that's like the big talking point right now is EMPs wiping out the grid would be obviously the game to be played. And that's where future war, that's where they expect future warfare to be conducted. Besides the asymmetrical warfare that we're subjected to every day through mind control and, you know, mass formation psychosis. I mean, what's it really mean for most people? It means you go back to 1800s living for a while. You know how long it's going to take? It might be sharpening your spear before we get to the 1800s, to be honest. We'll be be going back to like the Iron Age. I'm saying it's a pre-electricity type of situation the best you'd be doing is steam power because while you're waiting for the grid to come back up they got to make new transformers and all these other things you have it would take oh it would take the the grid assuming that there isn't world first of all because of the supply chains being down and most people not being prepared the fact that we wouldn't go into a situation of pure chaos like i don't see how it doesn't just devolve into tribalism that we wouldn't even get to the 19th century i think we'd be forced back into a unfortunately like a, a very earlier age in mankind's history the good thing is in such a situation i don't know like i was in new york city when the the power went out like on the whole east coast 2003, that time. 2004 or whatever and 
everybody's out in the street, turning into a big street party everywhere you went. Everybody's out of their apartments. There's food, there's action, there's bands, there's, you know, all sorts of cool things going on. And that lasts for a couple of days. But if it goes on longer than that and people start struggling, they can't get their needs met. You're going to see, you know, plunder and all sorts of. Oh, crazy it's going to turn into going. tribalism. It's going to. So this is the point. I actually brought this up during the last. Sorry. It all goes back to Don Corleone. Because Patrick Wood brought you're up. You're going to get protected by. Right. Yeah. They, you know, it goes back to old school tribalism out of which civilization was was born. Um, how we might even go back to hunter gatherer bands where we even reach tribal communities. That's what and I'm seriously thinking about. Because by... the point is. The point, this is a big issue because I talked about this in the town hall. I'm like, but those people and that blackout, that rolling blackout that I think went extended the whole way in the Northeast, like up to Connecticut and other places, it wasn't just New York. Like there was a grid issue that yeah. extended multiple states. That was with the assumption that people knew that, well, we're probably still going to be able it's to probably get gonna come back on and it's probably going to come back on when yeah. they aren't sure that's going to happen. Let's see how people act. Yeah. When their base needs aren't met, then people become completely irrational. So it's like a, a run for the hills scenario. It is and part purge, Bruce Dickinson style. Part Grizzly Adams. Yeah, it's. Had <laughs> <laughs> the third attempt to throw the uh, yeah Iron Maiden reference. Down. So we don't want to see EMPs. We don't want to see that go on. The other thing that comes with the EMP, like a solar mass corona ejection. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Corona all the houses ejection would burn or down. Solar flare would all the houses the trans- would burn down at the same time because the houses all have copper wire running through them and it would heat up from the magnetism and all the houses catch fire at the same time and there's no fire department to stop any of it and then that's also well 1859 um the carrington event if that happens today that's an emp for the world where the whole world is knocked back into the stone age overnight with a weakening magnetic field which is down over 20 percent since we've been measuring it and then whoever protects their technology during that comes out of victor they just win this sounds like a crazy future thing it would might never happen hg wells wrote about it 1938 it's called the shape of things to come or uh, the movie version is called things to come so you can watch a movie it's black and white it's pretty entertaining because it's like a nuclear war that leads to like crow magnet sticks and stones gangs and then there's a group that preserved their technology called wings over the world and they come in and take over everything oh bless you the uh that's exactly nice nice on the yeah, mute well though. played i couldn't find my mute pedal so i had to go for the mute button on that sneeze Clutch. all right so i want to check out this Rand paul blocking 40 billion for ukraine because I, I don't know maybe maybe he's a bad guy maybe ukrainian babies are going to starve because he's blocking this 40 billion dollars or or maybe he simply said I'm putting an amendment in to make sure there's oversight on this $40 billion and the left freaked out because they were about to pay off a bunch of their cronies over there for actions that they owe them money for, for starting a war with Russia on their behalf. That might be going on. All right, let's check out Jimmy for shut the front door with uh, this uh, Rand Paul speech. So again, they gave $40 billion. They're giving $40 billion to the military industrial complex under the guise of helping people in Ukraine. Just like we were helping people in Iraq, just like we were helping people in Libya, just like we're helping people in Syria right now by occupying their oil fields, just like we're helping people in Yemen by bombing them and killing them and committing a genocide, just like we're helping people in Somalia, just like we're helping people in Ethiopia by backing uh, terrorists who are overthrowing an elected government, just like we're helping people in Afghanistan. Now we're helping people in Ukraine. 
And the only one to stand up against it is a right wing right winger who I'm told is a white supremacist maniac. Rand Paul. Rand Paul stalls the $40 billion aid in Ukraine, breaking with Mitch McConnell. He's willing to stand up against his party leadership. You know who isn't? The Democrats. Bernie Sanders is not willing to do that. Bernie Sanders didn't put a hold on this bill so we could have oversight over it. Bernie Sanders is a good boy. Bernie Sanders is, is a good boy who will never fucking fight for you, ever. Bernie Sanders is a good boy who got his mind right. And he will never cross Joe Biden. He will never cross the Democratic Party because he'll never cross the billionaire donor class that runs this country. Bernie Sanders is there, just like the squad, to get the revolutionary progressive energy and funnel it back into a dead end party that is pro-war and anti-worker. That's called the Democratic Party. And shame on Bernie Sanders for doing that, that gutless coward. And he will never, he won't even take a question from a guy like Kyle Kalinske about it. That's what a coward he is. And here is a guy standing up. And the libs, the shit libs are such shit libs, they can't even have a nice thing to say about him. They're not even upset that Bernie Sanders didn't do this. Let's remind everybody, once again, here's Julian Assange to remind us what the actual point of the Libyan war, of the Iraq war, of the Afghanistan war, of now the Ukraine war. Syria. What is the point of all these? This is the point of it. Because the goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan, and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal, i.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. That's the real point of the Ukraine war, to take money out of the U.S. Treasury and give it to the uh, international, what did he call it, the transnational military state? I don't even know what he calls it. But it's to give it to the military-industrial complex. That's, of course, what this is all about. So this is all about. Here's what Glenn Greenwald said. He says, I defy anyone to read the Rand Paul thread, a summary of the Senate speech he gave, and argue that he's wrong. Even if you support flooding Ukraine with endless U.S. money and weapons, the amounts are staggering. The risks of escalation severe. Should there at least be oversight? So here, let's go to here's what Rand Paul said. He said, my oath of office is to the United States Constitution, not to any foreign nation. Congress is trying yet again to ram through a spending bill, one that I doubt anyone has actually read. And there's no oversight included into how money is being spent. All I requested is an amendment to be included in the final bill that allows for the inspector general to oversee how funds are spent. Anyone who is opposed to this is irresponsible. He's 100% right about that. While I sympathize with the people of Ukraine and commend their fight against Putin, we cannot continue to spend money we don't have. Passing this bill brings the total we've spent to Ukraine to nearly $54 billion over the course of two months. Over the course of two months, $54 billion. Do you know that's almost as much as the Russian government spends on their entire military for an entire year? Russian military spends around $60 billion an entire year on their entire military. We just spent $54 billion in two months on one country called Ukraine. That's what we're doing. 
It's threatening our own national security, and it's frankly a slap in the face to millions of taxpayers who are struggling to buy gas and groceries and find baby formula. Doesn't that sound like something AOC and Bernie Sanders should be saying? But guess who they're not saying it? Guess who is? Rand Paul, a guy who I'm told is a nut Trumper white supremacist, then why aren't you doing better than him? You guys are doing shittier than a guy you call a white supremacist. You guys are doing shittier than that guy. Well, what's the fucking point of you? I'd like to replace all of you with Rand Paul's right now. Why is it Rand Paul is the only one standing up for free speech? Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want guardrails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech. You think we can't determine... You know, speech by traffickers is disinformation. You think the American people are so stupid they need you to tell them what the truth is? You can't even admit what the truth is with the Steele dossier. I don't trust government to figure out what the truth is. Government is largely disseminating disinformation. Why is it, again, this crazy right-wing Trumper white supremacist is the only one saying shit that a lefty should be saying? That's a lefty position. Why, why, why aren't they saying it? Because they're bought, they're corrupt, and you're a chump for voting for them, and you're a bigger chump for donating money to them. And that doesn't make you a nihilist. That makes you a courageous revolutionary, which is what this country needs right now. We need enough people to stop participating in this goddamn corrupt system, this two-party duopoly. It doesn't make you a nihilist. It makes you a coward nihilist to call those people nihilists. To go along with this makes you a coward nihilist. To keep doing the same thing over and over. It also makes you crazy. Because that's the definition of insane. And that's called gaslighting. So when you see somebody with a YouTube show telling you to keep funding and voting for Democrats, even in the face of this shit, that's the nihilist. And that's a coward. Because it takes balls to stand up. And those people haven't had balls in their whole life. They've never stood up for anything against anything ever when it would have cost them. Ever. Do you think we're nihilists, Jackson? for being anti-war and not wanting to participate in this pro-war party? No, but that's how they always want to phrase it. That's how the mainstream media wants to phrase it, too. You know, they come after Rand Paul and they're condemning him and saying, oh, Rand Paul, he's preventing $40 billion in Ukraine aid from going through. What? It's not aid for Ukraine. It's, it's a slush fund, right? It's a slush fund that's going to be funneled into the pockets of these Ukrainian oligarchs back into the pockets of and the political campaign donations of Democratic Party elites. That's where this money's going. And Rand Paul is right on the money, right on the money. He, he said, we can't save Ukraine if you do think that this money is sent to save Ukraine. We can't save Ukraine by bankrupting the United States and crashing our economy. And he's mm-hmm. he's right on the money. So here's that poem I teased in that other segment, but I'll read it to you now. It's by Gil Scott Heron. It was written in 1970, right? I think, or right around when uh, we first went to the moon. When did we first go to the moon? 68? What year was that? 
So here's the poem. It says, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. You know, the man just upped my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. I wonder why he's upping me because Whitey's on the moon. Well, I was already giving him 50 a week and now Whitey's on the moon. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies making me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done missed bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. With all that money I made last year for Whitey on the moon, how come I ain't got no money here? Hmm, Whitey's on the moon. You know, I just about had my fill of Whitey on the moon. I think I'll send these doctor bills, airmail special, to Whitey on the moon. To Whitey on the moon, thank you. So that could be written today. And you could just switch Whitey's on the moon with and Whitey's funding Ukraine. Just switch it to Whitey's funding Ukraine because all those problems still exist. People are economically devastated, especially now after uh, uh, that goddamn stupid COVID lockdown that accomplished nothing. Nothing except crushing people economically. Congrats. Congrats. Anything you'd like to say before we uh, move on to our next story, Danny boy? It's almost like they want yeah, Jimmy almost had it there because he's like, ah, the COVID thing. It didn't do anything except crush small businesses and do all these other things, indoctrinate kids into the mask culture, right? So it did do a whole bunch of things. It just didn't do anything positive for the people who were being downtrodden by the situation. That's what I think he means. But again, like our current president, I have to interpret the words. You can't understand the words that are being said sometimes by that guy. All right, so the next thing we got to hit on this list in this section. Um, I would just add that uh, that was perfectly exactly what they wanted with the COVID lockdowns. Right. For those that are paying attention to the Great Reset, that's right in line with what they wanted. Uh, Proud of this section. I don't know if there's anything else, if there's anything that catches your interest. We'll just cover a couple headlines. Biden administration slammed for ending gas leases amid new record high gas prices, right? So at the time when the record gas prices are going on, they failed to extend the leases. And there uh, is this down infrastructure. There, you know, I remember something from economics class about supply and demand and prices, but I'm yeah, sure that's not relevant out. to this situation at all. Thank you, Senator. President knows us. what he's doing, is what I'm saying. Thank you, Senator. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sorry. supply and demand are inexorable laws of economics. Now, that's interesting. Now, you know, Saudi Aramco. What is that? Maybe I should look that up in the history blueprint here. Yeah, I would suggest that. It's interesting, too, that they reported 40 billion in earnings in Q1 with an 82 percent jump in profits. But there's an oil crisis. And let me get this. If I remember correctly, I think we only import three to seven percent. It's different figures, different places where you look at it of crude oil from Russia. I'm so confused. Hmm. Now, I'm looking at something here called. Saudi Aramco, not sure if it's the same thing. Saudi Arabian American oil company. That's an interesting name. I could see why you'd call it Aramco, because otherwise you'd see that the Americans and the Saudis are working together on that project, along with, if you look at its lineage, the British. This is like MI6 set up with Alan Dulles and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, you know, 
there's Sykes Pico agreement playing into this. Rockefeller. This looks Listen, like the whole, whole point to get of... even sawed in power on Wait purpose. Which is... is this the same group that was grooming the Arab Nazis back in the day? And you know, oh, geez. it seemed to like the radical groups in these various countries for Wahhabism? some reason. It's not like it causes destabilization or anything. Almost like it's part of the new great game. Yeah, Wahhabism, exactly. Right. right? The intelligence playing well. against the people using countries like Saudi Arabia. Can't say it's innovation. It's been going on since ancient times, but the British in the 19th century, the British State Department and uh, uh, Palmerston Zoo, that might, they really took it, it to like, a whole I mean, different level. It's, it's a thing going on. It started in the 1990s, right about the time people found out about Operation Gladio. They're like, well, there's a new great game going on. It's based on the old time great game where the other players died, so we're getting new players involved. <laughs> now America can is it take a new game? Can they still call it a new game? Look, then? dude, look, it's the new great game. Look on screen. Oh, no, this no, is, no, you're not. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just saying that I got the, books on it. This is the thing. The naming of it, the terminology. It's like that. Maybe it's, they should just say it's. It's like if Parker Brothers same old game fired their marketing department. This is what they come up <laughs> with. The new product. <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. The name is in reference to the original great game, the term used that's by right. historians of the 19th century. Yeah, that's, that's right. exactly right. And yeah. the British Empire transferred from great game to new great game with the Anglo-American establishment. And so this is the new great game, you know, starts in the 50s. But really, by the 90s, America is now the lead superpower in that new great game. Yeah. Right. And MI6 just tags along behind, kind of like steering from the back seat, like those Rolls Royce dudes with the chauffeurs. America's like the chauffeur. Yeah. A well-armed security type chauffeur. That's how, I mean, that's actually pointed out in Kel Quigley's magnum opus, Tragedy and Hope, where he says, like, the point of America is to essentially be, what's the word? So the military arm of the world, you know, to be sort the of the property managers, the, the property, property managers, managers. Yeah, that would the be enforcers, the enforcement it. arm yeah. of the cartel. Yep, you got you it. See it as. And that's sort of how they envisioned it, the roundtable group, especially post-World War II, with the way uh, in which that all went down and the new military capability, the industry in America, so forth and so on. So, Military capabilities, ever expanding of the new world. Oh, you know, dropping nukes. That'll do it, I guess. Well, let's hope they don't. Did Zelensky ban the letter Z? Did I hear that correctly? Because I'm like, dude, your name starts with it. What's up? Is there a truth to that rumor? He already banned contrary opinions to his in the media which i thought was pretty you know gangster like old school fascist type thing. you know that's some little mussolini shit right there that's uh wow i don't even know what to say to that i don't know i, don't I haven't know. actually seen anything all right, all right so that's that's rumor we're not going to publish or innuendo is that, that fake Although, news Zelensky would probably enjoy that um as far as um, that Boy. section, I think we're good with that. Yeah. And now let's check out vaccines, lockdowns, and therapeutics. Let's check out the Fauci's floundering Fluminati, if you will. And then later, we got to talk about the Pentaveret, but that's for later. Is Fauci part of the Pentaveret? Stay tuned and see. Is he the head of the Fluminati? Yet to be revealed. <laughs> the Fluminati. All right, let's check out this. Uh, no, I wanted to go to this, uh, the first clip in that section, the real COVID summit. Oh, uh, the Del, Del Big Trees opening model? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. He talks about Bill Gates. Yeah, yeah, okay, let's, go yeah. Let's go ahead because we'll probably have part of the Jackson report, but we'll put some other clips in between mm-hmm. now and then. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. maybe this Alex Jones clip that could be incendiary. Oh yeah, that'll work. Lots of good. All right, here's Dell Big Tree from this past week's High Wire, HighWire.com, and Thursday show, 2 p.m. Eastern. And uh, here's Dell. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are out there in the world. It's time for us all to step out onto the high wire. Well, it was a big week in the book world, one of the most anticipated books, maybe in our lifetime. I'm not talking about Harry Potter. Uh, I'm talking about Bill Gates' new book, How to Prevent the Next Pandemic. I know, I know you've been like waiting, you know, holding your breath. I don't know how my copy didn't get to me. I've been on reserve for this for so long. I'm, I'm, I'm about to press charges against Amazon. I don't know what's going on there. But no matter the fact, um, Bill Gates has his book out that apparently somebody on this planet wants to read. I don't know why. But uh, he's doing his book tour, starting to talk about what we know now versus what we know then. You know, the genius inside the mind, who like the, the computer guy that was a health guy or whatever the heck he is. Um, he's out there. He's made some comments. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about what do we know, what do we not know, and what does it mean to be intelligent on the planet Earth in the day and age that we now live in. Take a look at this. It wasn't until early February when I was in a meeting that experts at the foundation said, there's no way, you know, this, there's been too much uh, travel without diagnosis uh, for us to contain this. And then at that point, we didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is, although a bit different than that. Isn't it amazing when you end up hearing things said like that as though like here on May, he's in May 2022 saying we had no idea that there was like this really low fatality rate as it turns out. And it was really just a disease of the elderly. Really? We didn't know that because we look back at our archives and I kind of remember saying that while it was all going on. Let's just sequester or quarantine those that are most vulnerable, the seniors and the immune suppressed. This is really only a tragic situation for a small group of people that are immune suppressed or elderly. Do you see how gigantic this would be? And to imagine that when we move into the future, how do we move forward? We all talked about it last week. It's hanging in the balance. Do we continue to destroy the economy of America right now? Or do we open it up? If you're under the age of 65 and you're relatively healthy, as, as you know, uh, was being described in that report, uh, you're really going to have almost no symptoms or it'll be like a mild cold. That was misinformation then. That was complete misinformation. We were losing YouTube channels and Facebook channels for saying exactly what Bill Gates is now in 2022 after locking us down, destroying the world, is admitting, yeah, I mean, as it turns out, it was a really low fatality rate. What did we know then, though? How did I know that? I mean, was I psychic or were we just reading you things like this from the NIH? This is May 2020, the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak. What we know. Here's what we knew. As of 11th of February, a total of uh, 1,715 medical workers had been infected, of which five had died, with a crude case fatality rate of 0.3%. 
The case fatality of the currently reported cases in China is less than 4%, which implies that so far this novel coronavirus does not seem to cause the high fatality rates previously observed for SARS-CoV and MERS-CoV, 10% for the first and 30% respectively. Um, there were other articles that went on to talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, those that are dying really aren't dying for the reasons that we think. In fact, this is the CDC all the way back August of 2020, 94% of COVID-19 deaths had underlying medical conditions. It went on to say they had more than two comorbidities. I've talked about this ad nauseum. This isn't new to anybody that's been watching the high wire. But if you're brand new to the high wire, maybe it's a bit shocking to think right at the back of this pandemic, we were telling you these numbers aren't what you're being told. And then, of course, John Ioannidis, one of the great um, epidemiologists in the world, looked at data from around the world. This is the article that he wrote about that. A fiasco in the making. As the coronavirus pandemic takes hold, we are making this decisions without reliable data. He goes on to say, a reasonable estimates for the case fatality ratio in the general U.S. population vary from about 0.05%, that's case fatality rates, to 1%. That huge range markedly affects how severe the pandemic is and what should be done. A population-wide case fatality rate of 0.05% is lower than seasonal influenza. Why don't we figure out what's going on? Well, Maybe the problem Bill Gates had was that he was reading his own press. Maybe he wasn't actually paying attention to what we actually knew, but he was lost in who he was investing in and who he was in funding to scare the hell out of us, like the Institute for Health Metrics uh, and Evaluation. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation boosts vital work at the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. He gave them $279 million back in 2017 to be able to use them to get really valuable information. So let's see how valuable the information Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was foistering upon the planet Earth uh, early on, as he said, when we didn't know what the actual fatality rate was. Well, here's what he was projecting through um, the uh, IHME. This is really interesting. This is April 4th of 2020. Now here they're projecting that all beds needed, that purple line, that by April 4th, 164,745 beds will be needed. Of those ICU beds, there'll be 31,000 ICU beds needed on that day in America. And then for the invasive ventilators, we're going to need 24,848. This was Bill Gates' brain trust here. This is where he was living and breathing and eating popcorn and drinking coffee and trying to figure out how, you know, how to end the pandemic we were in. But what were the numbers when we really look at them? Here's the actual numbers of April 4th. Instead of 31,000 projected ICU beds, we actually only needed 5,200. He was only off by 596%. And then in the overall total, the 164,745 projected hospital beds needed, we actually only ended up using 22,158 actual beds. There, he's off by 743%. And then in the projected ventilators, the things that were used to kill people, 9 out of 10 people died while using them. They projected they needed 24, nearly 25,000 of these death machines. They only ended up using 656 on April 4th. That was out by 3,000 800%. So perhaps the problem Bill Gates had was he was too involved with scaring us all to actually get a grip on the reality we were actually living in. Here's another video and just just brace yourself for this statement.
There was a lot of uncertainty about, for example, school shutdowns. Right. Uh, to this day, you know, there's still arguments about uh, how many cases that avoided. It's pretty clear because young people uh, don't get sick from the disease very often uh, that we probably, if we knew everything we know today, we would have shut schools down a lot less than we did right. during this pandemic. I mean, yes, it's tricky for the elder adults. It's tricky uh, in a lot of ways. And you mean by that high school and under? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, for college, going virtual tends to work awfully well. The infection levels are a little higher as you get up into that age group. But K through 12, we have a learning deficit that will take us a long time to erase that. And sadly, it's a deficit where the inner city is where it's almost two years, suburban schools less, private schools in some cases, uh, like my kids, almost no deficit at all. Really? Your kids no deficit at all? What a shocker! Oh my God, you had a school where your kids did just fine, Bill. Meanwhile, the rest of us that were saying these lockdowns are racist, we were all being called racist for coming out against the lockdown, saying this is going to destroy our children's lives, destroy their education, drive them to depression and suicide, all things that are happening in astronomical numbers. And now he's telling us he finally figured out that as it turns out, with a group of children, the children had almost no risk whatsoever to the disease, but we locked them down anyway. And, you know, surprise, surprise, they're behind by like two years, ready to slit their own wrists. But don't worry, my kids did just fine. All right, well, let's just look at, does he really learn something? I mean, since he's reflecting back on what he didn't know, the high wire knew it, and anybody with intelligence, you know, above about 40 IQ could figure out what was going on. But now he's written a book because he's looking at the future for his next pandemic. I mean, the, the next pandemic. And uh, let's see what some of the statements are coming from this book. you right. Choice quotes from Bill Gates' new book. Oh, I, I jumped the spot, didn't I? Let, let's go back. Let's go back to like where I, I missed the part where we were going to like sort of brag that Highwire is right. Did we know the school should be shut down? Here's what we were saying back then. I mean, every scientist around the world has been saying this doesn't affect children. It's really the elderly. We know this for a fact. Wuhan, China, they said people are dying everywhere, but none of the children are getting it. Remember all of those discussions? It's been circling the world. We've, we've had different explanations. Some because we know that the virus attaches to ACE2, which children apparently have a very low level of H 2 Maybe that's the reason. Or maybe they just have really badass interferon. Let's protect those that are truly at risk. Over the age of 65, other comorbidities like heart disease or COPD, diabetes, perhaps even obesity. Let's look at those that have severe autoimmune issues. Let's protect them. Let's lock them down. Let's keep them in masks. Let's make sure that they're safe while we send our children back to school, while the healthy get back to work so that we can reach. And yes, the words are now being said in the capital of the United States of America, natural herd immunity. 
I mean, that was it, that we were looking at the science. We knew that children were at almost zero risk whatsoever. Right in the heart of China, no kids were getting this thing or dying. It wasn't an issue. Why did we lock down the schools? It made no sense. It made you question, what's really happening in D.C.? Who's in charge? I mean, is the president demanding that we lock everybody down, or is that just Tony Fauci, Deborah Burks, all of which whom have been on the board for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Well, I remember something that the president said seemed to allude to the fact that he thought we should open up the schools. Hey, young kids have a very strong immune system. Nobody even knew it. Get your children back to school. Get them back to school. I don't care. This isn't a political show. I don't care what you think of Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That's not what this is actually about. The point is just simply, we knew we should have been open. We knew the kids had amazing immune systems and that they should be in school. Yet Bill Gates and everybody kept promoting this idea of locking them down. And now all of a sudden they're waking up. So let's get to his book. Let's get to the statements he's making. Has he learned something? Does he realize that, you know, many of those tactics didn't work? These are chose quotes from Bill Gates' new book. The human suffering caused by these separations is incalculable, literally. No one can put a number on the pain of not being able to say goodbye in person. But the policy saved so many lives that it will be worth adopting again if the circumstances call for it. Of course, I'm sure he's talking about not being able to visit people in the hospital that were dying, this incredibly inhuman thing that we did over the last couple of years. And doctors were in on it, I guess, like grinning to themselves that your mom's going to die and you're never going to get to see her again or your father or your uncle or your brother. And the hospital's blocked because they didn't want you catching this cold or spreading this cold, even though I guess you could have taken a test there. We get it. But now Bill Gates is saying as horrific as that is, and I feel for you, I do. And my kids that are still well-educated feel for you too. But the point being that we may have to do this again because it was so successful. Really, Bill? Really? Let me just show you the most recent uh, article. We've played this on the show. We showed you this on the show. But how successful were lockdowns? This is John Hopkins University. I think they know what they're doing. A literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns on COVID-19 mortality looking across the world. Here's what we learned. While this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects. I don't know what Bill Gates is saying. They're highly effective. Every study is telling us this. They have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. Uh, these, uh, these costs to society must be compared to the benefits of lockdowns, which our meta-analysis has shown are marginal at best. Such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument, period, full stop. That's Johns Hopkins. I don't know where Bill Gates is at, but I guess if it doesn't affect your family, then it didn't affect anybody that bad. Sorry about grandma. Sorry about your dad. Sorry about your mom. I'm sure they would have loved to tell you they love you. They knew that. They died. Just know that. Okay. So look at this quote. Lockdowns are a great example. The evidence is clear that they reduce transmission. I don't know what he's talking about. And that stricter lockdowns reduce transmission more than looser ones do. But they're not equally effective everywhere because not everyone is able to comply by staying in one place. 
He goes on to say, lockdowns may be necessary. He loves this in places where the disease burden is modest. They're also more effective in countries where residents have less of a voice in the country's affairs. We really like totalitarian dictatorships. That's where they are really putting my model into place. And the government is in a position to strictly enforce lockdowns and other mandates. That's where it really rocks. Uh, if only it were actually true. The truth is, is I could show you New Zealand that had a zero COVID policy. We told you that wouldn't work. It didn't work. They had infections go through the roof. Australia, same thing. And these were islands, right? These were islands. I mean, if anyone was going to pull off zero COVID, it would be them. But he's saying the stricter they were. I mean, how strict did you need to be? How about Taiwan? Taiwan was insanely strict. Taiwan, an island, if you're ever going to try and pull off zero COVID, that would be the place to do it. How long will Taiwan stick to its zero COVID approach? This is amazing. Zero COVID they went for. In fact, I remember threats of fines if you weren't wearing a mask, like huge fines or not social distancing. I mean, they were crazy about this. They went for it. And they kind of had that type of, you know, government where if you don't do what you're told, you know what's going to happen. Well, how is Taiwan doing? Well, a month ago, you know, they were having a little bit of an outbreak again. Now, their worst previous outbreak during their zero COVID policy happened between February and September of 2021. Uh, they had a little bit of a spike there. They got up to 600 confirmed cases at the seven-day rolling average. Well, last month in the middle of April, they had gone back to that spot, which was really alarming because they were working so hard at zero COVID. Everybody was double and triple masking. Everyone was getting their vaccine, you know. But the thing is, it should have gone down, right? I mean, all of those measures work because as Bill Gates says, the stricter the lockdowns, the better. Unfortunately, one month later, I want to show you where this is at. And I want you to just, before I change, just take note of between February and September. Remember that blip? Remember how big, that was like their biggest, but they had one back in January 28th, that little guy right there. Then February, that was a doozy. February to, to, the, to September there, 2021. Let's look at where they're at right now. All right, take a moment to grasp this. We're not in the hundreds anymore. They're up above 35,000 confirmed cases in the last seven days. And that giant blip they had between February and September, look at that thing. That's like a flat line compared to where they're at now. This is what serious lockdowns have done to Taiwan, put them at risk. And now there's infections freaking everywhere. Lockdowns don't work. Masks don't work. Bill Gates is an idiot, and so is anyone who buys his book. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show. I got a big show coming up. I am going to have an amazing opportunity to have at this table with me, Dr. Robert Malone, Richard Urso. All these guys came together for the Global COVID Summit. I got Dr. Ryan Cole all here with me to talk about what was this all about, the Global COVID Summit. Are you muted? Thank you for that. Getting used to the new setup here. I just just got moved in. A fantastic opening monologue uh, by Dell Bigtree. I just want to point out that the Johns Hopkins lockdown study, it was through some sort of foundation that one or two of the members are part of the Cato Institute. And there are some problems with that study. Um, it's actually has been somewhat corroborated by the CDC's own data recently. So there are other good studies too to show that lockdowns have been severely ineffective. But uh, ineffective. But I wouldn't say that's that's not directly related to the university, Johns Hopkins. It's through an affiliate to the university, and I just want to make sure there's some clarity there um, because that that's been very highly disputed. 
And there's some, I don't want to say debunkings, but there's some good counter arguments against that study. Not again, obviously it's for anyone that's paying attention, lockdowns did not work. And he's pointing out Taiwan as a perfect example and the economic impact. It's going to, it's going to take years to really be able to quantify that meaningfully. But I just wanted to, just for purposes of um, full transparency, I just want to make sure people understand that I underst- I've looked into and I've been made aware of that specific study. And although it's interesting, there are many, many problems with it. So referencing it, you know, and all we the ask best one. is that when people consider such studies, like right now, there's like, there's a lot of debunking and, th- you know, well, just apply that equal scrutiny to the other stuff. Yeah, that right. That's, that's what I ask purveyed. as well. Because a lot of times it's like the, you know, either side will just believe what their side says, but they Correct. scrutinize very heavily with the Well, you can't learn that way. That's like antithetical to learning. And so you don't know everything yet. You got to right. take that position that you're the learner, be curious, ask questions and, you know, yeah, reserve what, what judgments for when you make a conclusion based on yeah, facts. It was basically a team of economists, um, one of which is a, a member on the Cato Institute, which is a libertarian think tank. Um yeah, and Cato Institute. I have wrong. the history blueprint. I'm pretty sure they're funded by the Koch brothers back in the yeah, day. Yeah, mm-hmm. almost positive you're correct there. And they're a major sort of pusher of Austrian style economics, Austrian school theory, Mises and Rothbard, which obviously I'm a proponent of as well. But I understand yeah. the pitfalls there. I understand the pitfalls and the and the funding and you know Rockefeller and Mount Perry. Anyways, the bigger point is the study took essentially one. Uh, this so this meta analysis took one study and used like 86 to 90% of that one study, which concluded that actually lockdowns had a positive effect, but they somehow spun it to say that it had a negative effect. Um, I've been, and honestly, they may be, they may be correct. It's not uncommon when you do a meta-analysis to filter a bunch of studies down to a small amount that's representative of what you're trying to do. And especially removing for all the errors that might be included in, in all of those studies, but they basically, they filtered it down to like seven out of, I think over hundreds and hundreds of studies around the world. And then they took out of that seven, one, and they used like 90%. And even what that study concluded is that it had a positive effect. So it's like, what I wanted really was for those researchers to come out and explain why, why did they use that one study and that showed that it had a positive effect? Why did you do this thing without any studies in place? It was totally not scientific. Six feet was made up. All this social distancing stuff came from like a girl's homework report for science class and her dad worked at DARPA. Right. Yeah. So right, like, exactly. there was it's no equally, scrutiny right. there. You guys just went lockstep pun intended right. with that without thinking and needing science. But now that we're trying to like, see what was going on. Cause you just look at those graphs from Taiwan. And if you understood graph one to graph two, and those people were like super locked down, like China, like, you know, zero COVID triple mass, like Dell was saying right. that goes on. Like that, that, that virus, whatever was breaking out there did not seem to be deterred by all their safety measures that they'd been practicing for two years now, taking away people's freedom. That was the argument from um, Stanford University, one of the top epidemiologists, Jay Bhattacharya, very, very, very early on in the pandemic that once we were able to get the data back pretty quickly, that it was affecting most, especially the alpha and delta strains, delta affected some younger ones, but the alpha strain affected mostly the elderly with comorbidities, and it was not affecting children at all. But there's no rationality to the policy of lockdowns whatsoever. And to be fair to the Johns Hopkins study or the study that's affiliated with Johns Hopkins, but is not funded directly by Johns Hopkins, let me clarify that. The CDC's own data recently corroborated elements of that 
affiliated Johns Hopkins study. So I don't want to sit there and say there isn't any truth necessarily to it. Even the, the even the CDC's own data has sort of realized because that's what Fauci said a couple of weeks ago. He's like, well, you know, there's some unintended consequences, you know, to this whole situation. And then so they're referencing their own data and be like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe lockdowns were done too hastily in hindsight. So it's not like I'm not saying that those individuals, as economists that are affiliated with Johns Hopkins University, didn't point out something that may be true. It's just the way they did the study is easy to refute. And, but it still might have reasonable data. So like, I think over time, we're going to get better and better studies, but the CDC actually kind of corroborated and backed up kind of what they're saying, ironically. So we'll have to, we'll have to see what emerges. It's quite obvious to anyone that's paying attention. It doesn't take one grand study that we have to reference to showcase the devastating impact that lockdowns have had on mental health, on things that basically can't be quantified, mental health, um, physical health, people staying at home, sitting in their asses, watching Netflix while the FDA tweets, dip pizza and chocolate, because that's a new great thing to do. Instead of telling people, hey, take your vitamin D, get outside, breathe like fresh air, get some sun, you know, eat some salad and like some lean meats or something like that. No, you know, dip some pizza and chocolate. It's a great new thing while you're locked down. Like it's just so that irrational. It's, these are, it's it sounds it's, stupid. And that's the FDA. What is so, yeah. But <laughs> the point is, there's a lot of things that can't be quantified. Like um, one of the uh, what's this McDonald McDonald? I forget his first name, but he came out with old the, old McDonald. Uh, that's the one that <laughs> Bill Gates. It's a sad story. <laughs> with the fart bags up the cow's ass. Anyways, um, that's going on. That's going to be that's actually going on later. Yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah. That's uplifting clip too. We'll play that. Later. Lots of uplifting clips um, in this end of the world. The the wow. uh, real quick, okay. I wanted to touch on two things. Uh, mm-hmm. First off. Netflix is firing its woke people. We're not going to cover that story later tonight, but I thought well, two hundred thousand people since January or something February dropped off the platform. Like they're they're putting oh, yeah. ads in. Netflix went woke. It's going broke, and now they're jettisoning jettisoning the heavy equipment on board. All those woke attitudes that made them do that and prices going up. But the other thing I want to touch on was, and they're putting ads in there in so. relation to the quarantines and whether or not these studies have any validity. I have this to offer. I saw a clip from a recent Joe Rogan podcast. They're talking, or maybe it was six months ago, but um, they were talking about Kaczynski mm-hmm. and MK Ultra, his participation in Harvard's MK Ultra. Pro- we talked about this on oh, the show yeah. months ago too. But what a, they brought that, up that I hadn't net. heard before was that when Kaczynski was a, a baby, he had an illness and the hospital basically said, we're going to keep him and the parents can't be around him for like months and that type of quarantine could make someone go a little, especially when they're needing the parents and they're not getting that interaction. Right. So that's an early serial. He's not serial killer, but it's early programmed killer by the government type of situation there that uh, that might've went on and contributed to later why he was such a prime candidate for those people at Harvard to, to use with that CIA project bending people's minds. There's like a famous that. study. I'll try to find it. Someone actually sent me the reference for it when I mentioned on the town hall. This was probably six months ago. So I'll try to found, find it when we go to a clip. But when I took a social psychology course, my, every, my senior year at high school, all the kids wanted to take a so, this social psychology course. It was one of the few electives we had at our small little parochial school. And besides the interesting experiment we did where you had the police and you had the citizens and then you had the, the bad people, you had this like little social experiment where there's name tags and you had to basically rat out people. That was very interesting to see how friendships 
or dissolved very quickly. It was like but a little Stanford prison experiment. It was basically a mini Stanford prison experiment. Yeah. And everyone wanted to participate only to realize that uh, it's a lot more serious than uh, people. They thought it all be fun, but it's the grades involved. And But anyways, um, I remember the social psych teacher pointing out a study from the textbook that basically they took babies and removed them from any sort of physical care. And they basically had a control group where babies were removed from physical care and then had like, in other words, any sort of elements in which they were able to get nutrition or basic needs met or through some sort of interface, like they're in a tube, they're have some sort of gloves, you know, where you put the hands in, like, so you're in like the NICU unit at the hospital, something that's very impersonal, right? Then they had other babies that were subjected to the standard care of like holding it, hugging it, loving the baby half the babies died and the group that obviously didn't receive any human. So like there is an element of one human connection to, makes a big deal. In just to survive, just to survive. Yeah. Now those yeah. that did survive their their the spectrum for sociopathy increased many times over. So well, in other words, the point with the quarantines, yes, right? if, increases if, if in individual cases well, that makes people go a little, what if don't, what happens when you do it to 208 countries at the same time? Or however is many it, countries went and one McDonald, so it's the locked it down. Mass formations of one of the guys that turned part of the mass formation psychosis, the LA psychiatrist McDonald's is last name, based on this first name. Um, not Norm McDonald, but anyways, so he pointed out law. Um, but he McDonald pointed out, I'll find his name in a second, his first name, that uh, he was getting he's a psychiatrist and well, I have his was, book. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, small book. Yeah, it's, yeah, he had uh, when you read elements. United of it, States I mean, of Fear, the author mm-hmm. of the United States of Fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of his anecdotal cases from what he was treating were like children taking knives to each other and like chasing that. Like people, children were really particularly losing their mind from the inability to be able to play. This is something that John Piaget and Jordan Peterson references Piaget, like the inability to play is. The inability to form these connections at certain ages means you'll never form them at all. And like we develop a social ethic by playing with one another at certain ages and by understanding where the boundaries exist. And that's sort of like the the manifestation of a sort of natural ethic that comes out of the participating and interacting with other human beings. When you remove that connection, children particularly, you know, it just not only does it potentially lower IQ, but it increases antisocial behavior, which leads to sociopathic behavior. And they've known this for over a hundred years. Oh, My case yeah. study would be William James Sidus, mm-hmm. who was the model for goodwill hunting. That's right. We've yeah, talked about him here on the show. So you could look it up in the past episodes of this show and get a long section. I made a, a Goodreads or a, a, what was the other series I did? Uh, History Connected on mm-hmm. uh, goodwill Sidus, it's called S-I-D-I-S. Yeah. So they've known that. And now they're rolling it out to everybody. Just like they did MK Ultra on Kaczynski, now they're doing it to everybody. For people who are interested in elements of Kaczynski, uh, check out DasNet, where I still want to feature elements of that, a longer section of that for um, up, now that I moved, once to get more settled, uh, an upcoming intermission, but about cybernetics. But What's we'll deal with Lutz that. Dembeck, the guy that made Lutz it. Dem- yeah, Dembeck, 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 something like that. German. And then there's German. German. And uh, Feature a little bit of Uncle B as well. Talking about Soros's model for. uh, Now, if you want to know about technocracy, that's like the classic cybernetic transhumanist type of joint venture documentary situation there. Dasnet or on YouTube, you can find it. The net. Mm -hmm. Because I had had trouble finding it. With subtitles. 
Yeah, I had trouble finding it when I searched for its actual name, but you know, there's an English translation. Yeah, uh, able it still to survive. So just not many people are aware of it. I found the YouTube algorithm doesn't work well if it doesn't get many hits. So less hits, the better. I In found other words, Google's we're hiding algorithm, and I stopped going there a long time ago. <laughs> All right, for this next clip, we're going to go to the uh, the folks down in Austin in FEMA Region 6 at the uh, InfoWars headquarters. And they're going to talk about some sort of CDC data being misconstrued. And there's going to be a lot of claims. So this is a good chance, uh, Tony. Let's practice some logic and detect some fallacies. And is this a, a story that exists that gets hyperbolized in reporting? Is it a story that exists that gets accurately, accurately portrayed and reported? Or like what the situation is? Because it's some pretty big claims here. So this is where we put our thinking caps on because uh, it seems to be important data. So let's go ahead and check it out together, and then uh, we'll do some thinking on the other side. There's the, there's the chart where you can see when the masking began and the vaccines began, that's when the excess death occurred. It wasn't before that. And their inflammation and blood clotting and their prior You talk about smoking guns. Spend some more time on this for TV viewers. Radio listeners can find it at FlemingMethod.com, but this is from their own data. This is smoking gun. Yeah, this is CDC data. Now, all I did, they, they, the green part is the expected deaths that we see year after year after year, and the blue bars are the excess deaths that have occurred over the course of time. All I did was take their data and say, well, isn't it interesting? This is when masking began. This is when Pfizer and Moderna and Janssen and the boosters were started. And when you look at this, in every one of these instances, with the exception, possible exception of Janssen, which started to see a slight decrease, but we know it, it produces lots of blood clotting. And with the boosters, you see the excess deaths going up. And when you go a, a few slides in, into, the, into the presentation that we're doing further, these deaths are not due to a pneumonia, which is what you would expect from a SARS virus. They are due to, there you go, those are the absolute numbers. You see at the very top, minuscule amounts of, of pneumonias, but what you're seeing or the inflammatory thrombotic diseases of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, strokes. And, and amazingly enough, you see the neurologic diseases, the prion diseases, Alzheimer's. These are the absolute numbers of excess deaths following on the heels of masking and these vaccines. The vaccines showed no statistical reduction in the EUA document of reducing COVID. And the absolute data now shows us that the consequence of this vaccine program has been the production of every one of these diseases. These are the excess deaths being tallied by the CDC. And I know they weren't trying to give me information to use in a, in a, in a presentation, a keynote presentation like this, but they did their job and they provided beautiful data that shows the consequence of these vaccines and masking. And the insurance the companies Hopkins are showing the same numbers. It's coming out everywhere. I mean, are they just thinking this is going to be hidden in plain view and they're never going to get brought to justice? This is this is a giant crime against humanity. This is Hitler level. Look, the CDC had me over in Greece in 2005, specifically at their request for me to present a conference in 2005 in Greece on the theory that I laid out this inflammation and blood clotting and the way that this could be measured inside the body. So the CDC was completely up to speed on this. And they invited me to go over there and give this presentation. They, they can't pretend they're unaware of it. You know, you want to know my personal opinion. My personal opinion comes to you as a father, not, not, not as an individual. I have an obligation to my children. And this entire 
episode of what we're dealing with with these individuals has to do with our children and our grandchildren. That's who the commitment is because our children and our grandchildren are eventually going to judge us for what we did or did not do during these times. Nothing in the agreement of the United States to be part of the World Health Organization entitles the United the, the World Health Organization to take control of the United States. They have no authority based upon this original document, and it's never been relinquished to them. Absolutely. It's well, it's kind of like the CDC the when it announced it controlled all rents in the country, and the Supreme Court said no. This is power grabbing at the federal level, the international level. It's all just a giant power grab. And some of these other numbers that have come out from the insurance companies. So uh, Dr. Fleming joins us now to go over all of that data. Uh, we could start with Walgreens. We could start with the new variants. We could start with their plans for more lockdowns. They've already been telegraphing and admitting. Dr. Fleming, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure to be here, Alec. Thank you for the invitation. We need to get updates. This is important. These are crimes against humanity. It's ongoing, and they're planning a second obvious operation. Where where do you want to go first? Well, the first place is to let people know that there's two basic needs right now. Information, clear, concise, uh, proven information, which you've received many of the documents on. And the second is a plan of action to stop the problems that are currently going on. That is what the Crimes Against Humanity Tour is about. Uh, this was a tour that was put together uh, over the last year and a half. And my express goal here is to provide clean information that any grand jury, any person, but particularly any grand jury uh, convened by a state governor can look at to know that charges should be filed against Anthony Fauci and a number of other individuals in the federal government for what are crimes against humanity. The gain-of-function research that has been going on for several decades have clearly violated the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the Helsinki Code, the Nuremberg Code. The federal judge in the uh, Southern District of Texas uh, ruled in the uh, Jennifer versus uh, Houston uh, case last year that Methodist Hospital could not be held legally liable for these criminal actions because they're not a government. And in fact, those three words, not a government, are critical moving forward in federal court. That federal judge clearly then stated that a federal government or an individual working for the federal government who violates now these biological weapons convention treaties and the informed consent and the rules that were established in 1947 in Nuremberg can be held legally accountable. And it's time to hold these individuals accountable. If Anthony Fauci and the rest want to provide evidence that this gain-of-function research was not somehow a biological weapon agent, that they weren't violating the U.S. Constitution under Article 6, which states that treaty laws are the law of the land, then he has been given an opportunity to do that. I have sent emails to him, <clears throat> uh, and, and he and his office have responded back that they're way too busy to do this now on the 19th of June. So I have sent emails offering the 11th of June or any other time during this this uh, this uh, tour <clears throat> or at any point in time that he wants to have a legitimate conversation because he works for the people of the United States and he has an obligation 
to provide evidence to the people of the United States that what is clearly gain-of-function research has not violated these treaties and is not tantamount to treason. And that's what you professionally should do and journalistically and medically. You're reaching out and giving them a chance to respond. He'll go out there on these countless talk shows that are financed by Bill Gates and spout lies all day, and they've now had to admit so much of what they said was a lie, but at the same time, their answer is to censor you and I and silence the people. Absolutely, and the people aren't having anything to do with it. Every time we have taken this information to a a, a test group and asked the people, is there enough information in the video deposition that I've given in the book, Is COVID-19 a Bioweapon?, And in the uh, complaint or affidavit that I have online, is there enough information in here to indict these individuals, including Anthony Fauci, for crimes against humanity? Every single person has said yes. Now we're waiting for at this point in time is for a state attorney general to convene a grand jury to provide this information and to begin the indictment process. It's very clear that decades of research has done nothing beneficial for mankind. If we look at the gain-of-function research for this coronavirus, and we look at the fact that the vaccines are the same genetic code, and as you said, this isn't this isn't uh, cobra venom or freight venom or anything else. You know, in the last presentation in Chicago, I showed the the molecular structure of the spike protein and these uh, and, and snake venom. This is nothing more than smoke and mirrors being thrown out there to confuse people. And that's, that's a great way to tear the system apart and, and get uh, people confused and, and more confused. Meanwhile, they're coming out with statements that there's going to be a million more cases and we're going to have to consider remasking. I listened to news media report in the Chicago area. They went out to the people and said, well, would you mask back up? And the people to a person said, well, of course, if we need to do that, we will remask up. It doesn't take very much to manipulate the American people when you have them so stressed and so concerned. And when you have massive surveillance and censorship of the real medical establishment warning this is all a giant fraud. We've really seen tens of thousands of prominent doctors and scientists come out and, and, and really tell the truth and be vindicated. So now Bill Gates's answer is to censor you even more. And they now have this new ministry of truth they're establishing. Dr. Fleming, please stay with us. Dr. Richard Fleming is our guest a renowned medical doctor, and he's with us here. He's also a doctor of medical law. And we're talking about solutions. We're talking about how to take action and put these criminals on the hot seat. They've admitted they backed off their COVID tyranny for now because the opposition was mounting, and they could see they were going to be brought to justice. So they backed off a little bit, but are planning to bring it back. That's why we got to press the attack, bring them to justice, be informed. And now that we've had a couple years of these Gene therapy injections taking place. We see the aftermath. It's just incredible. And it becomes clearer and clearer what the larger plan was. Can you give us the 35,000 foot view here on now as more time's gone on, we're discovering exactly what's happening and then drill into the Walgreens data and some of this other just incredible insurance data that's coming out? Well, the reality is if we just go to the CDC website, we get a wealth of information back and you probably remember this. I, I have been talking since 1994, explaining that when viruses come into the body, uh, they will produce an inflammation and blood clotting or inflammatory response. And that's exactly what SARS-CoV-2, this virus, does. 
And when you have that inflammation of blood clotting and you don't treat it, you end up with COVID-19. Now, the CDC has done a great job of showing the excess deaths. And it's one of the, the pieces of information we discuss in this Crimes Against Humanity tour. If you look at when those excess deaths occurred due to inflammation, blood clotting, and prion diseases, as we've talked about with this spike protein, prion diseases like Alzheimer's and other uh, neurologic diseases, they are actually ahead of schedule. And the excess deaths followed on the heels of masking and every one of the vaccines that has been given to people. And if we look at the world data, very clear that the variants, there's 28 variants that, yeah, that's a good map. If, if the Ukraine did nothing more for the American public, it established that there's over 15 biological weapons labs in the Ukraine that the United States is helping to pay for, eight of which are completely run by the U.S. Department of Defense. And as I've said before, more than half of the funding for this gain-of-function research has, been, has come from the Department of Defense, where they have provided experts uh, to... Uh, Dayzak at EcoHealth and Ralph Barrick and Chi-Zeng Lee and University of Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Texas, all over the United States. These, these to be clear, it's not Russian propaganda. You reported this. I reported this long before the Russians did. But I've seen the Russian reporting by their Ministry of Defense. It's very accurate. Ukraine bio lab update. Russia implicates Pfizer, Moderna, um, Merck. Obama, Soros, the Clintons, the Bidens, the Rockefellers, and others from their own documents. And then our media just calls it disinfo, like they called the Hunter Biden thing disinfo. I mean, it's, 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 it's all just right here. If you look at when gain of function was clamped down in the United States, that's the time that we really started to escalate it over in the Ukraine. It was just another way of continuing the research that they wanted to do outside of the purview of the American public and attempting to just circumvent the entire thing. If you look at uh, the development of this, if you look at the Pfizer, Moderna, and Janssen vaccines, which are not completely identical, but what they do have that match is the prion domain of, of the regional binding site that's responsible for these prion diseases. There's no, no snake venom in them, and you don't need that. There's enough harm being done by these vaccines in and of themselves. And what they have done is they have put pressure on this virus to shift it away from the Wuhan H1. And then we saw the alpha, the beta, the gamma. We've seen lambda and mu. And I know these are all Greek letters to people because they are Greek letters. Three delta variants and five Omicron variants. And we're going to continue to see these variants pop up as continued pressure gets placed on these by the vaccines. If you really look at the world data, not my data, the world data as people are collecting and actually looking at who's been vaccinated, who hasn't, and who's getting thicker. What we're seeing are the un, unvaccinated having the least problems and the vaccinated people having the most problems. And what we're not seeing is the unvaccinated come down now with these massive inflammation and blood clotting and, and prion diseases. What we're seeing are people that are, by the, by the greatest percentage, over 45 white people coming down with these diseases. It doesn't mean other people aren't being affected. But if we really look at the data objectively, this is what's happening. People. So it looks like the so-called vaccine is designed to get rid of the boomers before they collect their Social Security check. And or, or become uh, confident enough in the information that they want to come back and say, wait a minute, this is not what I agreed to. You know, my parents and grandparents said we want they wanted a better uh, life for their children, including me. 
And I've looked at my children and said, I want a better life for you. And the only way that happens is if the American public stands up. Look, if Anthony Fauci and the rest of these people can can go into a court of law and say, we didn't do anything wrong, then I'm all for that. But the way that this works is that a grand jury convenes by a state attorney general, and we, the people, then get to sit there and hear the explanation. And this attitude that they don't have to take and be held accountable to the American people just doesn't cut it. For the American people that are recognizing their responsibility to their children and their grandchildren, it's time to have this out in court. I totally agree. A lot of people are coming to this tour. How do folks find out about the tour? And and just explain, you guys are using this as a public place to put on the evidence that Fauci and others need to be indicted. And then let's see if they can defend themselves in court. But, I mean, they brought out an illegal untested thing that they had secretly tested, knew what it would do. Even the CDC's own document, as you know, in October of 2021, excuse me, 2000, said, we know it's going to cause thrombrosis. We're going to know it's going to cause blood clots. We know it's going to do this. So they knew good and damn well what they were doing. Look, the CDC had me over in Greece in 2005, specifically at their request for me to present a conference in 2005 in Greece on the theory that I laid out this inflammation and blood clotting and the way that this could be measured inside the body. So the CDC was completely up to speed on this, and they invited me to go over there and give this presentation. They, they can't pretend they're unaware of it. You know, this stuff has been out. You know, that, that theory was presented originally in 1994. Um, my work looking at this inflammation and heart disease was on the same receptor site that Chi Zeng Li was working on with HIV glycoprotein 120 when she put that into SARS-CoV-1 to make it more infective. These people have been working on this for decades. They've been tracking those of us who've been working on it for decades, although I certainly wasn't working on a virus. I was working on these inflammation and blood clotting diseases like heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes and cancer and strokes and, and the rest of it. But they know that this is a consequence of this type of, of infectious agent. And they were, they've were they been putting it into people. They've been encouraging people to take vaccines that when you look at the emergency use authorization documents show no statistically significant benefit for the people being vaccinated. That's right. So stay and there, Dr. Fleming. Happened. We got longer segments coming up and I want to continue to walk through all this with you. And I know you're a scientist. So you just stick with what you can prove now. But just as a citizen... As a, as a person, obviously, the whole thing's premeditated, in my view. We can see that. What's coming next if we extrapolate that out logically? What do we expect in their plan? How's their plan gone? How big's the awakening? Uh, they seem to be uh, really freaked out right now. Seems like things didn't go too well for them. A- am I being too hopeful there? I want to ask your real expert opinion on all this, but not just your medical opinion, your legal opinion, and your uh, you, uh, basic citizen's opinion as a person, as a private person, what you really think is going on, so your personal opinion. We'll be right back with Dr. Fleming. I'm Alex Jones, InfoWars.com. Stay with us. And we've been getting a lot of crypto donations, which is keeping us on air. I want to salute all those. You know who you are. They've been giving the donations. Please go to InfoWars.com or Store.com. Com. What an illustrative article just came out. From USA Today, today, North Korea confirms first COVID outbreak, Kim orders lockdown. So undoubtedly the worst dictator in the world following suit with the U.S. and China and everybody in Australia and doing what they've done. 
This is all a giant planetary martial law drill. It's incredibly dangerous. Dr. Fleming, uh, continuing here, we'll get into all the latest science and the variants and the numbers, what people really need to know that's fact, but just as a man, not as a legal scholar or a medical doctor, watching this whole thing, witnessing the censorship, witnessing them lying, blocking therapeutics, big picture, is this not a giant power grab biomedical system? Is this not what they talk about with depopulation? Is this not, in my view, a beta test, as Bill Gates is in the news saying, for something far worse? Bill Gates on COVID. I don't want to be a voice of doom and gloom, but the worst is coming. It just goes on and on. Uh, these people are very predictable, and it's like for so long the public's been asleep or blind. Now I'm seeing awakening, but is it enough, and what do we need to do? So just your, your 35,000-foot view on what's happening and what you see coming. Look, it's enough if the American public will actually take action. You can't. You cannot just expect someone like you or myself to turn the tide on this. This is a requirement of the American people to let their elected officials at this point in time, particularly their state attorney generals, know that they want action taken and they want indictments on these people. Anything else is not going to work. If people are going to sit back and not participate in this, we're going to get exactly what what um, what uh, the lady was told when she approached uh, Benjamin Franklin and said, what, what form of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And the question is, if the people are willing to get up and keep it, and it's really time that the American citizens get up and start doing their job as American citizens and as parents. You know, you want to know my personal opinion? My personal opinion comes to you as a father, not 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 as an individual. I have an obligation to my children. And this entire episode of what we're dealing with with these individuals has to do with our children and our grandchildren. That's who the commitment is because our children and our grandchildren are eventually going to judge us for what we did or did not do during these times. And Bill Gates has, you know, this nice vested interest now. He's with the, the World Health Organization. And I, I, we've gotten this question now asked at the conference of what about this World Health Organization and the U.S. involvement with the treaty? It's really important when, when people look at that type of information that you go get your facts, because when we originally signed that, and it wasn't done by the entire, uh, it wasn't ratified by the entire Congress, that document, when it was signed in the 1940s, on, under the last part of it, I think it was Article 6 of it, specifically stated that nothing in the agreement to be part of the World Health Organization in any way gave the World Health Organization power over the American people. So that's what was signed. And they're going to try to manipulate this to allow the WHO to take over control of the American citizens. And that was my and next question. The One of the, uh, sorry to interrupt. That's my next question. I forgot to get to that early on. I should have right up front. What do you make of this new treaty they're writing in secret when they're meeting from the 23rd to the 28th? Uh, in Switzerland, and then the leaks of it admit it's a total takeover with big pharma in control of the UN uh, and, and and nation states ceding any authority they had left uh, to these people. I am going to send you, when we're done, for you to link on your program the three pages, not even a full three-page document that very specifically states that nothing in the agreement of the United States to be part of the World Health Organization entitles the United the, the World Health Organization to take control of the United States. They have no authority 
based upon this original document, and it's never been relinquished to them. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of like the CDC the when it announced it controlled all rents in the country, and the Supreme Court said, no, this is power grabbing at the federal level, the international level. It's all just a giant power grab. Yeah, and, and I, I guess we'll do constitutional law 101 here as, as, as both a J.D. and a father. The federal government of the United States is in an agreement with the states, and that's called the United States Constitution. And Article 10 states that anything not specifically given to the power of the federal government in the U.S. Constitution belongs to the state and the people. States cannot have authority that they don't get granted to them unless the people give them that power. And nobody, no individual citizen of the United States has the power or authority to tell anybody else that they have to mask up, that they have to be vaccinated, that they can be uh, uh, individually locked down or anything else. The people don't have that power. They cannot give it to the states. If the states don't have that power, they cannot give it to the United States federal government. It's in violation of the U.S. Constitution. And that WHO treaty specifically states that we signed in the 1940s that it does not, does not give authority to the WHO over the American people. And Dr. Fleming, should we expand on that? We should expand on that and point out you're, you're a lawyer, but anybody can look this up. The Tenth Amendment is what you're talking about where it states that, that that all power is reserved to the people, uh, and it just expands from there that we're a republic, not a democracy. And we have Elizabeth Warren saying, we need the majority today, she said, to be able to make the minority do things. No, there's a codified group of rights, and all their rights are reserved to us. They're inalienable, yeah. and, and it, it, it's natural law, it's, it's common law, and, and this is just nothing but pure tyranny. Yeah, it is. It's a power grab that, that people in positions of they have forgotten that they are elected by the people to do the will of the people. That's called a republic. You know, a democracy is where every individual is doing something. And the American people have gotten so lax. I know this sounds critical, but they've gotten so lax on allowing the federal government and presuming that the federal government will just simply do what's right. Well, there are good people and there are bad people on this planet, just like there's good politicians and bad politicians. There's good doctors, there's bad doctors, there's good lawyers, there's bad lawyers, there's good judges, and there are crappy judges. Um, And what is globalism? It's a bunch of corporate and governmental chiefs getting together and transferring national and independent and local and individual power unto themselves. That's what globalism in the New World Order is, is a giant transference of power to multinational corporations through the U.N., they, they do not have this authority. I haven't granted them this authority. The people that are ticked off, if you don't stand up and do something about it, you are granting them this authority. And your children and grandchildren are going to be the ones that suffer. And, and the crimes against humanity is, is not just myself. There are four people presenting. There is Patrick Woods, who is laying out decades worth of material for you to see what's been going on financially. There is Judy Mikovits, who can tell you and provide personal experience about the behavior of Anthony Fauci. There is Reiner Fumuk, who has come over here to attempt to provide civil litigation and to listen to people week after week and give an opportunity to hear the truth. And there is myself, who is presenting the history of biological weapons, this gain of function, some of the medical knowledge we have so you know the harm that's been done and the crimes these people have committed so that we will have pressure on our state attorney generals to convene a grand jury. And I know you guys behind the scenes are getting a lot of pressure and a lot of tax. We can only be 
praying for you. Do we just go to your excellent website, FlemingMethod.com, to find the conference, or where do we find the conference? Uh, so you find it at, well, you can find it on my website, but go to CrimesAgainstHumanityTour.com. Put it all together as one word, CrimesAgainstHumanityTour.com. And like yourself, they have been doing an outstanding job of trying to censor us. When people come, they tell us they just heard about it at the last minute, but every one of these in live events leaves people more charged and more determined. And we have a number of people that are leaving these events, going to their attorney generals, activating them. The attorney generals have a choice. They they can doesn't matter which side they're on. They can say, look, I'm just doing my job. I turned it over to a grand jury. If the grand jury didn't do anything, then that's on the grand jury. The grand jury says indict then they have to take it forward. Dr. Fleming, you guys are doing God's work. And I know some of the behind the scenes stuff, you guys have a lot of courage. Stand with us, folks. We are fighting together. We'll be right back. Infowars.com tomorrow's news today. Infowarsstore.com to get great products and keep us on air. You know, I was just sitting here during the break listening to a radio. The Crimes Against Humanity Tour, huh? We're living in that day and age where we've gotten to that, you know? used to be like live aid tibetan freedom festival now it's like they're taking over the whole world let's have a crimes against humanity conference tour i think it needs to be done though it's just ironic that it needs no, we to be just done. interviewed patrick wood right before he went on it i believe so you know so you know i mean yeah it's sad that we've gotten to the point where they have to do a crimes against humanity tour not even a hundred years post nazi germany and Stalinist Russia and Mao's China. They're a little deaf toward history, in other words. <laughs> right? They're like a little God. tone deaf, tone deaf All on it that. It took us a couple generations and some technology. Why and... is government tone deaf on democide? I don't know. Anyway. That's bad PR for them. They had Bernays to figure out how to spin that one. All right, so uh, I got a couple of headlines here. We don't have to play the whole clips. Um, the suggestion has been leveled to use COVID relief funds, you know, because it's left over because the pandemic's over. Use those leftover COVID relief funds to feed babies who don't have. No, wait, that's that's not the story. Hold on. Use COVID. I don't have my glasses on. Let me squint. Use COVID relief funds to hire cops instead of relief. We might need to look at that clip. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm a little incredulous that they would want to just give all these extra COVID. Because I thought they weren't tracking us. Because that's the next story: CDC using cell phone say, data. Yeah, kind of it's highly accurate. The when the, cell, when the CDC uses it, they can make law and make it happen. But when Dinesh D'Souza uses it over there, it's you know orange man bad, and it makes total sense because it's irrational and it's coming from irrational people. It that's makes why sense it makes because sense. it's irrational. It makes sense, <laughs> dollars and cents for those people running that agenda. Um, yeah, let's yeah, let's coming let's dip real quick into this Jimmy Dore clip. I'll, I'll highlight it here in the show card. Uh, the suggestion to use COVID relief funds to hire more cops. I mean, you know, crime has been rising since COVID. So, I don't know. Let's summer see. of let's, love, bro. Summer let's, you of know love. what? I, I I don't know. I don't know what to think on this. Let's go to the comedian in the garage to get an opinion. Let's get a hot take from at the door. Yeah, sorry. What is happening right now is that there's surplus COVID money. And what does Joe Biden want to do with the surplus COVID money? He wants to give it to cops. 
President Biden will urge states and cities to use unspent money from last year's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package to fund crime prevention. I have this thing. Some call it an ailment. I call it a memory. And I remember when that dude was like with the people saying, get rid of the cops not too long ago when they were burning down American cities and not doing J6 trials about it. Got it all wrong. Do you remember that? Got it all wrong. Remember, uh, it's a... Kyle Dunnigan, you know, luckily in the bunker. Actually, it wasn't Kyle Dunnigan. It was Joe Biden. Hey, man, he doesn't even, Fauci comes running in. He doesn't even remember the narrative. He doesn't, he doesn't remember, first it's the black people and then it's the vaccines and then it's the boosters. He doesn't even know the narrative. So it's it's all about the narrative, right? In post-truth world, the narrative right. spin. That's the LD, can, can we get a Kyle Dunnigan, fresh prez of Bel Air? Whatever fresh prez press of DC or no episode four, I think had the when he's in the bunker. When he's in the bunker, they go down to the bunker, and then we could get some clarity because I know Jimmy Dore is going to play more from the former vice president, and I'm not. I want to just make sure we're all calibrated to understand what what he's saying because, like I said, this thing happened where, uh, yeah, he there was a lot of stuff. There was, I mean, they were saying get rid of the police. That whole side of the the fence. Defund the police. Um, district attorneys will not uh, prosecute. Bring criminal charges. Prosecute. Sure. Yeah. It was catch or even release. if yeah, and they're bringing people like Kyle Rittenhouse. So this seems like an about face, almost tr- like he's carrying trial, out which is Trump's absurd. agenda. Wouldn't Trump's agenda to be to like hire more police or use COVID funds for and and support DAs that actually enforce the law. Because once there's a breakdown of, you know, basic common law. And while LD is looking for that clip, let me also postulate this. Maybe when he went into work that day, former Vice President Biden picked up the wrong script. It's totally possible he picked up somebody else's script for the day and was just reading the wrong part. It's actually <laughs> so sad, but so true. And that guy, every <laughs> it's unbelievable how uh, the inability for him to form or pronounce basic words. No, first words. You got to first pronounce words before you you can form sentences. Actually, first you got to do words and phrases and sentences. So sentences represent a complete thought form. He's not like, come on there. That's a couple. That's it's kind of like a phrase there. Yeah. He's got, he's got a couple things going there. Like, come on, man. It's it's a, you know, and something like that. This random gobbledygook. It's almost like the meaningless. So true. of pressure. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for episode uh, four. The Tristan the Goop with a Goopy or something like you know, just meaningless phrases. It's uh, yeah, I'll find it. Uh, so. I think is it, uh, it Enter the Woke? Script. Is it Enter the Woke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It might be Enter the Woke. Okay, yeah, the just didn't label it. Gets... I didn't label it episode four. I got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's go to uh, this is correspondent, uh, <laughs> domestic correspondent Kyle Dunnigan. He's got news for us. It's uplifting. Come on, man. Don't do that. That's our crane. (laughs) Sir, that's not the war in Ukraine. You're watching a video game streamer. That's one knockout for me. Alexa, pick up. Hello, Mr. President. It is me, Putin. It is too late for you to help Ukraine. I advise you not to block SBS. It would be a shame to have nuclear exchange. You listen to me. I don't know who you are. Vladimir Putin. I don't know what you want. 
Don't block ESPN. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. I think Hunty has my credit card. What I do have is a specific set of skills. Can he not see me? I will find you. And when I do, I'll put sanctions on you to make it expensive for you to buy coffee and stuff like that. Good luck. With what? Yeah, that's what I thought. I'd go turn the lights off and hide. Stupid ass guy. Probably doesn't even know who Lisa Sneesum is. <laughs> Well, I was born and raised in Scranton, PA. Lifeguard by the pools where I spent my days. Till a dude named Corn Pop, who wasn't that cool, started making trouble at the swimming pool. So I took a chain, wrapped it around my legs. They're ha- hairier than my other legs. I thought it was Tyrone, not Corn Pop. Black kids would touch him. Corn Pop had his dipstick in the then pool. Then I got a train <laughs> and moved to D.C. To rock Jabrama gave a job to me. I shuffled around and sucked oh, fingertips. Uh. Made a big speech, kissed the boy on the lips. I'm glad this guy's not really in control of country. What are you looking at? I wrote the damn bill. I hold the ladies tight and sniff all their hairs. First person American to fall up the stairs. Ran for president. I was a winner. Winner was me. Now I sit at my desk as a president. Not, not president. You know the <laughs> thing. Come on. Get your face out of your ears. Sir, Pete Davidson's here at your request. Now cut this part. Hey, go to the elevator. Peace, Jameson. Handsome, cool guy. It's not funny, even if. No, no, go back, back. Even, even if, the elevator like is a minute after this. Um, yeah. Why am I here? Vengeance. Not, not, there we not, go. not to vengeance. Pete Davidson was confused. The thing with, with the swords. That made absolutely no sense whatsoever. All right, hop out. Oh, nice. Yeah, we took out a loan for $60 billion, jillion. But don't worry. We're never paying it back. <laughs> All right, let's meet the team. Blue scientist Jeff Goldblum. He's, he's a master of knowing when things are about to go wrong and, and knows a science thing to say about it. Uh, God makes man, man makes bunker. Uh, bunker is where we are. Mark Turducken from Face Pitch. He's uh, he created a whole other universe. He'll also be our friendly alien robot for comic relief, like CPP Throw from Star Wars. I'm not a robot. I'm a human man. Alex Baldwin, a, a marksman. He has a power of firing a gun without, without even pulling the trigger, man. It's an honor to be here with you. Which is what I assume you're all thinking about being here with me. <laughs> Caitlin Jenga. I may be a woman, but I've got the speed and strength of an elite male athlete. Plus, I got a bionic vagina, baby. <laughs> Pansy Filoni, our clairvoyant. She can predict what stocks will do before the common man. I just get a feeling, then I pass a lure. She also has the power to start fire with her skeleton hands. Give a taste. (laughs) What about a fireball? Flame on. And finally, your team leader, the finest guy I know, my boy Hunty. He's got the inside track. He's been working for a Ukrainian petroleum company for $80,000 a week for the past five years. Thanks, Dad. I won't you down. I'm proud of you. Look at me. Look at me in the eye. I'm not hearing you say this. I'm proud of you, son. Goddamn proud of you. Team, meet your newest member. His name's Peter Dielson. He's got a cock that can make a grown rapper cry. Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, hi, Pete. 
How's Kimberly? Haven't gotten a call from her in a while, man. Okay, let's look at the big screen. This is Dracula Poontang. He, not, not, not Poontang. The Russia guy. The evil criminal mastermind with the voice of an angel. Is, is Nina Jankowicz on stage with him? You part of me still. Oh, she's one of them clapping, right? All right. He's hoping to get on that stage. She's not quite there yet. Super class stuff. She's working today. Pretty crap. just came now he's attacked the sovereign Haitian of Ukrainian here's vice koala principal Harlep to break it down for y'all hi it's Kamala more intelligible than hey girl so Ukraine is a country in Europe it exists next to another country called Russia Russia is a bigger country Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine so Basically, that's wrong. Pause okay, it. team, I'll let you get to work. I'm sure everyone knows, but that's a real thing she said. Obviously, you can hear. Yeah, that wasn't story. Kyle Dunnigan. He that does his thing so that you'll watch that other thing that he just showed you. Right. Like, that's yeah. the level of intelligence our world leaders. But Nina Jankowicz, she, she could have been on show. stage, you know, in that show right there. She was one she, of the... She, She's like Russian trained. She's got Ukrainian yeah. background uh, training over there with the same... Uh, coup crew that's been running stuff since 2014 she's alongside uh, newland and uh, yeah she's run with all of them talbot that's how she came up to be like a disinformation czar that plus her show tunes entertain people when they go out and drink blood at night or whatever like whatever they do over there jen saki was uh mosan from understanding sort of contractor learning how to spin from mosan supposedly just because she's easy to kick don't hit hacky sacky well she's learning how to circle back she likes to sur- walk in circles talk in circles circle back and circles luke radowski talking mm-hmm. about circle jerks i mean this 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 show is really going off the rails it's all right circling uh, going let's uh, we're, we're, the best part's called the part that i was referencing let's let's get to right, right, like, so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> try to have it solved by the end of the weekend wait sir what's the plan i just told you the plan fix it get it done so the plan is, there's no plan. Sir, you built a secret bunker, gathered people with very limited skills, and now expect them to fix the Russian invasion of Ukraine by the end of the weekend. Th- th- that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Oh, shut up, Ben. Limited skills. I've got a gold medal with the inside of your asshole's name on it. Hey, don't talk to my best friend like that, you stupid bitch. Don't you ever call me bitch again, or I'll smoke your crack. Please lower your vocalizations. Oh. I want everyone to call me the seductress Wait, come on, from we're now all on. We're friends, man. I just lost my best friend to a crazy gun. Uh, Jeff is uh, uncomfortable. Uh, not really needed. Uh, probably we'll sneak out when no one's looking. Why don't we all go to the metaverse? We could argue there in fun outfits. Why don't you shut the fuck up? All right, enough. Don't you see this is just what Pontoon <laughs> wants? For us to turn on each other? Well, so far this has been a complete embarrassment for everyone involved. I hope they made you sign an NDA from our friends at eForms.com. 
eForms.com makes the idea of paying a lawyer to draft your legal documents absolutely absurd. But aren't drafting legal documents as expensive as building an underground bunker, Mira? Not at eForms.com. Yeah. They've got documents <laughs> for all your legal needs and they won't invade your bank account. <laughs> eForms.com. Link below. Sorry I'm late. I brought boosters for everyone. Get the fuck out of here. We're not doing that anymore. We already did that. It went, it went Black Eyes Matter, booster thing, and now the Jew train. We're on the Jew train. Also, man. Get the fuck also, out of here. Black, Black Lives Matter, boosters, and then what the Jew no, train. No, I can't. You can't. Yeah. I don't know what I that means. Say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, know, what, he, I don't know what he's talking about. But... So, uh, now, but that's now the point. Back. That's the narrative. That's the whole what right. narrative. Now we can call? cut back to Jimmy Dore's coverage of that clip where Biden said the thing. Now we have context. It's part of what this show is here to do. In programs and hire police officers. Okay, hiring cops. I know this is going to sound counterintuitive. Does not prevent crime. They've proven this. You can. You, you need cops. You have to have cops. You need to have someone to call when someone's breaking into your house or someone has a gun at a gas station. You need you need cop. I'm not saying you don't need cops. I'm saying but adding more cops doesn't equate to less crime. That just isn't how it works. If that if it just doesn't work that way. What what reduces crime? Uh, how about if people uh, aren't in debt? How about if people can make a living wage? How about if people don't go bankrupt when they get sick? How about if people have uh, they aren't burdened with student debt? How about how, there's a million things that cause poverty? I mean, that cause crime. Poverty is a big one. Uh, lack of infrastructure. Anyway, so there's if you want to lower crime, you'd be much better off with a jobs program than with more cops. Would you agree with that, Jackson? I'd 100% agree with that. And uh, it's just insane that they're doing this right now when Joe Biden's created the largest economic crisis of my lifetime. I think this is going to be worse than 2008. I, I agree with you. Uh, they're literally planning to manage coming civil unrest rather than actually solve anything, aren't they? That is exactly what they're doing. So Joe Biden isn't going to give you a $2,000 check. Joe Biden isn't going to give you a minimum wage or a living wage. Joe Biden isn't going to let you uh, keep you out of prison because of marijuana. Joe Biden isn't going to give you health care. Joe Biden isn't going to give you a jobs program. Joe Biden isn't going to do anything to help your life get better. And so they know this. And so what do they know? There's going to be unrest. There's going to be more crime. And so what are they going to do? Well, they're going to, instead of addressing those root causes of the crime, they're going to just get give you more cops and more jails. We all know this is a failed strategy. The United States incarcerates more people than China per capita. I think even in, 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 in just in, in uh, gross terms, too, right, in the gross numbers, what is, can you look it up? What are, how many people in prison in China? How many people in prison in the United States? I wouldn't be surprised if there's more people in prison in the United States, just raw numbers. But definitely we're the world's largest penal colony, the United States. So we can't keep, uh, we can, we can keep locking up more and more people. It doesn't solve the crime problem. That's a fact. Uh, just like all those over-policing they did in New York City with the broken windows theory didn't actually lower crime because crime was being lowered in every city across the country at the same time. 
And it hadn't ever. So what were you going to say? Two million people in the U.S., 1.7 million in China. So there's wow. billion. Yeah. They, they have, what, three, four they billion people in China? Yeah, I was going to say China. Yeah. U.S. We, is we bad, have 300 China's million. not accurate with their data. At least we count ours over here. We don't have that many secret camps yeah, in this country. Exactly right. Or organ harvesting farms. Because they do a lot of organ harvesting over there. No, it's more like you know, people. more like Airbnb type things. Oh, you, know, so you don't have whole farms. You know, they're it's nice not little hostels. Not hostels. There's a movie. Not, I was just going to say it made the, it made people want to stay. It's not know, the travel, though. travel, yeah. find yourself a bed and breakfast over there in the Europe. Safe for Americans. Huh? Just don't watch Hostel. All right, so uh, next story I want to mention, CDC caught tracking millions of phones during COVID. We covered the story last week. Jimmy Dore covered it this past week. But uh, there's this whole thing about the surveillance aspect, plus using the relief funds to beef up against civil unrest and these sort of things. Nothing for early treatment, though. Spend $50 billion so far on the Ukraine war. I mean, oh, they could have bought they, they could have bought many, Twitter for that. How many trillions have they added to the national debt? So the coming under us is going to be associated in the past with year. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter with it. You know, it used to be a big deal. Two point three trillion dollars was missing the day before nine eleven. That That's sort of a news. huge. But now deal, they just like printed. Do you guys look a trillion? I, I tried. Uh, I think it was in Project Constellation where I tried to help people understand two point three trillion. So in that number, two point three trillion. If each dollar was one foot, 12 inches, right? Like if, uh, if you equate each dollar to a unit of measure, like mm-hmm. a foot, yeah, yeah, it would go to the sun and back to the earth like twice, I thought. It, it was some calculation like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. In other words, the human mind can't fathom it. It's like trying to describe That's the size of Jupiter. It. It's almost yeah. impossible. You have to use metaphors and analogies in order to be able to have the human mind form some sort of grasp of how the magnitude of what we're yeah. discussing. Yeah. yeah. So. so yeah, that sort of thing is going on out there. It forms an ominous trend and maybe we'll get to some of that trend during uh, intermission tonight when we get to Burmese's Clay Clark presentation. All right. Um, <clears throat> I also want to touch on, you want to do this Russell Brand pandemic yeah, tree this one right here. The it begins. Yeah, it, it t- yeah, ties into that pandemic about. treaty that they were just re- alluding to in that last interview. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go to Rusty Rockets, a.k.a. Russell Brand, another comedian in uh, in front of his woodshed through the window. If you look, you see the woodshed usually. And uh, let's see what his take is on this latest usurping of national sovereignty under the guise of uh, medical emergency, but really it's using medicine and science as a form of dictatorship to end around civil and human rights. Let's see what the take is. This is the, uh, the WHO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It begins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it begins. You usurp rights. You never have to usurp national sovereignty. How can that even be possible? Claims. Claims are made that aren't dismissed as arbitrary and then they fester like that. When did they give right the right to control my physical person or your physical person? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Uh, I think that was at one of those Davos meetings they didn't invite oh, us to. Yeah. I have to get on the, uh, the attendees list. You got to get I'm on sure the Jekyll Island invitation crowd. list, Tony. 
actually Jekyll Island Club. The Meadows, the the Pentaveret. You haven't. Well, I was just going. I was you. You were five seconds ahead of me because I was just about to go to the Pentaveret. What you don't know, Tony, is it's the Pentaveret. It's got to start out as snake oil salesman or something first, then get into oil. Well, it's got nothing to do with Rockefeller yet (laughs) until you get to the Pentaveret. (laughs) All right, let's go to Russell Brand. You know what the last couple of years has taught me? Let's give more power to the WHO and unelected bodies. Oh, that is happening. Great. Hey, 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 you 5.6 million awakening wonders. Together we voyage forward, do we? Yes, of course we do. Not for long, though, because the WHO are going to be sticking their oar in. They're drafting new plans for pandemic preparedness, meaning that your government will lose the ability to construct their own regulation, accepting instead the WHO's edicts, like a chewed up bit of food from a mummy bird into a baby bird's mouth. If you want an image. If you don't subscribe yet, subscribe right now. Also, turn on the notification bell. And at the end, I'm going to tell you how to sign up to my mailing list community because I do big stuff and I've got big announcements. And I want you to, uh, you know, to know about it because I need you. I need you, don't I? Of course I do. Also, if you see any little bots in the comments going, hey, sign up to my cryptocurrency thing. I'm Russell Brand. I'm not doing that. That's not me. Don't sign up to nothing. The only thing I'm asking you to do is sign up to my mailing list, right? And you know what that'll be. Don't you? Okay, let's see what's in the news. In a landmark decision at the World Health Assembly special session last week, world leaders agreed to commence negotiations on an international framework, treaty or accord for pandemic prevention, preparedness and response, ushering in new opportunities to shape the future of global health security. Firstly, I don't like hearing about any conferences where leaders are coming together because I think I don't trust any of you lot. I've not trusted any of you lot for ages. I mean, you're all hanging about in a conference, shaking hands, back slapping, jollying each other a Long, ushering in new opportunities to shape the future of global health security. We're just shaping the future. That's controlling the future. What shape is it? It's sort of the shape of a boot on your face forever. The international community agreed at a special session of the World Health Assembly. What? Well, not like that. It's too much like that Budweiser thing. What's up? I'll tell you what's up. Your democracy's fucking finished. <laughs> On the need to draft a convention under the Constitution of World Health Organization. So what that's saying is the WHO will be in charge. I don't remember voting for the WHO. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Who did you vote for? Doesn't matter. They'll be doing what the WHO tell them. The decision was made by the WHO's 194 member states and what senior WHO officials said was an inflection point in international public health. The agreement is a cause for celebration and a cause for hope, which we will need, said WHO's Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. Let it be said, decades from now, when each of us is nothing more than photographs and memories... Are you going to turn into photographs and memories? Oh, no, they've already been taken. We'll just be dead. Unless some of our plans for eternal life work out. How are they coming along, Bill? Fucking good. That we left the world in a healthier, safer, fairer place than we found it. Bloody hell, mate. I don't think so. I think what people say is we lapsed into a terrible, technocratic, globalist agenda where ordinary people had no ability to influence democratic outcomes, where the media cooperated in keeping people distracted, numb and dumb, while the powerful funded non-democratic organisations to carry out their edicts. Whether that's for good or for bad, that's for us all to collectively decide, but it certainly isn't democratic and it's certainly not a fairer, better world. 
We don't have rules of the game, Ted Dross says, of the current situation. To manage shared problems like pandemics, you need laws and rules that bring obligations to countries. That's what we miss. And I hope countries will agree to a binding pact so that pandemics can be managed better. Nostalgic fools that we are, we always assume that the future will somehow easily resemble the past. That fascism will be Larry Badgie's red and black flags and insignia of eagles. But instead, what it is, is cosy bureaucratic language. We're just going to shape your future. We're just going to need countries in a binding pact. Do you know what the word fascist literally means and comes from? It means bound together tight pacts. It comes from bundles of sticks. Look it up. So fascism in the future, we now know what it will look like. Technocratic, cosy, you will own nothing, you will be happy. We're just helping you. We're doing this to help you. Cosy, colloquial, just step this way, sir. Just be quiet. Just go in your homes for the benefit of everyone. I'm afraid that that was a misinformation, a disinformation. Look at how it's going. If you open your eyes wide and stay alert, you can see the shapes emerging. You can see that what they mean by shape is control. And the way that that control will be achieved is through cosy language and non-democratic decisions enacted at a global level, usurping the potential power of democratic nations, which have all become banal and uniform anyway. Look at your own democracy. Member states have agreed to a timeline which could lead to a legally binding treaty. That means there's laws. The more power is moved away from local, individual, community, national to global, the less power you will have, the less power I will have. We see an increase in censorship, regulation against protest, control of communication. You see what new tyranny looks like. As well as a consensus between nearly 200 nations, any agreement will require financing. Yeah, they're going to want you to pay for this stuff. They're going to want you to pay to tyrannise yourself. That'll be $50, sir. And to be effective in practice, it will need a strong international legal framework that rewards good public health behaviour and disincentivizes bad behaviour with sanctions. I see what they're doing. They're inventing a metric by which to control us. And because of the type of times we live in, if it's like measurable, well, that's bad for health. You're a good citizen if you obey lockdown and you follow the procedures we suggest to you. You're a bad citizen. Good and bad behaviour could be regarded as subjective. I mean, I trust you and I believe that you and I roughly see kindness, tolerance, open heartedness, willingness to serve others. You know, I reckon there are some values that feel universal. But when the ideas of good behaviour and bad behaviour are dictated by a globalist entity that was never elected and is funded by a set of individuals that have a clear agenda, the good and bad behaviour that they devise will obviously be in alignment with those principles and their preferred outcomes. And doesn't that good and bad behaviour league table thing that they're trying to establish sound a little bit like social credit score? And didn't they say they would never do that? And that the technology of vaccine passports would never be used as a platform for further instruments of control? And now that you see that powerful individuals in public are going out and not worrying too much about whether or not they get COVID, we've got a video on that, doesn't it seem that there could be an addition Additional, separate, another agenda for the reason that all these controls are being introduced? I'm not saying it's definitely true. I'm posing the question to you. Hit me up in the comments below. Concurrently, Bill Gates has called for a global surveillance germ team to spot future pandemic threats and potentially enact lockdowns. I think at that point, it ceases to be a coincidence and starts to become a plan for global dominance. Coincidentally, we've come up with this plan and they've come up with this plan. And who funds them? 
I do. It's come out the same week. Bill Gates with his little book about here in case there's another pandemic. Here's what to do. WHO. Uh, governments just do this. Bill's got a book out. At least give it a couple of weeks. Like <laughs> if you've just used a toilet. Or oh, I'll give it 15 minutes if I was you. We're just doing a conspiracy in there. Over the past decades, the world's richest man has become the World Health Organization's second biggest donor, second only to the United States and just above the United Kingdom. The result, say his critics, is that Gates' priorities have become the WHO's. Rather than focusing on strengthening healthcare in poor countries that would help, in their view, to contain future outbreaks like the Ebola epidemic, the agency spends a disproportionate amount of its resources on projects with the measurable outcomes Gates prefers. Also, we remember that during the COVID-19 pandemic, they wouldn't rescind patents so that African nations could manufacture vaccines, which they said were the solution to the problem. So as well as just solving the problem, they seems like there could be a monetizable or at least a control component that is at odds with the let's get this vaccine to as many people as possible. So it seems like there are some conflicting objectives and that Bill Gates has got an incredible amount of influence over the WHO. And what we're suggesting here or what's being suggested here is that WHO have the ability to legally bind nations beyond democratic influence. That means your influence. If you think Bill Gates is one of the most influential people in the world with regard to um, health policy right now. Imagine his influence and power if this goes through. In 2021, the world's leading health organisation, the WHO, repeatedly broke its own rules and spent millions of dollars on high-priced management consultants according to a new independent audit, even as the United Nations agency has struggled to pay for equipment and vaccines in its global COVID-19 response. The agency paid the consultants a total of $11.7 million, enough to buy 600,000 COVID-19 vaccines. Have you got any money, buddy? I'm down to my last consultant. We've employed quite a lot of consultants. It turns out that we're what it says here, we're wasting money. What on? Consultants. Revelations of the Gates Foundation's financial stake in COVID-19, which Bill Gates does not appear to have publicly disclosed in dozens of recent media appearances, speak to broader criticisms about the lack of transparency in the foundation's increasingly central role in the pandemic. And this is an NHS doctor. The NHS is the uh, publicly funded British healthcare system. The WHO is currently preparing an international agreement on pandemic prevention, preparedness and response. We believe the public must be furnished with the full ramifications of what and how any pandemic treaty could affect them. Seems fine. And be given a public vote on whether the UK should sign up before the UK government signs up to this. Sounds perfectly reasonable so far. Unless you don't want people to know. Unless you don't want people to vote. Unless you don't like democracy. Do not sign any WHO pandemic treaty unless it's approved via public referendum. We want the government to commit to not signing any international treaty on pandemic prevention and preparedness established by the WHO unless it's approved through public referendum. There's a link in the description to that petition for UK citizens or people living in the UK. And if you have any petitions in your own countries, tell us and we'll post them on social media for you because... I believe, we believe on this channel, and we call it Stay Free Media here, that we are truly in this together. We believe that we should truly build back better, that we should decentralise power any possible, that you should be in charge of your own life. You should be in charge of your own community. You are intelligent enough to make decisions about your own health, your own body, your own community, your own education, Everything. You should be running it yourself. You're flawed, you're fallible, but oh, the people leading, are they, they're perfect. Oh yeah, Joe Biden, you can see that guy, he's fine. Boris Johnson, yeah, no problem with him. Macron, great guy. Nothing to worry about there. So as long as we know they're not perfect, we don't have to be perfect either. So yeah, what I believe in is democracy. Your ability to decide what happens in your own life. I don't know, is that controversial? Let me know in the comments below. Please sign up to my mailing list.
that guy's got some crazy ideas. And I was wrong. He wasn't sitting in front of his woodshed. He's got two studios. One has yeah, an authentic wind window and you can see the woodshed that has a video monitor with a video feed of the window to the woodshed. Yeah. I got, I got confused by that a couple of weeks ago. Cause I'm like, wait, pay is attention, he... man. Yeah. He's it's been like switching studios up. You got to pay attention. Get rid of that deja vu cat. Yeah. Deja. All right. The changing of the word pandemic, the changing in the definition for the word pandemic and case and all these other things that they did around this. Herd immunity, vaccine, what a case is. That um, matters when now they want to say pandemic allows them to usurp everyone's everything and take over, right? Based. Well, so it's like pandemic the old no longer includes excess mortality because that used to be part of the definition. Widespread illness and excess mortality. That was the key. In fact, that was one and of they the differentiating from their specific it would differences seem to make pandemics definition cover a much wider, broader. And that's the problem I've seen. This is why in my logic course I went over definition because when they change these definitions, they extend the terminology by removing something. I make what we call the specific difference, the differentiating function, the thing that makes it truly unique compared to all the other things we're experiencing. Makes it different well, from all other things. It has to have a right. limitation. Correct. It has to have a definition to, by the etymology of the word defino to put limits around. It's we like have to put barrier. limits around. Yeah, the barrier. Line. It's a boundary. It's a fence line. Exactly. They've been expanding definitions like NATO has been expanding country. <laughs> and I think the Scandinavian bloc is now wanting to get. Uh, they went from 13 countries to 33. And now Sweden's like, we think we would like to be part of that. They talk yeah, about Finland Germany. or something like that. Even though Sweden, the Swedes, they got Finnish, king up don't there, get so along. They got kings well. in those places. They want to be part of NATO now after 60 years. Come on, man. Come on. Supposedly. I don't know where I was reading that. They are a little bit behind. I think yeah, but changing anyway. the definition broadens. They already had broad kind of war powers under this pandemic type situation. It, as yeah, we've it makes seen. it more abstract. It makes now it they want it more, more things. Yeah. yeah. They want control. It's about compliance, not science. Like and we, notice we even have a tersh we have a grand theft world t-shirt it's not about the science it's about compliance what's really scary about this is i was listening to um uh the audiobook will durant's um the History caesar and christ uh, yeah, the the story of civilization but caesar and christ volume four hmm. and in the first like quarter of the the audiobook it's massive so you know just going through a quarter of it takes forever but i forget the terminology used but this is the same issue and uh how rome became an imperial nation essentially was through this issue when there was a crisis at the romans borders they would elect someone to essentially be act as king to act as a dictator to be able to especially typically it was in times of war and times of crisis and so if you manufacture a crisis then you know sort of like the flavian family they especially julius caesar being the most obvious candidate from that where he served power and never gave it back. Then there was the Roman Civil War. Kind of like FDR. Yeah, it's very similar to that. That's actually very true. They had um, different demises, though. There was no Brutus back in the day of FDR. Yeah, that's right. At two Brute. But, but at that point, the Optimates had been defeated. There's the Popularis, the Optimates, the two factions of the Civil, Roman Civil War. Uh, Pompeii had been defeated. And from that point forward, Rome was now an imperial nation. Not to say they weren't already doing imperial things before that, but it, be, it was, the, at least in that inflection point in history, we look back at that and say, 
that's where it was conspicuously obvious that Rome was nothing more than sort of a top-down, you know, um, imperialistic sort of hegemonic nation. And so that's what's going on here. Now it's even worse, in fact, because at least there were actual typically crises at the borders, like other invading tribes or nations essentially trying to Carthage being a classic example during the Punic Hannibal, uh, during the Punic Wars. Um, second Punic War in specific. Dress but, up the elephants real scary. Go mess with these Italians. Yeah, he had some good, he had reasonable beef. Uh, looking at what happened to him, he got shut down by the oligarchs both in Rome and in uh, Carthage. So the oligarchs. He's a real Patton. He's a, well, yeah, he's a little in bit the of movie, a Patton, to be honest. In the movie, in the movie Patton with George C. Scott, there's a part where he's in Carthage and there's ruins behind him with arches and he talks about the Punic Wars. Yeah, yeah, check that that's, out. That's oh, wow. Then yeah, I got, I got a cinematic he, recall system in my brain. You do. You do. Yeah. Um, but the bigger, the, what's really disturbing though is they're just all they did was change the definition of a pandemic. So no longer are there really threats on our borders. Now there's just a threat of a virus we can't see or detect. We can only experience the effects from. That's nebulous and hard to define. Um, and they essentially by saying there's no more, it doesn't have to be excess deaths. There just needs to be excess cases. But how do we determine cases? What through PCR? Because we know PCR to low cycle threshold or high cycle threshold is pretty much meaningless. And they always seem to run them at extremely high cycle thresholds. So what they've been doing with this new avian flu outbreak, which is what they've been calling millions and millions of chickens worldwide. I mean, it's the same. They're using PCR all over the place in order to justify all this nonsense. So it's that you can just see writing on the it's actually much worse what do you than think, even what could manifest what do you think during Carrie Roman times. Is saying to Colonel Sanders right now about this. That would be an interesting conversation. I don't think it could happen because Carrie Mullis would have to be in hell. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going let's go to someone who's not a comedian. Uh we got Kim Iverson. She's actually a journalist, and she's gonna tell us about this guy, Bill Gottes, Bill, Bill Gates, Bill Gates. Uh, announces a plan to develop a better COVID vaccine because last one was so spectacular. It wouldn't be hard to make it better than it was. So it's a reasonable claim. Let's check it out and uh, weigh the merits of uh, the argument on the side of Bill Gates. Omicron was nature's vaccine. Who might be pregnant, by the way. He's expecting, uh, I don't know if there's like a registry or baby shower or, or what happens. But oh, that's what that next was. He got Netflix a gig show. with Calvin Klein. He actually did some modeling thing I heard with Calvin Klein recently. That's why... Oh. You know, his man breasts have been increasing in order to deal with the pregnancy. Thing. Yes. Moobs. Yes. The yeah. moves. <laughs> yeah. He's man oh, breastfeeding. All right. We can go to Kim. <laughs> yeah. We can just, I don't even know. He didn't know if to look up the meme or what. He's like, I don't know. What should, what should I do? Should, yeah, uh, let's go to Kim. Yeah. Let me look we'll for look that. Up, we'll look the up meantime. the memes. All right. In the meantime, let's go to Iverson. Well, we've talked a lot about Bill Gates' skin in the game when it comes to vaccines. Now he's put out a new clip on on what the perfect vaccine might look like. I guess that Robbie Suave's favorite band is Flock of Seagulls. Go ahead. Like, let's watch. Even though these vaccines do an incredible job of preventing severe disease and death, they do not protect you from getting infected. They reduce the chance of getting infected by about 50%. Hold on. Didn't I just say they changed definitions? Vaccines used to prevent you from getting infected kids. That's what they used to do. That was the big deal about why you would get one. Yeah, so and, that, so and they funny. lied about that. Did the science so, changed? Yeah. And, and where's the science that shows the science changed, Mr. Gates? 
because he states it like fact right and it is but it's i don't know that that's the the word to like they changed the definition in order to make that a fact yeah. that's what i'm pointing out thank you yeah Let's that's go. exactly right yeah supposed to prevent infection by developing antibodies. So in a weird way, you would, if you did become somewhat infected, you would never become symptomatic because your body's innate immune response, I guess in this case, it'd be adaptive, would immediately respond to that specific virus. See in this video, this Bill Gates kind of like, cause I haven't seen it yet. I've only seen clips like mm -hmm. you know, other people. So it made me feel like I need to get my hip waders on. <laughs> like we're going exploring and under, under, under the cities, exploring tunnels and sewers and stuff. One of those history underground episodes or something. Going to one of those crystal caves, you know, go down yeah, to right. where his lair, where he caught cooks up the next pandemic. That's what he's doing. He's like a chef down there. All right. Well, go ahead and roll it. Let's see. I thought the waiters were going to be for the, the bullshit. And <laughs> for the fact that we're going down to his sewer. Here we go. Yeah of preventing severe Definitely disease and death. Right. They do not protect you from getting infected. They reduce the chance of getting infected by about 50%. We want to change it so that anybody who's gotten that vaccine cannot be infected again, taking oh, them completely out of well, any- What is this about 50%? 50%? Yeah, about, I was just thinking that same weasel thing. weasel words? It's science, right? Dude, it, it, you know, it increases it's your chances by flip a coin. <laughs> okay very unconvincing he needs better writers clearly like is he going on fiverr and fucking and like getting the people to write his scripts for him like where's this coming from how many people still listen to this guy i mean even ones that believe in the standard narrative the fact but that again he's... it could be the hormones because he's pregnant tony oh oh that's yeah. right we got to respect he's in his, his nesting phase probably go ahead keep rolling them i'll be his nice if he's pregnant transmission chain we should be able to have a vaccine that attacks a core part of the virus that's found in all the variants we would also like to have vaccines that you can just take once and you don't have to go back and keep getting boosters again and again he also said the manufacturing of vaccines could be improved and suggested the option of a patch or something you inhale rather than using a syringe so I, I would really like pause to know, it. first of all, where Bill Gates is getting Pat. Seriously, fucking pause it, because he's got patents on both transdermal yeah, and the they were doing aerosol, aerosol stuff with the mRNA. So they're just talking recently about nasal vaccines as well, a couple of weeks ago. And now that I see Suave Flock of Seagulls, uh, I got a message here for Kim that Pat Benatar called and she wanted their outfit back. She's going back on tour. Uh, go ahead. Keep let that, letting that go. I'm, I'm just. Let, let that roll. I want to see Bill Gates more. He's getting his stats specifically on uh, the prevention of, of transmission at 50% is what he was claiming. Yeah, there's um, no way. <laughs> I was going to mention that too. I think that that might be true. There's no way that's true for, for Omicron at this point. I, I don't, I, I mean, people who have a, who have vaccinated and have the additional protection of a prior infection, I, I maybe, maybe have that high or more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think just the I, I, maybe it's an open yeah. question, but it would surprise me if the protection is against infection is that durable for someone who who is never who has not had right. COVID at all yet is just vaccinated. I don't I guess I'm I don't sure, know, but it would surprise me. I mean, I'm sure it is 50 percent for a certain time window. So that's kind of where the you know, when you don't clarify and say, well, it's at 50 percent for the right. first, you know, after two weeks of getting your shot. 
for we the next six weeks right. after the two weeks, right? So you've got that protection at 50% from that point, but then it starts to wane. We know it wanes. We even know it wanes against severe illness. So I wouldn't even say that the, you know, it, once you're, this is why we have right. fourth boosters going out for elderly people. It's not because this really protects you against severe disease after the two dose regimen. You have to continue to get it in order to protect against severe disease. We know this. That's why we're giving out boosters to elderly right. people. That's why Israel's been doing it. If you're at so, a, if you're at a restaurant, you're sitting it? across yeah, from someone. Say, you know, yeah, pause. pause. Death panels. What's Bill's position on death panels again? It's also just a business situation here. Like it's just basic economics. Pfizer has there's a bunch of back stock. They need to get rid of that back stock because the booster uptake was not very conducive, like 17 to 20 percent. That was a month or two ago, maybe three months. It's a couple months ago when I saw that number, but it was very small, um, less than 20 percent booster uptake. So the message has gotten out, even for those who have been vaccinated, even for those that support as sort of the mainstream narrative around COVID. That you know, that's what, once Omicron came through and the vaccinated also got sick, they're just like, you know what, fuck this. Why am I going to go get a booster? So now you have all these back stock. And that, that's something Dell Big Tree about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and his opening monologue went over and in detail. These inventories. Yeah, they need to get rid of the inventory because, you know, Just the like lot of cost is tied up in inventory. Yeah, and other products that are perishable, they do similar things. Only they don't, you don't see them like, oh, this is going to go bad. Let's stuff it into you. Right? <laughs> they don't do that. But that's for this other point. thing, it's special. It's special. Well, you know, Pfizer's got to make sure that they're, their projected earnings are in line with each quarter with their expectations for their investors. You don't want to have any sort of disconnect there because it could hurt. You know, I'm still confused about how polio still exists. I thought the whole proof behind the Jonas Salk vaccine was that polio was eradicated. And yet the UN still has a thing. Like uh, when they wrote Agenda 21 in 1991-92, they said by the year 2000, they wanted to conquer polio. Yeah, it'd be completely. And it's still eradicated. a goal of the United Nations. So, like, they can't do what they said. It's they actually were do more outbreaks past. now than there were a couple right, decades ago. Might be vaccine-induced outbreaks. That's if, correct. And Bill That's Gates what it is. is related to that too. Well before COVID, couple so it's some... not cliche. It's actually like there's the cliche level of saying Bill Gates, and then there's the knowledgeable level, and they, yeah. they're not really connected. You know, because this one's based on evidence and this other one's based on they heard it on coast to coast or something. Yeah, it, put, <laughs> it puts selective pressure. It's what Richard Fleming was alluding to and Gear Vandenbosch. There's a huge interview last week that Del Bigtree, you know, even referenced this week with his COVID panel showing snippets of it because he considers it to be so important. But it's the same issue. It's selective pressure to form mutant, mutant escape, which just means and this happened with polio. That happened in a, a small uh, area where they're trying a, I want to say an oral version of polio vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and it was in India, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. The, and well, India caused, banned Bill Gates I know, from coming I know, back yeah. there because of the damage well, that that was, happened to the kids. But I'm pretty sure also but that was for in the Africa HPV well. one. Oh, in Africa. It might have been thing in Africa. So I think Bill Gates got banned over giving HPV to girls in India. I forget. There, there, he got, it was a multitude it, of. It's different than the way Crimes. that Harvey Weinstein gave it to the girls. Different way. Yeah. He looks it's like hard a to demon. discern these He stories. literally looks like a demon. Like you just you look at Harvey Weinstein. I don't know. You know, like I when I think back to like my grandparents' age, what they had to watch on the news, they had like Walter Cronkite and they had like Lawrence Welk and Hee Haw and it was a simpler time back then. It was a, certainly a simpler time. And now you got any of these news stories about Netflix or Disney 
I mean, it's, you know, uh, I saw a news story recently about how they sent kindergarten. I think it was on band on videos or keep it, but they sent kindergartners home pre-kindergarten children home with how to masturbate material pre-kindergarten children. I mean, it's just open pedophilia. Yeah. With Disney, you have what's going on with Ukraine and the propping up of Zelensky and then uh, Putin well, not Zelensky knowing what's going on with there because he wears those six inch heels. Well, that's the thing. That's where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the type oh, of there. stole your punchline. No, no, you, you I, I, I set it up that. for you. I set it up for you. I did a Dave Landau on you. Sorry. <laughs> I like that. I think he's funny. But anyway, see, the point is it's funny when he blows punchlines. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, but right. um yeah. Yes. But the, you're right. The, the 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 headlines are absurd. Hunter Biden, the Ashley Biden diary, the Hunter Biden connections, Burisma, all that sort of nonsense. It's a whole different world now. It's a whole different world. You know, they have people on the whole no, I won't even go down that road. I'm not even gonna touch it. The, the whole thing's getting so crazy. I keep, you know, every now and then I touch the mirror to see if little ripples go out in the mirror or not. <laughs> what you got to do is try to turn on the light or try to read. It's really hard to read in a dream. Got that no, from Waking I was Life when ma- I was like I was 16 years old. I was making a Matrix old. joke. Oh, uh, wow. Well. Yeah, but it'll show up later after intermission. It's a slow, it's like a Pony Express joke. It's like. If it's one of the new Matrix movies, I haven't watched those. It is, man. It's the Resurrections. I see. I call it. It was the Matrix film, the first one, phenomenal. One of the landmark films my friend and I watched. But then it was Zion and Zion Revolutions is what we called it afterwards because that's really what it was. It had nothing to do with. Interesting. They named it Zion. Um, won't go down that. Oh, that's just accidental, Tony. There's no meaning behind that at all. No, none at all. I'm going to not touch that because that is where a fire exists. We're not uh, going to touch that. Like, we're not going to touch Cobra Venom stories. <laughs> All right. So, before we go to the next clip, clip uh, before the intermission, let's go to this one here. Proof we are in a pandemic of the vaccinated. Some, su- some dude, Alex Jones, said something to this effect. Let's see. Let's, let's weigh these claims that are going to be made. Let's separate hyperbole. Let's stick to the facts and see uh, what gets communicated. Sometimes it comes Pony Express. Hey, I was looking uh, to see if there was an intro to this, but here we go. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Band video has their intro. Band video. For anyone who questions whether vaccines work, just because there might be breakthrough infections doesn't mean that they don't work. There is great evidence for the efficacy of natural immunity. Once someone's recovered and they have natural immunity, they are protected against severe disease, even if the new variant comes along. A new report out just this week says vaccines, get this, were less effective than natural immunity against the Delta variant. Natural immunity got stronger before Delta. Californians in this study were about seven times less likely to be infected if they were unvaccinated but had gotten COVID before. Vaccine-induced immunity is enhancing the infectiousness of the virus. In Scotland and in northern countries in Europe where they get real data, that they're actually the triple vaccinated the most likely to die so you just change a couple a couple of the several incorrect parameters on this model guess what happens it flips itself on its head in fact 
when you plug in the correct parameters of the model, you end up with an output that says that the unvaccinated are the safest people to be around, and we're actually serving as a buffer for the vaccinated. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. Uh, we have evidence across the world that the more countries have vaccinated, they've prolonged the pandemic, they've increased the number of cases, and they've increased mortality. Well, the, uh, you know, sadly, the virus itself, particularly the, the variant called Omicron, uh, is a type of vaccine. That is, it creates both B cell and T cell immunity. And it's done a better job of getting out to the world population uh, than we have with vaccines. Mainstream news is now reporting something that we told you two years ago because we were talking to top scientific experts. Individuals that have not taken the Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, or AstraZeneca injections, these gene therapies, are way, 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 way more likely to not get infected by any of the variants of COVID-19. Stunner, the media is saying. New data from Walgreens reveals unvaccinated have the lowest positivity rate for COVID. Triple and double vax groups have the worst rate. We already know that. The countries with the highest injection rates have the highest hospitalization, infection, death rates, all of it. We remember... Again, almost two years ago, it came out that these were gene therapies that would erase your immune system and give you no protection. In cell and gene therapy, which to me is one of these examples, where really we're going to make a difference, hopefully, uh, moving forward. There's some, uh, ultimately, the, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take... Uh, uh, gene, th gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body, we would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to, to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. That's why they stampeded everybody with warp speed, Trump's biggest mistake. It's why they tried to get it through with no studies. It's why they're trying to block any of what's happened since for 75 years in court because they don't want you to know what they did. It attacks fertility, it attacks your cardiovascular system, it attacks your very DNA. The spike protein, you'll recall, is of course part of the virus. Uh, it's also part of the vaccine. And more and more data emerging from the internal Pfizer documents shows that the spike protein causes problems. The spike protein is a pathogenic protein. It is a toxin. It can cause damage in our body if it gets into circulation. It accumulates, once it gets in the blood, it accumulates in a number of tissues such as the spleen, the bone marrow, uh, the liver, the adrenal glands. Uh, one that's of particular concern for me is uh, it accumulates at quite high concentrations in the ovaries. In November of 2020 and December of 2020, right when a month after the rollout of the vaccines operation warp, warp speed in the United States, the internal Pfizer documents show no efficacy, vaccine failure. Uh, they knew it didn't work. They knew it would wane over time, even if it worked short term. And in some cases, the side effects they saw after having been injected with it were COVID. So they knew it didn't work. November 2020, they didn't tell you. 
What is a stunner is they've gotten away with it this long, and now they're saying new viruses and new variants and new lockdowns are coming. We can never forget what they've done. We can never forget they're gearing up to do it on a bigger scale. Bill Gates is setting up this big biomedical board that will work with the federal government to censor people, this Ministry of Truth. They've got a treaty the U.N. is setting uh, up this month to try to ram through to take over all nations, 190 plus nations, medical care, so that even the globalist CDC will now be under direct control of the United Nations. This is a huge issue. And nobody is battling it like InfoWars and those of you that watch and listen. So I salute you. And I want to encourage you all to boost your immune systems and get ready with our immune support, our vitamin D, uh, and other great products like Ultra 12 that are back in stock that are 40% off. So spread the word, share this report, and buy amazing products at InfoWarsStore.com to keep us on the air. But whatever you do, continue to share the articles, continue to share the videos, and realize without you, InfoWars is shut down. With you, together, we are invincible. So please, Share this video, share these reports, and tell everybody you know, hey, the vaccinated, get it easier and get sicker because it's not a vaccine. The vaccine basically gives you the same thing that COVID does. Infowars.com, tomorrow's news today. Amazing books, films, t-shirts, and supplements at infowarsstore.com. Only way you fail is if you don't take action. What is the truth, do you think, about natural immunity versus the vaccines? Be careful about concluding that natural immunity is more robust than the immunity conferred by, by the vaccine. That while you get some protection from natural infection, it's not nearly as strong as what you get from the vaccine. Full stop vaccination. And the more people who get them, the better we're going to be able to help stop the spread of COVID. Natural immunity is 27 times more effective than vaccinated immunity. Why hasn't our government done a study on natural immunity? I don't think they want to know the answer. I still think the balance of the evidence tips in favor of vaccine. Because everything in this country has to go through the pharmaceutical companies. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? I don't have that for you today. So arguably, by having that polyethylene glycol there, not only are we promoting spread throughout the body, but we may actually be dampening the very functionality of the vaccine that we want. The opposite of what our public health officials have been trumpeting for the last year or so. Nobody said waning when, when you know, oh, this vaccine's going to work. Oh, well, maybe it'll work, it'll wear off. The most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. A new body, the Global Epidemic Response Mobilization Team, or GERM, uh, and you believe that this should be managed by the WHO because we don't have any other multilateral body or multilateral organization to take that forward. Now, you've estimated a cost of about a billion dollars a year uh, to have 3,000 full-time employees on the GERM team. You know, I consider it one of the more obvious investments uh, that the world should make. You know, a billion dollars a year is, is a small price uh, to have that team. The team can do some good work even in years when there's not a pandemic. And many people assumed that the WHO had something like that. In fact, a lot of the movies where you'll have a pandemic, you see these WHO teams flying in, you know, as though they had a, a much higher budget. Yeah, Bill Gates telling you they had a bigger budget on ET than the CDC has for pandemic management. So he's going to come in and make sure they got this germ team and they'll have stuff to do even when there's not a pandemic, he said. You know, technically, historically, 
two, three pandemics per century. These fucking people just got done with one. They're already in the midst of like planning the second one. Well, they they might have already the second had, one. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. Say they've that. already had like their event 301 meeting and we just missed it and we won't find it for like six oh, months. This time like, they oh, didn't man. broadcast it. Back when they were doing Johnny Depp and Ukraine and whatever else was going on in Roe versus Wade, they had this other meeting. Right. It was an exercise and it led to the thing that kicked off in the summer or whatever their plan is. All right. It ain't freedom. It ain't good. Uh, it's not real optimistic. And I keep seeing Bill Gates pop up all over again. Gabby and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the windfall profits of trillions of dollars that will be made through these nonprofits that he's funneling Monday money through for vaccine research and then shares in the patents and all this other nonsense. I mean, it's an unbelievable business model. You really have to give it to him. Uh, tax-free business model in many respects as well. He learned so, from the kudos. Rockefellers and the other Jekyll Island Club members who came before him. That's and uh, right. you know right. he understand he's he's a front for organizations that needed a front man back then and that's how that's why he, he got, can that's why he can front a billion dollars a year he was the elon musk back then only his name didn't rhyme with a cologne see and it wasn't like, mentioned by Werner von braun about it going to mars there wasn't a whole novel. lot of sellouts available back then and they're like we'll take the nerd but when <laughs> you know it's like you know all right so before we go to intermission I wanted to get this uh, this other one about Fauci on the record. Uh, you were right, Russell Brand discussing Fauci's conflicts of interest. I haven't seen much other reporting on this story. Otherwise, would go to somebody uh, other than Russell Brand because we already gave him a slot. He doesn't need an extra slot. But here he is purveying interesting, useful, substantial information. And by the way, that last Infowars clip, the source material was walgreens.com. So it might be hyperbolized, what have you, but walgreens.com was a source of information for those articles. It still says it on that website as of to, you know, today, because those are the facts of the matter, according to walgreens.com. Jeffrey Jackson, who did Yeah, we covered it like a month yeah, ago. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a month ago. He he went over some of the good and bad of that. It's um and broke it down in granular detail. So if you want to check that out, check out three or four episodes ago. Or go to the Jackson report, which was probably three or four episodes ago for the high wire. So, all right. So, this clip is uh, Russell Brand and uh, Fauci getting the grant money while he was telling you, you got to do the thing. So, it's like there's payola, pay for play going on. Come on, man. Just do, let's do the thing. Just do the thing. Our patience is where it's, where it's, I just, just take the jab. Just take the jab. Just take the jab. All right. Let's go see what they say. Anthony Fauci and the NIH are public servants with no concern other than your health and the well-being of the United States of America. What? You think they'd be distracted by money and payments and kickbacks? Then you're a conspiracy theorist. Hello there, you 5.6 million awakening wonders. Thank you for joining us here. We're trying our best to come towards truth, to awaken together. We accept you, whatever you believe in. There'll be things we disagree about. Of course there will. But how are we going to create a human family of autonomous, democratic, localized groups unless we're willing to form confederacies, unions, alliances to stand against the almighty hegemony that sees only tyranny, doubt, 
and hatred and misanthropy at its heart. If you're not a subscriber yet, subscribe right now. Plenty more where that came from. Turn on the notification bell. I need you to know when we make videos. If you're watching this on YouTube, try one of our other platforms like Rumble. We're all over the place. We're on Instagram. We're all over the gaff. Get Good stuff out action, there to get people. On with it. Now, this is an interesting story. It's about Anthony Fauci. This period of time has been unusual, hasn't it? Elected officials have been under a lot of pressure. Unelected officials whose tenure often straddles several presidents, as in the case of Fauci. Now, Anthony Fauci's credibility comes from, you know, he's a scientist himself. He's got credentials. We've got to take this dude seriously. We've got to have a faith that public servants are acting purely you know, as best as we can understand or expect, in the interests of the public. One of the things that compromises that is the sort of idea, the vague notion that people are profiting and that these profits and financial incentives might cause them to stray from the path of righteousness into realms more recognisable for those of us that focus on spirituality and morality, knowing that we're flawed, knowing that we're fallible, knowing that we're trying our best. Let's have a little look at this story. This is from someone called Adam Andrzejewski from Open the Books. Open the Books is a non-profit, non-partisan, charitable organisation who capture and post all disclosed spending at every level of government, federal, state and local. In 2021, they filed 47,000 Freedom of Information Act requests. They sound to me like pretty terrific individuals. Let's have a look at this. Last year, the National Institutes of Health, Anthony Fauci's employer, doled out $30 billion in government grants to roughly 56,000 recipients. That largesse of taxpayer money buys a lot of favour and clout within the scientific research and healthcare industries. Do you find it hard to appreciate when there is government spending that it's your money? I sometimes forget that. I sometimes forget that in my case, because I earn good money, like half my time, I'm working for the government, whether I voted for them or not, whether I trust them or not, whether I like them or not. Half my time, I work for them. You, depending on your financial status, will be spending either 25% of your time or 30% or 40 or 50% of your time working for the government. So I hope you like and trust them because it's your money they're spending. However, in our breaking investigation, we found hundreds of millions of dollars in payments also flow the other way. What? <laughs> That's weird. Back to us then. These are royalty payments from third-party payers, think pharmaceutical companies, back to the NIH and other individual NIH scientists. We estimate that between fiscal years 2010 and 2020, more than $350 million in royalties were paid by third parties to the agency and NIH scientists who are credited as co-inventors. So the NIH awards grants to different organisations, 56,000 recipients, and some of those recipients, primarily, according to this, pharmaceutical companies, award grants right back. That's an interesting carousel made of dollar bills and favours, huh? Because those payments enrich the agency and its scientists, each and every royalty payment could be a potential conflict of interest and needs disclosure. No, there couldn't be conflicts of interest. Anthony Fauci, as we remember, he's a saint. Don't you remember the late night talk show appearances? Anthony Fauci, the badges, the tea towels, the fun, the honour, the parades, the celebration. Why? Because this guy is transparent. This guy isn't in it for the money. This guy is beyond all that, beyond reproach. I ain't a kid. So I don't need people to be perfect. I know people are flawed. I know people because I am a people and I have in me greed and self-centeredness and all sorts of things that I tackle and deal with on a daily basis, recognising that it's very hard to be perfect. However, at the moment, I am not running the NIH. And if I am, I'm going to expect a level of scrutiny that I'm not currently subject to. 
Recently, our organisation at OpenTheBooks.com forced NIH to disclose over 22,100 royalty payments totaling nearly $134 million paid to the agency and nearly 1,700 NIH scientists. These payments occurred during the most recently available period, September 2009 to September 2014. The assumption would be that those payments are ongoing, but the evidence isn't available because there are regulations that prevent you from going, hey, did you earn anything, for example, in 2020 or 2021? You can't look at that information. Oh, why? Because that information would make me so happy that I might go dancing into the street and not look both ways before crossing the road and get hit by a car. Yeah, that's right. The information in there will make you so happy we don't want to show you yet till it's your birthday. How dare you? Those documents were about a surprise birthday. What? And you thought that we'd been receiving payments. Oh, well, well done. You've ruined it, haven't you? You've ruined your birthday. The production is the result of our federal lawsuit versus NIH. The agency admits to holding 3,000 pages of line-by-line royalties since 2009. So far, they've produced only 1,200 pages. The next 1,800 pages of production will cover the period 2015 to 2020. However, what NIH has produced to date gives us insight into the undisclosed royalty largesse. For example, only 900 scientists were estimated to be receiving royalties, so now we know the universe is much larger. Nice that they're using sarcastic science language. As I've said to you before, science is, of course, the pursuit of objective truth. But in reality, science is a subset of late capitalist economics. People are only paying for particular types of research. People aren't paying for research that doesn't lead to profit, because what's the point in that? Since the NIH documents are heavily redacted, I wonder why. Probably because what's redacted would make you so happy. You might look out of your window to sing along with the birds and just topple forwards and smash onto the sidewalk. What? You thought that we'd redacted information that would enrage you about corruption within the pharmacological industry? Well, it was a surprise birthday party for you and you've spoiled it. You're just like your father. We can only see how many payments each scientist received and separately the aggregate dollars per NIH agency. This is a gatekeeping at odds with the spirit and perhaps the letter of open records laws. Welcome to our open records laws. Can you look at them? No, fuck off. Mind your own business. There, you can look at that bit. There's your open records. There's everything you need to know. What's not clear about that? We found agency leadership and top scientists at NIH receiving royalty payments. Well-known scientists receiving payments during the period included... Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. Where do I hear him? Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, and the highest paid federal bureaucrat received 23 royalty payments. Okay, 23. Fauci's 2021 taxpayer-funded salary, $456,000. That's your money. Francis Collins, NIH director from 2009 to 2021, received 14 payments. Collins' 2021 taxpayer-funded salary, $203,000. Clifford Lane, Fauci's deputy at NIAID, received eight payments. Lane's 2021 taxpayer-funded salary, $325,000. In the above examples, although we know the number of payments to each scientist, we still don't know how much money was paid because the dollar figure was deleted, redacted from the disclosures. Well, why would they have redacted it? Probably because the figure would have made you so happy. You might have gone to the zoo and just thought, well, the world's such a friendly place, I might as well clamber into this tiger cage and give a big old cuddle to these lovely old tigers. Oh, 
<laughs> so I might save it. I'm saving it. It's been a struggle to get any useful information out of the agency on its royalty payments. NIH is acting like royalty payments are a state secret. They're not or shouldn't be. Why not? Why are they not giving you the information? They've got an unprecedented level of power. That requires an unprecedented level of trust. Unless you want your relationship with the powerful to be as a result of fear rather than trust. Like, this is how I think the relationship with the government should be. They work for us. Oi, government, sort that shit out, will ya? That's what it should basically be. Not like, <laughs> trembling in fear. Tell us, could you tell us how much money you've been receiving? Mind your own goddamn business. Well, it is my business, because I pay you. Consider how NIH is using taxpayer money to try and keep taxpayers ignorant and in the dark. One, the NIH defied the Federal Freedom of Information Act law and refused to even acknowledge our open records request for the royalty payments. We filed our FOIA last September. They defied it. They refused to do it. Probably. <laughs> Can't keep doing that joke. There are rules in comedy, even if there aren't rules in the NIH. The NIH used expensive taxpayer-funded litigation to slow-walk royalty disclosures, releasing the oldest royalties first. Because I mean, what that looks like to me is they went, look, just tell them the old stuff. Don't tell them what's been going on in 2020 and 2021. Why? Well, because people will hear that, and it will really reduce their trust in us. It will make them furious and angry. It will make them disobedient and non-compliant. It will make them not trust the government. It will make them start to think, it doesn't matter if you vote Republican or Democrat, you're going to get the same set of agencies that are going to treat you in the same way, like you're a battery, like you're a resource to be taxed and kept numb and dumb and in the cell of your life. And if you try to move around or think, they'll bludgeon you down, they'll censor you, they'll control you, they'll prevent you having any ability to protest or to communicate freely. Oh yeah, no, probably best keep that information quiet then. Although the agency admits to holding 3,000 pages, it will take 10 months to produce them. 300 pages per month. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four. With Judicial Watch as our lawyers, we sued NIH in federal court last October. I love these people, don't you? They're badasses. Free. NIH is heavily redacting key information on the royalty payments. For example, the agency erased, one, the payment amount, and two, who paid it. We're going to tell you absolutely everything. we got nothing to hide here at the NIH. All we're going to keep is how much money we were given and who gave us it. Other than that, you can know absolutely everything you want. For example, the check that this corrupt money was given to me on was blue. This makes court-mandated production virtually worthless, despite our use of the latest forensic auditing tools. NIH is essentially telling you, the taxpayer, to pay up and shut up. They'll run things they've forgotten that they work on behalf of the American people. They can't have forgotten it. They just don't want to think about it. They must be reminded. The agency has become a lot more secretive since 2005. In 2005, the Associated Press successfully used FOIA to crack open the NIH royalty database. They found 900 scientists collected $9 million in royalties. Furthermore, 51 scientists NIH royalty recipients were then working on experiments involving inventions for which they were already being paid. I want to be paid for these inventions. We're already paying you for those inventions. I want more money for those inventions. Okay, but you better tell us who paid you and how much you got paid. I'll tell you that that check was blue. Blue, eh? Thank you for the transparency. Blue. Ah, democracy. Among the 51 scientists doing experiments involving inventions for which they were being paid royalties was Anthony Fauci, then and current director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Fauci received $45,000 between 1997 and 2004 for a patent license on an experimental AIDS treatment. NIH funded that treatment with $36 million. So that does sound a bit like a kickback, doesn't it? I don't know, man. I don't know enough about it. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know how to term it. To this day, Fauci continues to receive NIH-approved perks without a lot of accountability. We're going to give you some perks, but we will need a lot of accountability. 
No! Well, will you at least tell us what color the checks are? Pink! Oh, thank you. Put that in my democracy scrapbook. Ah, freedom. For example, in February 2021, Fauci received a million dollar prize. What? From the Dan David Foundation in Israel for speaking truth to power during the Trump administration. We are going to give you a prize of a million dollars for all that truth to power you did. Tell us this truth. How much money again? Is it enough to tell you the, the color of the checks? Yeah, all right, just tell us the color of the checks. Today, NIH is a revolving door of tens of billions of dollars in government grant making, coupled with hundreds of millions of dollars in private, non-transparent royalty payments. Why would it be non-transparent? What would be the benefit of that? Who would benefit from that? And who would suffer if they were transparent? Who would become indignant, enraged, non-cooperative? Who would refuse to trust the NIH on a number of issues and matters because you would know for a fact that they're receiving payments from the people that they are funding in a carousel of money and what appears to be, although I'm certainly not saying that it is, corruption. There needs to be a lot more sunshine on this potentially unholy alliance. When a federal bureaucrat pops up on television giving us health instructions, who has paid them and for what research and technology? When a patient agrees to a clinical trial or experimental treatment, what financial interests are involved? God, I never thought about that. The idea that people could be conducting those clinical trial experiments and not being transparent about that they stand to profit if the drug eventually goes to market, that's abhorrent, right? Is it abhorrent? Tell me in the comments below. Rather than relentless redactions and prolonged court battles, it's past time for the government to disclose royalty payments as a matter of routine. NIH needs to come clean with the American people and open the books on the line-by-line -line royalty payments to the agency and its scientists. No, we reached out for the NIH for comment and received no response. Why didn't you give us a response? The reason we didn't give you a response is those payments were going into a special fund for your birthday. And you spoke, what? You thought that we were in financial relationships with pharmaceutical partners that might benefit us down the line and that might obscure us to obvious truth. Oh, when did you become so cynical? You're just like your father. No more of that for a couple of weeks. Well, there you go. Anthony Fauci, who was heralded as a saint, seems to me like he may have feet of clay. Seems to me that he may be fallible. Seems to me that he may accept payments. Thanks to the fantastic work of Open the Books, a non-profit, non-partisan, charitable organisation, for that fantastic piece of information. That's what democracy could look like, should look like. Transparency, power being held to account, open conversations. Imagine a world where you go, oh yeah, I'm happy to pay these taxes. What are you going to do with it? We're going to use it to do this, this and this. Cool. Cool, cool, have the taxes. What are you going to do? We want to do this. No, 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 no. I'm not paying tax for that. That's what freedom looks like and sounds like. That's the freedom you deserve. But that's just what I think. What do you think? Let me know in the comments below. If you enjoyed this video, have a look at either of these ones. Remember to sign up to my mailing list. I've got a big announcement coming soon and I need you to be on the mailing list. Don't respond to the bots in the comments. It's not me. It's not legit. Stay away from it. I love you. Stay free. Very interesting. It kind of reminds me a little bit of this that we went over back January 23rd episode. Scientists instrumental to COVID-19 natural origins narrative received over $50 million in NIAID funding in 2020-2021. Those are the FOIA requests they didn't want to honor. They wanted to show them all the uh, royalties associated with you know a decade or two ago, of course, because... Uh, they haven't stopped doing what they've been doing and so far as helping out those that are already a part of the organization that already probably are receiving royalties on the patents they have, but then can also receive even more 
from the experiments done on top of those patents. So notably, so Anderson and Gary were co-recipients of a new 8.9 million five-year grant. By the way, these two individuals were, I believe they said uh, over 50%, 60%, you know, probably came from uh, a laboratory, if I remember correctly. They're the ones that were critical and said, well, if anything, it seems like it probably came from a laboratory and I would weight that as being, you know, of a majority percentage uh, in my, their analysis. And all of a sudden they helped to author the proximal origins, I believe, paper that shot down the um, or lab origin theory and got 8.9 million dollars in five-year grants. Uh, you know, there's no connection there, none whatsoever. So Notably, despite their private concerns about the origin of the virus, the first draft, the proximal origin, was completed on the same day as the teleconference. Anderson and Gary were co-authors of the proximal origin, and Farzan was acknowledged in the nature version of proximal origin for his participatory discussions in the article's creation. Additionally, Fauci's NIAID provided a substantial increase in funding to EcoHealth's Peter Dazak, through whom NIAID had funded controversial gain-of-function credit, as we know. A significant portion of the funding increase for Dazak as well as for Anderson and Gary, was provided through NIAID's creation for of the Centers for Research in Emerging Infectious Diseases, CREID. The program, which was originally referred to as Emerging Infectious Diseases Research Centers, EIDRCs, during the early planning stages in 2019, was formally announced under a new name in August on August 27, 2020. It's not known, it is not known why the program was initially delayed or why it was renamed. And so this is the way in which they, the new initiative described as a global network that involves, quote, multidisciplinary investigations into how and where viruses and other pathogens emerge from wildlife and spillover to cause disease in people, unquote, provided 11 new grants, totaling $17 million of new funding in the first year and $82 million in total funding across five years. And they get into some of the individuals that received a sizable grant, such as Anderson and Gary, who were very um, on board with the idea that it seemed to be possibly from looking at the genetic sequence, probably emerged from the laboratory. And all of a sudden they help author the proximal origins cause saying, no, 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 no. It was wildlife spillover. Nothing to see here. So Fauci's uh, love for grants is a battlefield since 2005. We'll just shorten it to levels. Love is a battlefield. For uh, Fauci. He loves a battlefield. <laughs> it's in your body. It's in yes. your body now. All right. Well, maybe that doesn't have to go that he likes way. the battlefield of the, he likes the terrain of the body as being the battlefield. He likes to be Forward. inside you. All right. That's your uh, Pat Benatar callback. Thank, thank you, LD, for paying attention to such things. <laughs> there was only a couple options. See, the thing is, A, I shouldn't have made fun of Kim's outfit. I was totally right to make fun of Flock of Seagulls, Robbie Suave, but I shouldn't say that because I respect Kim. I don't respect Robbie. That should be evident because of Flock of Seagulls comment. Um, but love is a battlefield, according to oh, uh, that's the 80s poet. Pat Pat, I'm like, Pat who Benatar. the hell is Pat Benatar? Yeah. 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 It's yeah, like an old like, soft other rock hits. songs in the 80s when mom yeah. listened to when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So for intermission, we got a uh, special feature double feature the second piece is going to be burmese's talk at the clay clark uh clay clark event before we yes. hit that do we do we need oh, to hit the uh the food supply um or do you I want to do that afterwards, afterwards. okay yeah we'll do food supply as soon as uh we do the intermission because that's 
Because we can play the Samuel Rivera thing first, get into that's I put it part of the economics politics. Yeah, play that alongside of uh, Christian from Ice Age Farmer for sure. And um, yeah, so for second part of intermission, we'll do Burmese's on stage speech. So he traveled, he spoke, he kicked ass, he kicked Elon Husker Do, Musker Do in the nuts. And uh, before we see that clip, I would like to see the clip from the much talked about but rarely seen documentary that all these people are like, wow, about, right? Everyone's seen the trailer and they got a hit piece and they say it's debunked. But I watched it as an individual who didn't vote for Trump. And I don't believe that the steering wheel you guys are voting with is connected to the wheels driving the country. So I watched it as an interested human being. And what I saw shocked me. And I've already like gone through several several layers of peeling off the naivete, and I thought I had gotten pretty good. And when I saw them do this mock-up, I was like, there's no way. There's no way with these parameters that you're going to find anything. And they found a lot, which to me means if you lessen the parameters to something near reality, you're going to find a lot more. But they weren't looking to make a mountain out of a molehill. They found a mountain and they are representing it as a molehill, right? So it's the opposite thing. The I don't opposite, think, yeah. I don't think they're hyperbolizing. I don't trust them as like objective, but it's the data that I'm looking at and that same cell phone data that the CDC is using to track you and the NSA is using to do predictive programming and capture all your stuff. And you know, that it's good enough for all that stuff. So it is also good enough for this argument. So we're going to jump into this film by Dinesh D'Souza uh, it's available on his website. You can purchase it to see it. I was listening to Jack Spierko and he said it's everywhere already. So he had put it on his Odyssey page. So I watched it on Jack Spierko's Odyssey page because I was listening to Jack. Um, we're going to look at minutes like 25 through 40. It's the serious, not political. Let's just look at the data part of it. And, um, you know, around it in the documentary, he's got some talking heads that he works with at the uh, Salem media. Um, but it, it's worth considering. And that's why we're going to put in an intermission so that you would know why you might want to watch the whole film because uh, we're living through history and it's not the same type of history that we've been living through. So it's a little bit different, a little bit different. So uh, we're going to cut to intermission. Dun, 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 dun. I got that InfoWars intermission theme in my head now from just saying the word intermission. All right. Let's go to it, and uh, then we'll be back like with Nova style. Ice Age Farmer and uh, other tidbits from this past week in culture. Very uplifting. Very uplifting. Had been near those drop boxes, but also near the organizations across the country. We bought ten trillion signals. When they give you Audio's data, really low on my end, LD. You then have to go yeah, hang on. What does this data look like? Well, it's a massive data transfer. We have more than a petabyte All of right, data. Alright, so just scoot back a little bit more. Transacting hundreds of terabytes. Sort yeah, of maybe start around like 20 the- or something. Start when they sit down at the table to explain what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, that's a good place. Become a vital tool for the military going to be tonight well here's my cell phone my my cell phone is off can you can i be geo-tracked even with the cell phone being off possibly 
Depending on the apps depending that are on on the, the apps, depending That's on what the marketing app. companies do all day, every day. Now, this is the point. We were just at we were at the CBS. Apple store and at CVS, and, CBS, yeah. and on both occasions, they knew right. where you they were, knew. evidently. Absolutely. And they were telling you about specials, yeah. and yeah. The, they were so people right. have experience of this. There's 300,000 or so apps that that gather that. I can hear it already. And they sell it to brokers. Chat is it also true yeah, that chat this geo-tracking has now become a vital tool for the military, for the intelligence agencies, and for law enforcement? Indeed, they're using it almost every day. I'll say that there's no question amongst anyone that I know in the community that many, if not all, of the people that were involved in the situation at the Capitol on January 6th were being tracked previous to January 6th because they already knew what their pattern of life was. They already knew who to look at. Many of the people who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th left digital footprints that law enforcement has used in making arrests. You're saying they must have known about these people before because some of those guys were arrested one day, three days, five days after January 6th, and that's not enough time to do the geo-tracking analysis. The very idea that you could go from the afternoon of January 6th to acquiring the data, tracking the data, unmask who actually owns that phone, which the government is required to do, and then get it to a grand jury, make an arrest in 72 hours? Impossible. It's, it's, impossible. Not, it's not possible. They had to have been tracking the people in advance. But the fact of the matter is, these techniques are used every single day by law enforcement, the intelligence community, the Department of Defense. Was geo-tracking part of the way that the CIA was able to identify bin Laden? It certainly played a role. It's even more sophisticated today than it was when bin Laden was disposed of. More and more apps are participating in this, this program, if you will. The reliability of geo-tracking is not substantially different from the reliability of a fingerprint or the reliability of DNA if it identifies your phone. Now, I could have given my phone to Debbie, but the simple truth of it is my phone was there on this particular date, and there's absolutely no question about that, That's right? That's correct. Now, you decided to purchase through these brokers that make this information available to companies. They make it available all, all kinds of places to buy data. Uh, talk, let's talk about the methodology. You identified data in certain places, and by and large you focused on the states where the election was decided. Tell us what are the areas that you bought data for and what were you looking for? And what's the time period? October 1st through the election. In Georgia, we actually bought from October 1st through January 6th after the runoff. So we went in. We decided to do the Atlanta metro area because it picks up some rural areas, it picks up some urban areas, it picks up some suburban areas, 309 drop boxes in, in the area. And we thought, okay, well, this is a pretty good test. We, in essence, sort of fenced around those. Geofencing. Geofencing. So and then we were able to make purchase of data of people that had been near those drop boxes, but also near the organizations. Across the country, we bought 10 trillion signals. When they give you this data, this data that you then have to go through, what does this data look like? Well, it's a massive data transfer. We have more than a petabyte of data. You're talking about transacting hundreds of terabytes, so it's a significant 
move of data. You have 10 trillion signals, that's, that's a lot of signals. So what was the criterion that you set? Final decision was they had to have been to 10 or more drop boxes, meaning unique visits inside of a space, and five or more visits to one, of the, one or more of these organizations. Those were the outliers. It was such an aberrant pattern. So what you're saying, I mean, it seems to me there's no reason for someone to go to even two drop boxes. But you're saying that maybe there's a conceivable reason someone did that. Let's identify a large number of drop boxes and multiple trips. And that way we're going to catch not all the offenders, right, but the worst offenders. The way we would describe it is we want to absolutely ensure that we don't have false positives, meaning including people that should not have been included. We're not in any way saying that this is all there is. We're just saying that based on our criteria that we identified in Atlanta, 242 people that went to an average of 24 drop boxes in eight organizations during a two-week period. 242 mules. Now let's pause for a second. What is a mule? When we started the project, we had to figure out how are we going to describe the individuals and the, and the elements involved. And to us, it felt a lot like a cartel. It felt a lot like trafficking. It can be trafficking in drugs, trafficking in humans. In this instance, it's ballot trafficking, and so we began to use that vernacular. A mule is, by our definition, a person that is involved in picking up ballots from locations and running them to the drop boxes. So you have the collectors on the one hand, you have the stash houses, which are the, the nonprofits, and then you have the, the mules that are doing the drops. What do we know about them who are they well first let me say this is not grandma out walking her dog bad backgrounds bad reputations we've had uh, you know encounters with several that are you know not terribly positive violent guys can be they are interested in one thing that's money Going do we know by the way how much they get paid according to the people that have shared information with us it's generally ten dollars a ballot in the in the georgia runoff that number was higher Twenty twenty, of course, was the year of the Antifa riots, the BLM riots, and it was all going on in the months and weeks leading up to the election. Right. And so in the data, you have geo-tracking data of the drop boxes, but you also have data on the rioters. There were several different violent BLM Antifa riots in Atlanta. In one of them, we had three dozen of our mules participate in these violent riots. There's an organization that tracks the device IDs across all violent protests around the world. We took a look at our 242 mules in Atlanta, and sure enough, dozens and dozens and dozens of our mules show up on the ACLID databases. So again, this is not grandma out walking her dog. These are, you know, violent criminals sometimes. There's not just a criminal element, but there is an ideological element and that there's an overlap between people. I mean, you're not going to go to an Antifa riot and find it overpopulated with patriots or Christians or Republicans. These are people on generally the far left. And turns out that these are people who also help to make up the mule population. I think that's also uh, borne out in our target organizations themselves. They're not like Republican organizations. These right? are left-wing right. Democratic organizations. <laughs> yeah. Let's 
zoom in here. We so the mule is the delivery man, the mule is the delivery the woman, man. and what you're saying is they have a starting point or multiple starting points, and then they have the end point, and the end point is the Dropbox. That's right. Right. That's right. But you're saying that they're, they they get the ballots from somewhere, and then they go deposit them in right. multiple drop boxes. One of the questions that will come up in the work that we've done is, well, how do you know that this wasn't just somebody that's got a big family and they just deposited a bunch of ballots once? Or how do you know that this person didn't just work at a, at a location that is near a drop box and so they're constantly going by a drop box? And the elements that, that are uh, additive here, the going to the nonprofits, the ability to identify the pattern of approach to a drop box and that it is going not past a drop box and on, but directly to a drop box and back to another point and then to another Dropbox, all of these things. I mean, isn't the timing significant? If some guy's going to a Dropbox at 2 a.m. in the morning, presumably he's not like out for a walk. Right. So we're going to show you a visual, a pattern of life that someone can see and look at rather than just a whole spreadsheet of numbers, being able to look at it in this manner. What you see here on the screen is a single person on a single day in Atlanta, Georgia, they went to 28 drop boxes in five organizations in one day. What are the orange dots? Those are drop boxes. And what is the blue tracks? That is a smoothed out pattern of life so that we could take the sort of the movement of the individual cell phone signals, marry them together into something that's visual so that you can see movement on the individual. To get to some of these drop boxes, you had to be intentional. You had to get off the highway, you had to go on surface streets, you had to turn in somewhere in order to get to those drop boxes. And the circles, I take it, reflect the nonprofit centers? Is that the places where the ballots originate? The stash houses, where the ballots are collected and handed to the mules to take to the drop box. Now let's move over to Arizona. In How Phoenix. many mules in Arizona? A little over 200. A little over 200. In, in Phoenix alone. The reason I think this is all very significant is because these were very close states, right? What was the margin in Georgia? Uh, 10 or 11,000, I think, in the end. In the end. And Arizona also extremely close. Yeah, very close. Um, then you moved on to Wisconsin, but our initial look was in Milwaukee. Gross numbers were a little down, but the average number of visits to the drop boxes was up. So instead of having only 24 unique visits, I think we averaged 28. I mean, maybe Wisconsin. I've heard people in Milwaukee are really hardworking, and maybe they just went overtime. <laughs> and then let's go to Michigan. Uh, we have more than 500 mules that we've identified in Michigan. Again, the number of boxes is lower. Now, where in Michigan? Uh, Detroit mainly. But we have people in Detroit that went to more than 100 drop boxes. 100. I mean, this is stunning because it's like I cannot think of a rational kind of innocent reason for someone to do that. It just doesn't exist. No. So any reasonable person would say, you're onto something big here. We should take a closer look. Let's go to Pennsylvania, critical state. I think it was Pennsylvania that really gave Biden the election. Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules at rates well beyond anything we'd seen. Closer to 50 drop boxes each. Each guy going to 50 each, drop boxes. Each. 1,100. We saw people driving back and forth to New Jersey across the bridge. You're saying the ballots may not even be from Philadelphia or from Pennsylvania. Well, we're saying, we're we saying somebody no should But you're saying that the origin yeah. point appears to be Jersey. 
Now, running 1,100 meals times 50, we are 50,000 Dropbox visits by the meals alone in Philadelphia or greater Philadelphia area. Now, as you were assessing this data, you had, the two of you, and I'm not sure which of you came up with this, a genius idea in my view. For it was your <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, who else? Well, to validate your data, we chose to look at two murders that were uh, ebbing on cold case status. And in Atlanta, eight-year-old Sequoia Turner was killed by rounds of gunfire shot into a car that happened just outside this Wendy's parking lot. Bought the data, and the team got to work. You could see. Visually, there were only a handful of unique devices that could possibly have pulled the trigger. So this is the area, and this is where the Wendy's was. And are you saying that each green dot is the same guy, yeah. each, but moving through time? Each color is one person. The shooting actually occurred right here in, in this parking lot, sort of inside of this circle are really the only potentially legitimate shooters. Uh, each of these devices has a unique device ID, and we turned the bulk of this information over to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Now, I read, they've arrested two suspects. They have. Two suspected gang members will appear in court this morning on charges that include the shooting death of eight-year-old Sequoia Turner. And isn't it true that this tracking, these movements, this parallels exactly the work you're doing with the mules. Exactly. It's one thing to have the scientific evidence, which is persuasive on its own merits, but do you have video evidence? We do. How much of it do you have? Four million minutes of surveillance video around the country. Official surveillance video of these mail-in drop boxes. Yes. How do you get it? You can file for open records requests. Any citizen can do this. It was a, a very difficult series of steps that had to be followed to procure the actual surveillance video. Do you have video in Georgia? We do. Is it video from the presidential election, the runoff election, or both? Both. Do you have video from other states? Some video from Arizona. We have recently learned video was specifically turned off on particular drop boxes. In which state? Arizona. Wisconsin, it turns out, even though the rules required them to have video. Did they do the video? No, they did not. There should be video on every drop box. Indeed. Given today's kind of cost of technology, it would not have been that hard to do it. And you sent me a screenshot, Catherine, where you were requesting video. And I believe it was the state of Georgia saying this video does not exist and we can't tell you why it doesn't exist. Right, that was in, in Fulton County. We have correspondence like that from a lot of states. In the absence of video, and that geospatial data is key to decoding you know, what the greater scheme was. But in the case of uh, what we're going to show you now, what kicks it up a notch is that we have the geospatial data to support the video. Let's talk about some of the videos. So we're going to show you a couple different ones. This particular individual we have um, in a number of different locations at a number of different times. He's actually a mule. This is the official surveillance video of Georgia. Absolutely. And so as the person pulls up, they don't even bother parking. Of course, it's the middle of the night, so why would they? He gets out, approaches the box. When people walk up with intention to cheat, 
They look around. They basically walk fairly quickly. They try to stuff him in. They try to get out of there. In this case, he drops a few on the ground. Pick him up, stuff him into the box. Then he hustles back and hustles out of there. So this is what it looks like. It doesn't necessarily look like, you know, hundreds of ballots being stuffed in. You don't need a whole lot of fraud. You just need a little in the right places over time. Is there a way to estimate or even roughly how many ballots are being tossed into a box at a given time? It might be three or five or six or ten or something like that. The idea is to stay under the radar. And as Greg said, the number is, you know, three, five, ten ballots. But then they're not done for the day either. They're going place to place to place, day upon day upon day. And so that will not show up in your chain of custody documents, your tracking documents that would identify a big blip. I mean, they're not going up and dumping in, you know, buckets full of ballots. Uh, on the other hand, we've seen circumstances where it appears that buckets full of ballots showed up. There's one box in Gwinnett County that had a chain of custody document with 1,962 ballots noted on this. And first of all, that's roughly 10 times what we normally see. We sorted through the geodata, found a few hundred people. Okay, well, that's pretty odd. We have video of all of this. And guess what it shows? 271 people approached that ballot drop box during that 25-hour period. 271. 1,962 ballots were deposited. Wow. Here are election officials pulling out of that drop box two full duffel bags containing over 1,900 ballots. Let's look at another one. Yeah, let's take a look at... Uh, Interesting thing about this person is the device seems to live in South Carolina. So this person isn't even from Georgia. She was here uh, during both election cycles, uh, but is not a resident of the state. But as she approaches the drop box, she never looks at the trash can, right? She's looking the other way. But the other thing she has is she has gloves on. What one of our analysts noticed was these surgical gloves only appeared from December 23rd forward in the runoff. So we didn't see a lot of them previous to December 23rd. And we couldn't figure out why. And then it just dawned on us, well, on December 22nd, there was an indictment handed down in Arizona for people that had stuffed ballots. And the way the FBI nailed them was fingerprints. And then lo and behold, the next day and, and days forward. So this video is now from the Georgia runoffs. This, this, this is, is January this is, of 21. This That's particular right. one is at approximately 1 o'clock in the morning on January the 5th. Stuffs her ballots in there. It's like a small stackish, maybe three, maybe four. Takes them off and then puts them in a trash can that she never looked at. So she knew it was there. She knew it was there, right? And so we have her on a number of locations. She's with. an out-of-state mule, and then this is in no way the only drop box that she attended. That's right. No, she she's, goes to dozens and dozens over the course of these two elections. Who's next? What you're going to see is he approaches the drop box on his bike. He also has a backpack on. Pull the ballots out of his backpack. Taking his time. Taking his time, digging around, looking for some ballots. Finally gets that, pulls them out. Okay, now I'm set. And he'll put them in. 
But you also see him get sort of frustrated as he starts to leave, because guess what? At this point, they had started requiring the mules, apparently, to take pictures of the stuffing of the ballots. It appears that that's how they get paid. So they take a picture, they stuff it in, they take a picture, not a selfie, but a picture of the, the actual ballot going in. But this guy gets frustrated, so he actually has to park his bike, get off. So if you were there just casting your own ballot, what reason in the world would you have to come back and take a picture of the box? And he kneels down. Looking later, around. Yeah. Take some pictures. Okay, the next one. Yeah, so let me show you dog guy. So dog guy, middle of the day, this is actually at a polling place. So the people in line are waiting to go in and vote early. They're doing it the right way. Okay, now, now you've got some other people going to walk up. This lady doesn't care, but this guy, this next guy cares. He's watching the whole thing. That so guy looks up, talks to him. Got the ballots under his arm already. Now he's got the rest that he pulled out of the bag. And he's going to get his camera ready to take the pictures as he puts them in there. If you consider the brazenness of this, right? This is the middle of the day. There's people sitting there watching you cheat. But people I'm... that are doing it the right way. But it's difficult for them to know what to do, right. except right. observe and maybe say, what's going on That's here? Right. What did I just see? They wonder, what does this all even mean if this is happening in broad daylight and nobody's doing anything to stop it? And so these are the kind of things, four million minutes of this. This was an organized effort to subvert a free and fair election. This is organized crime. You can't look at this data in its aggregate and believe anything otherwise. That's especially true when you consider that in places like Georgia, it was only decided by 10,000, 12,000 votes. And you look at 5,000 visits just from our mules, it's not a leap to say, yes, this would have made a difference. Adding these numbers up, we have 2,000 plus mules based upon not searching these whole states. And right. remember, we're, we're only talking about a small number of states. You didn't, you, we're not talking about the whole country. We're, we're not talking even talking about, about whole states. We're not even talking about Count, whole states. Right. That's right. And we're also talking about a gross undercount of the actual number of mules because you set a high bar. They had to go to 10 drop boxes. So if there's a mule who went to seven drop boxes, you wouldn't, you wouldn't no. catch that guy. And they had to go to nonprofits. So they had to meet those two criteria and then go to one of the geofence drop boxes. If they met the two criteria but went to a post office box, we're not going to look at them. One of the slogans of the Democrats through all this debate has been make every vote count and i think we can now see in a chilling way that this is kind of what they mean what they mean is it doesn't matter if all kinds of illegal ballots are being dropped in let's just count them now the narrative needs to be that this is the most secure election this is the most fabulous election we've ever had pay no mind to the millions of americans that are saying something is not right this does not make sense Nothing to see here. You're smiling wave, boys. I mean, wouldn't it be an accurate summary to say that these voter bills that the Democrats are desperate to enact, the federalize the election, isn't it that they want to take all these special provisions that have enabled what we've described, or you've described in the 2020 election, and make it permanent? If we don't wake up 
and do the hard roll up your sleeves work that it's going to take to reel this all back together, then yes, all the pieces are in place for our election system to be in permanent lockdown. And it will be done under the watchful eye of a media that will tell you it's all just fine. It seems like they are subverting democracy in the public pretense of protecting it. Absolutely. And it won't stop unless we stop it. If I look across the swath of Republicans, this is not the kind of issue that they seem to be comfortable with. It's almost like they would rather endure. That's right. Mm -hmm. As I said. Well, it's a a gamble, right? Because the ones that are enduring Mm -hmm. are currently elected and in power. When you watch these brazen acts and nobody says a word because they're scared that they're going to be sued, because they're scared that they're going to be canceled, because they're scared that they're going to be silenced, that kind of chilling effect is exactly what they want. And as I said, on the other side of fear is freedom. If you never get past the fear, you're never free. How many of you are ready for the most intense presentation of the weekend? Are you ready? Our next presenter is going to give you so much truth in 15 minutes. I promise your head will explode. But you may want to get out your phone. You want to get like, an, like, a, like a writing device, maybe a ketchup packet. Maybe you like to write with a ketchup packet. That's a weird thing to do, man. Okay, maybe you want to get on Etch-A-Sketch or whatever you need to do because he's going to share with you the truth about the transhumanism agenda, the, all of it. It's amazing. He's a, he's a filmmaker, he's an independent journalist, and he's my good friend, and now yours. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand to your feet and greet Jason Burmes! All right, everybody. So today, I am going to be talking about the correlation between NASA transhumanism, and yes, Elon Musk. I can assure you, he is not your friend. (laughs) Not even close, okay? Now, a lot of people think NASA, well, we're going to the moon, and we're going to Mars, and it's space exploration. Well, I'm here to present to you that that's only 20% of what they do, and what they actually do is what you see behind me, future strategic warfare. This is a July 2001 document that is stunningly accurate over the last 20 plus years. And remember, we are 18 and a half months from 2025. So I want you to take a look at this right now. And you see that this is a DARPA document, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, CIA, FBI, Office of Naval Intelligence, Australian DOD. And they're welcoming the bots, Borgs, and humans to 2025 AD. And you'll notice in the corner there, it says... These are all based on data, trends, uh, analysis, and existing technologies. Okay, this is a 20-plus-year-old document, folks. No pixie dust. In other words, what we're going to present here is all reality. Okay? So, if you take a look over here, you'll see that the global warming agenda and the climate change agenda is also a NASA agenda. And that agenda is a population control Agenda. You'll also see they're going to genomically design and repair human species and even mind children. Yes, that is brain chips, transhumanism, which they go over extensively in this document. We're only going to present a few of these slides, but it is 100 plus pages. And you will notice that they accurately predicted that the bio nano era would begin in 2020. Why do I say it began in 2020? What do you think the shots were? Whether you took the mRNA or the vector shot, they were all, all 
biological nanotechnology, and they just injected billions of people with it. Now, if you look there, they don't know when it ends. But the virtual age is next, and I'm going to present to you that virtual age is actually us uploading our consciousness and the end of humanity. It's unfortunate, I know. So, we take a look here. They talk about smart dust utilized in the Gulf War, uh, the second Gulf War, um, and the war on terror. Nanotax everywhere. Co-opted insects. Yes, that's genomically engineered insects, not only for surveillance, but also biological warfare. Really fun stuff. If you look over to the second one, they talk about stabilization of the world population. Okay, And this document's by a guy named Dennis Bushnell. He is still the chief scientist over at NASA. He's been around since the Gemini days, pre-Apollo. And after this next slide, you're going to get to meet him and hear what he actually has to say about all this. So the last thing I want to bring up is one of these slides right here. Remember, this is pre-9-11. And they're talking about exploiting CNN syndrome. What is CNN syndrome. Well, they coined that term after the first Gulf War because they realized they could manipulate the populace through pop propaganda and the news. Shocking, I know, because CNN is so great, right? <laughs> if you look over again next to that, you'll see what's inexpensive. You know, the blast wave accelerators, the ICBMs are there, but what else? Informa information, internet, and psychological warfare, including Binary biologics into the food supply, all right? And then, what I will argue, we will talk about today, Trojan horse civilian systems. What does that mean? What is a Trojan horse civilian system? Well, they always tell you Facebook's a private company. Google's a private company. Twitter's a private company. They are not. They are Trojan horse civilian systems to get all of your data, all of your information, and then censor you with impunity. I promise you that. So, here we have Dennis. Dennis is at a presentation all the way back in 2011, and we're going to let him speak right now about the lower standards of living, population control, really depopulation, and how it's Malthus 101. And if you know anything about Malthusianism, it is what is a life worth. So let's play this clip. The code word is sustainability. Uh, the... Crashing of the ecosystem is due to population growth and the way we're now living, our standard of living. Uh, the estimates vary between 30 and 50 percent of a planet that we're currently short to uh, subs uh, sustain the standard of living and the, and the current population, much less the population growth. Uh, as the Asians and their billions come up as they are at 9 to 11 percent growth rate, to Western standards of living, we're going to be short three more planets, and they're not readily available. This will result in peak everything. Uh, this will result in standards of living plunging. So this is Malthus 101. These innate ecosystem restrictions and shortfalls will necessarily shift world uh, econometrics from a growth mantra to one of sustainability with possible population control instigated along the way that changes everything. And so you see, population control that changes everything, and your standard of living is going to plummet. And you look at what has happened in the last 10 years, they don't intend on us having a comeback, folks. So the next clip we're going to play is Dennis expounding on this and letting us know that over a decade ago, they'd actually already put 
10,000 brain chips in human beings. We'll get to what the number is now. We're not talking just cochlear implants or retinal implants. We are talking DARPA super soldier type implants, mind implants, and beyond. Plus the ongoing biorevolutions, genomics, and synthetic biology that proffers the very real possibility of designer life forms, including humanoids, capable of thriving in whatever mess we make of the planet. In terms of employment, just as an example, uh, we are in a jobless economic recovery. There's about 7 million jobs missing. Some of them were globalized and offshore, about a third. The rest of them are gone. Uh, the code word is productivity improvement, which is a code word for ever better automation and robotization. The machines are taking the jobs, and the humans increasingly can't compete. Uh, we're also becoming cyborgs, okay? We have uh, uh, implants, artificial retinas, artificial hearts, direct brain to prosthetic limb communication, and brain chips. We put brain chips into about 10,000 people. It affects congenitally defected brains. DARPA is working on brain chips or super soldiers. 15, 20 years out, if you don't have the latest chip in, you can't compete, particularly with the machines. Okay? So we are merging with the machines. So he's going to tell you that not only are we merging with the machines, if we can actually get to the clip, because I'm you know, down to the wire here, that we will upload our consciousness. Okay, That is the plan. And in this next clip, he's going to tell you that regular evolution is over and human beings are in control of this on the way to the virtual age. Humans are now becoming cyborgs. We have cochlear implants to hear, artificial retinas to see, artificial hearts to live, artificial limbs to move, artificial organs to functions, and brain chips. There's a couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now affects congenitally defective brains, and increasingly it affects memory and other things. DARPA's working on brain shifts for super soldiers. And people are now working, thanks to uh, Musk and other people, funding uh, direct machine brain communications. They, they, he, it's not us versus them, us versus the machines. We're merging. And this is the human evolution of the humans. There is no more natural evolution of anything. People are convinced that the human evolution of everything is 10 million times faster than any natural evolution. And so this is just part of the human evolution. Okay, so there it is. There's the human evolution. Did you notice that? 200,000 people with brain chips in 2018. That's four years ago, folks. So. He also mentions Musk. Musk is the front man for this Neuralink agenda. These technologies are around four or five decades before they use these Trojan horse civilian systems to introduce them into the public. So here he is. He's going to tell you finally, at the end of the day, we're uploading our consciousness. There will be essentially no jobs the machines cannot do. We currently have creative software that, that, that are doing ideation just as good or better than humans now. Uh, the creative jobs would be the last ones to go, but, but, but I have not been able to discern any jobs that machines cannot do as machine intelligence and all the rest of, of the autonomous robotics develops. So now we're to your question, okay, what do you do with these people? We humans are now converting ourselves into cyborgs. Uh, we now have artificial retinas, artificial hearts, uh, we have brain chips, 
Uh, DARPA's work on, on brain chips for super soldiers. Uh, we can have a, a high bandwidth COM port uh, built in so, so we don't have to use the sensors and they're very limited uh, bandwidth. And, and eventually this all ends up with, with uploading into the machines and instead of us versus them, humans versus the machines, we become them. So when we talk about these kind of systems that are going to bring us into that, Google is one of them. Google actually works with NASA, has for well over a decade, and they achieved quantum supremacy all the way back in 2019. Now, Musk, what's he up to? Well, if you didn't know, back in the 80s, there was a program called Star Wars, where we weaponized space, the strategic initiative program. The word on the street was it failed. I assure you, it did not. Okay? In fact, you can hear him here, hopefully we'll have enough time, talk about weaponized satellite systems that Elon Musk is launching via SpaceX. This is the Blackjack program. He just launched one last week. He launched them over Easter weekend. And his Starlink satellites are actually being used in the Ukraine for warfare. So let's hear Bushnell talk about these type of satellites. The second one is the Russians apparently have satellites up there that um, uh, I've described. They're moving in strange ways. And there may not be normal satellites, maybe you're doing something different. And so what's that all about? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. No, 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 no. Killer satellites? Are they? No? no. Okay, all right. No, no. Sorry, Ty. One no, for no. two. Uh, what, <laughs> what, you know, what he didn't tell you is I'm the NASA rep to the National Intelligence Council. You see that? And it's all so I've got to be a little careful. Yeah. So it's about the Defense Department, it's about national intelligence, it's about weaponization of space. So take a look at this right here. You can talk about the uh, Skynet DARPA program, which is Blackjack, and that SpaceX, again, right over Easter, is continually launching these devices. Um, in fact, that's where he makes his money. He launches military cargo anywhere in the world in one hour. The man is a front man for DARPA and military industrial complex technology. Make no mistake about it. Okay? Here he is challenging Putin to single combat and actually getting in fights with members of parliament over the Ukraine war right now. I know it's not all over the news, but it should be because we have the head of the Russian space agency boasting via their space weapons they can nuke all of Europe in less than 30 minutes. Sounds like a dangerous guy to me. I don't know. Okay, and there you are, you see that um, Starlink changed the war, according to the Ukrainians, and they've actually, the Russians, have actually announced a space war against Elon Musk. The music is playing, folks, if you want to see more of this information, please check me out at rockfin.com, R-O-K-F-I-N.com, slash Jason Burmis. I go into a ton of this stuff. I'm also a documentary filmmaker, Loose Change Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture are free. Check them out and share them. I love you all, and thank you. Whoa. Whoa. <clears throat> Reminded me of Keanu Reeves. All right.
What film was that? Was that Point Break? No, it wasn't Point Break. That would have been uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I think. There's a couple of times we did that, but I'm going to save that one. Uh, fantastic report by, I mean, fantastic job. I remember he had him on his show. Jason Burmis had, uh, who was that, by the way? I forget, because he, he was this game. Clark I remember, Clark. is it Clark? Yeah, because he was first, he's not aware of these things. So when Burmis had him on a show. Yeah, he, he got the like, invite during that interview. That's what and, happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're going to drive that far, I'd like to see him get a longer spot. But he did a good job with the spot he had. He was very kinetic. He got good information out there. He brought solid clips. Good showing for sure. It's, you know, uh, kinetic's a good word for it. He has that type of personality. He can really get a crowd going. Burmis, that is. So. Shout out to Burmis and all the work he's done. Uh, making people aware of what NASA is really a front for. Beyond just Elon Musk, because they aren't really into space exploration. <laughs> that's, a, that's a selling point. More why, like can't people, why can't people be into human beingness instead of like, we got to go colonize Mars? Uh, didn't John Allegra say it's, a, it's as if the wrong side won? Yeah, he's the book. He's the guy who wrote the book, Physician, Heal Thyself. <laughs> right, yeah, and some other books. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of <laughs> couple other books. All right, so let's go to uh, let's do Ice Age Farmers uplifting report for this week, this past week, and um, look at the controlled demolition of the food supply and how that might affect people who like to eat food. We have that clip, like every human being in the world. Most yeah, people do. This that. is this is actually from May fourth, so this is the the last. It's, it's video. most recent one, though. Yeah, yeah. Most recent yeah. video from his channel. All right, cool. My friends, welcome. There's so much going on with respect to the controlled demolition of our food supply that I scarcely know where to begin this report. In fact, I just realized that it's that itself which is the most important thing to share. That when we step back from these individual things that I'll talk about, that, it, that if we pretend we were some alien species in a faraway space watching humanity we would be scratching our heads and asking ourselves right now, and rightly so, understandably so, what the hell is going on down there right now? It seems like they've completely given up all hope of, of continuing as a species. They're just stopping their food production. They're not planting their crops in many cases, or they're changing to different things at the last second. They're not fertilizing the crops they do have. The greenhouses that they spent tons of money and years building are empty now because of some economics reason they give for it. I mean, we can give reasons for these things, but they give reasons for killing off their pigs because of Japanese encephalitis, killing off their fish because of bacterial outbreaks at the fisheries. California's not even bothering to stock the lakes and rivers this year. They're just giving up. Texas is killing off their deer. Other places, too, killing off their deer because of chronic wasting disease. Uh, Northern Ireland killing off their sheep because of cow farts, basically, because of CO2. What is wrong with humanity? They're killing off hundreds of millions of chickens, as we've talked about, as lots of people are now talking about, because of bird flu. But not only that, they're immediately firing 
all of the workers, hundreds of workers at these factories. This is an example I'll look at today where a single PCR test, one PCR test, immediately they turned around management, killed off millions of birds, and then fired hundreds of workers that have been there. There's no plan to restart that capacity, obviously. That's just gone now. And they've been investing money in AI to weigh the eggs and all this stuff, but they got the memo. It's time to turn off animal agriculture at this point. Animals are dirty and dangerous. We're figuring out they have antibiotic-resistant superbugs, and it's just too dangerous to continue keeping animals now. In fact, the mainstream media is even running cover stories now, saying it is true that there have been hundreds of fires at these food processing plants, but it's a conspiracy theory. It did happen, but it's a conspiracy theory. It's literally what they're saying. In fact, this article has the Ice Age Farmer uh, food supply spontaneous combustion map on it. It's all it's it's conspiracy theories. Uh, the fires did happen, though. And they another article. In fact, if you look, this is another key. I've mentioned this before. When you see hundreds of articles coming out within the span of a couple hours that all have basically the same boilerplate text straight from Operation Mockingbird headquarters, you can tell the talking points went out. And this went out today, uh, a new brand of conspiracy theories around kamikaze planes and food fires. The food processing plants are all, are all conspiracy theories. Tons of different headlines running from different outlets about this food fires conspiracy theory and Tucker is to blame for it. And in fact, even this channel specifically is now branded Russian disinformation. I'm told that if you try and post my videos to Facebook now, you get this warning that uh, Ice Age Farmer is potentially under the control of the Russian government, which is fascinating, and I'm waiting for my check. Now, this should just be funny to me, except it also is still relevant given that the U.S. government just created their board of disinformation. What that means is that anyone who's deviating from the establishment narrative in any way, even if you're just telling people to grow food like I am, can now expect to be labeled Russian disinformation and summarily censored from the internet. But that's to be expected. You can't talk about becoming self-sufficient. In times of engineered food shortages, gardening itself becomes an act of rebellion. And that's where we are now. And that's the bottom line, really, is that when you're looking, when we're the aliens looking at Earth, asking, why are they giving up? What, what is, what's happened down there? When you look at the ending stocks, according to the USDA's latest numbers for the U.S., across nine different staple commodities and oil seeds, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, oats, cotton, canola, sorghum, and barley, all at relatively low levels and needing, as Naomi points out here, we need a bumper crop. And yet, where are we now? We have supply chain challenges, fertilizer shortages, uh, other inputs shortages, like glyphosate having a force majeure declared on it, tractor parts shortages, cold and a rainy spring, meaning we still haven't been in the fields planting in many cases. That's what these 0% progress means. And so as always understated Arlen Suderman says, this means we're planting in less than ideal conditions and that's going to impact yield potential. In other words, we're not going to get that bumper crop. And that is really the bottom line here is that uh, all the run-up in food prices and problems that we're having already we're experiencing is just the, the bare bones warm up to the real food crisis ahead. That's why they have uh, all this stuff in the media about using food as a weapon of war from Russia. That's why Chancellor Schultz in Germany just got up and said, we're going to have a global hunger crisis, saying the same thing that Trudeau and Biden have also said now. This is 
them fulfilling that karmic duty, the lesser magic of telling people what's coming, so that if you now fail to prepare for it, well, you are complicit in our creation of this crisis. That's why they're all telegraphing this right now. That's why CEOs of major food companies like Goya is up there saying we're on the cusp of a global food crisis. This is why John Podesta ran the food chain reaction game six years ago and told us this was going to happen. So for years, we have known that this was in the cards, that there would be an engineered food crisis and it would be used to usher in the uh, total transformation of food that the Rockefellers and the E-Lancet Commission and so on and so forth have openly called for and talked about how they're going to do this. We've known this was coming. The question that remained, or the, the bargaining process, you know, it's part of a grieving process, when you, maybe it's not as bad as, uh, that was going on for me and perhaps for others, if I'm totally candid with you guys today, is maybe it won't be that bad, right? We saw with COVID that they created this thing and they ginned up the numbers and they pushed the fear out to the media and they certainly took control. They locked everything down. But it's not like there were ever really people dying on the streets, right? There were some crazy TikToks out of China, but that we really just didn't have the reality to reinforce the, the media describing this, this total pandemic of, of craziness, right? It didn't stop them from taking control, but there was no real crisis. And I've wondered, would we have the same thing here? Would they tell us there's a food crisis and maybe there's a couple things missing from the shelves, but at the end of the day, it's not really a big deal. We all go home you know, decently fed? Uh, or would it really be the the full-blown Holodomor depopulation plan? And the, you know, the brutal reality, and, I, and I'm still, you can tell, I'm, I'm slow to want to talk about it. It is a dark future that we are walking into right now. And I am still doing my own bargaining and grieving because I don't want to experience it any more than anybody else does. But it is pretty clear by... The, the things that they have set into motion, at this point we have passed that point of no return and we're headed for a really hard landing. And so that's why we need to be working as quickly as possible to stand up a decentralized food supply. And so we'll talk more about that as well. But I just wanted to open today with that 50,000 foot view of a species that has not just given up on feeding itself, but is actually actively, aggressively attacking every avenue it has of supplying itself with food. And so it will be left only with those individuals who take responsibility for their own food production. Welcome. I'm Christian, and this is the Ice Age Farmer broadcast. A man makes a living breeding the animals. The state of Texas is trying to euthanize some of them. Authorities say several of the animals have what's known as chronic wasting disease, also known as zombie beer deer disease. I may be broke before it's over, but I don't want you to kill my deer. CWD is a real disease. It's a political disease. A letter in March reads Parks and Wildlife will have to euthanize deer on the property called depopulation. They're using it to put deer breeders out of business. That's my opinion. The Williams have 497 deer, bucks and does. That'll break our heart if they kill all those deer. We've offered several alternative management options that would not include complete depopulation. Their herd plans have been ridiculous. I won't sign a herd plan the way they're written. I guess I love deer like I love my family nearly. In Hunt County. I hadn't shed a tear yet. I'm doing all my anger trying to stop them. Yep, so there you hear the gentleman has 1,500 acres of privately owned land, and yet the state of Texas wants to come in and kill his deer. It seems like that's all the government wants to do anywhere is come test animals and then kill them. I'm glad the state is not my doctor. 
we should probably keep it that way. So I thought the gentleman was well-spoken when he said that this is not a real threat. It is, quote, a political disease that they're using to put deer breeders out of business. Although I will add that it's not just deer breeders. They're actually using this same chronic wasting disease line to uh, affect all hunting in general. So here's a press release from Hardin County, Tennessee, that says, oh, we've detected chronic wasting disease in wild deer, and now if you go hunting, you need to get your deer tested. And that is uh, accompanied by a new map of chronic wasting disease danger zones and restrictions on where you can take your deer after you go hunting. You can't take it out of the, the county in order to help stop the spread, and so on and so forth. Again, any one of these things might be understandable in its own context, but when you take the totality of what's going on here, it's just absolutely absurd. It's mathematically impossible. That's all this, all this is going on right now. And it's not just hunting, it's fishing too. And in California, they've detected new outbreaks of lactococcus, which is prompting them to kill over 600,000 fish. Now, they killed 3.2 million fish last year. So we're doing better, but uh, notwithstanding, you can read here, all lots of catchable fish will be euthanized and not planted. So they won't have fish in the lakes and streams of the Sierra Nevada this year. It's also worth noting the uh, pathologists believe that it may have carried into the hatcheries by wild birds, just like the bird flu. Again, that migratory bird vector being invoked here, whatever you believe. Uh, it's not just on the West Coast also. There's fisheries that are being closed down on the East Coast. This is an article. All the links are going to be below. This is an article about how Canada had planned to shut down all of their salmon farms, although now that's being pushed back in the courts. But don't worry, there are still other efforts to make the case that the whole eastern seaboard has been overfished and that we need to just stop fishing for the next couple years here. Just, just as we enter a global food crisis and Justin Trudeau is talking about food shortages Let's also shut down the fisheries. Right? You can't make up the kind of policy decisions. And there's there's a, many more here we'll have to talk about, unfortunately. Now, I mentioned this one already. This got a lot of press because of the disgusting way in, we, in which the birds were killed. With a ventilation shutdown. I don't even want to talk about that. What I want to focus on is the fact that as soon as, and you can read here, let me blew it up. As soon as they detected a single case of bird flu, this large billionaire-owned chicken facility um, turned around and killed 5.3 million hens. And then within the hour after that was done, turned around and fired off over 300 workers that have been there for years. So clearly they're not going to restart that production. And the question I'm asking is, who made the call to this guy who owns Rembrandt farms, but also basketball teams and other things, uh, and said, you need to shut down your farm because you don't get a single PCR test back and then kill millions of birds and fire everybody. Especially not if, you know, you look at this company, Rembrandt Farms has been putting millions of dollars into AI research. Here, Here's an entire piece about counting eggs with AI and all of the investment they've done in how to count eggs using computer vision. He expects it to pay off in the next, here's a quote, I expect this to pay off for years to come, and then a single PCR test destroys the entire operation. It's a pretty interesting event. So all of these things are worth considering. Of course, they're pushing hard on the bird flu narrative. There's a human uh, transmission, zoonotic transmission to a human in Colorado just the other day. So we'll keep an eye on that. 
want to talk more about the planting delays because, as we mentioned, our ending stocks for grains are low. Uh, the rest of the world is having bad seasons. China's are the worst ever season. Ukraine and Black Sea is completely offline. South America has been riding down their yields. And so all eyes were on America. And now we're having a cold, wet spring. Farmers are unable to get into the fields. And this is on top of fertilizer shortages, uh, other inputs being unavailable. Um, so this map from Arlen Suderman was indicating that planting progress is way behind where it should be. And this has have, I've seen other years where we were way behind and made a huge comeback. So this alone would not be a nail in the coffin. Um, just to, to be very clear, this is not doom and gloom. Look at this one data point. We're going to freak out. No, it's they could come back from that if it weren't for all these other things like the fact that we can't get inputs and fertilizers for our crops. Uh, and so here's some farmers on Twitter who are saying, I'm not going to be able to plant this week. It's raining again. Now it's going to be at least mid-May before we can get in the fields. And that really is starting to affect yields at that point. Uh, Nebraska as well. It's totally underwater there. Not much planting going on this week. So this combination of weather warfare, fires at food processing plants, and other economic warfare that's just unbelievable. The, the damage is unbelievable right now. Illinois, also offline. Uh, winter wheat still falling further in its condition. I mentioned before it was the worst in 10 years. Now it's the worst since 1989. Multi-decadal poor wheat quality. Um, you'd think the government would be trying to put more acres into action instead of putting more acres into conservation. That request was denied by the Biden administration. Canada went a step further and said, we need to stop farming grains because they're a major source of carbon emissions. So again, it's like I said at the outset, when you step back far enough, you see a controlled shutdown of food production, all according to plan so that they can transform the food system like they told us they were going to do in the Rockefeller reports. If you step back far enough, it's all very clear what's going on right now. Uh, Ireland making that same trade-off, saying we need to get rid of sheep because they have too many cow farts. And so we're going to get rid of a million sheep over the next few years here in order to meet our climate targets. It's just staggering. But the most uh, egregious example of new legislations and bad policy decisions around the food supply that I've come across in the last, I don't know, six hours was uh, this one from Victoria, Australia, where they're talking about uh, amendments to agriculture legislation. And the bill goes into quite a few aspects of how they can are taking more control over food production uh, able to walk onto farms without presenting id if you give them the wrong answers you're going to be fined eighteen hundred dollars instead of ten dollars and they're going to call it misleading information now so all of a sudden we're really the farm police here we demand accurate answers we no longer even need landowner consent before making uh, samples of your crops or your livestock we can just take your animals and kill them, do whatever you want. They're really aggressively taking control. This, again, there's, like I said, there's so much to cover right now. This deserves a video all to itself to mobilize people in Australia to keep this from happening in Victoria. If you do that video, send me a note and I'll sp spread it. We all need to be talking about this right now. Uh, IceAgeFarmer at ProtonMail.com. The same is true for this series of stories. The fact that the media just ran a bullet hundreds, you can do a search right now for food plant fires. And instead of seeing all the fires now, you'll see the hundreds of articles saying, look, nothing to see here. Quote, experts say there's no truth to rumors. Ah, oh, I feel so much better. This, there's no truth to this rumor. Videos, quote, no. 
People are not setting food processing plants on fire. No. <laughs> it reminds me of the headline language that they used around the uh, mini ice age. No. The earth is not heading for a mini ice age. When they put the negation right there in the headline and they publish it from hundreds of news outlets on the same day within hours, you know this is a talking point that went out. This denial. It's amazing to see. It's, it's informative to see that. So leave it there. Uh, and that goes out even as there are even more fires. Just in the last 24 hours, right this this morning, there's been one in uh, Fresno, California, and another one in a bakery in the UK, which is not pulling up. So, uh, and it's affecting things, right? You can call it a conspiracy theory or not; it doesn't matter. The quote fires at food processing plants are resulting in result reduced capacity, delays, and layoffs. In fact, one food processor had to go ahead and lay off their entire workforce of 230 people. So it's like the chicken fires. It doesn't matter. We can debate who's doing it or why or whatever you want all day long. The bottom line is this is impacting the food supply. And you need to be growing your own food today. And so with that in mind, I will ask you to join Ice Age Farmer Telegram at t.me slash Ice Age Farmer, off of which there are a series of groups like gardening, birds, beekeeping, canning and preserving your stuff. All of these chat groups that are all about how you can start growing and preserving more of your own food and get away from these toxic systems of enslavement that are now under complete attack, that are being dismantled before our eyes, right? Food and energy and everything that that we've been enjoying is going away. Uh, Just today in the beekeeping group at IAF Bees, This image was posted showing uh, a Swedish beekeeper who had created a local currency based on honey because it keeps forever. So he created something called the clover. I think this is, I think seeds also are a great alternative currency. Remember, they were one of the first official currencies, barley, as a matter of fact, Uh, but many others since then because they are a store of value and they're highly portable. Seeds are a great currency. I don't care if it's honey or seeds. I'm just saying that you need to be growing your own food you need to be getting away from these currencies, which are being destroyed and replaced by the central bank digital con- currency, perfect control mechanism. Uh, you need to get off of their power grid and either not care about electricity or figure out other ways of generating it from water or whatever. Um, get away from these systems and then start building communities rapidly. Right now, I think everyone can see the threat. And that's why this is a different conversation than it's been. Everyone can see what's going on. They may disagree on why it's happening. But it's clear we all need to be moving rapidly towards uh, decentralized systems of self-sufficient communities. And uh, that's the only way we have a future for our kids at this point. So folks, let's go build those futures. You can find this report on IceAgeFarmer.com. You cannot find my videos on YouTube anymore. You'll need to check out that website or BitChute.com slash IceAgeFarmer for the years worth of videos about the destruction of our food supply, who's doing it, and why, and how to fight back. So see me there. If you value this broadcast, if you appreciate this information, then you can help me keep it running. There's a few ways to do that listed at IceAgeFarmer.com slash support. And I very genuinely appreciate your help. Thanks for watching, folks. Be well. I like that idea about using honey as money. I can get behind that. It's like a store of wealth and you can eat it if you needed to. Um, Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. I I love honey personally. And it's lasts forever. 
And uh, money. It's good marketing. That's what I'm saying. Honey, there money. you go. Money, honey. Last favorite's a, a fantastic different connotation food. of like a streetwalker variety, but honey, money sounds good. Yeah, the layer of hydrogen peroxide. Keeps All right, LD, stable. my audible is going to be. Uh, we're going to need this, a clip from the pen tablet. Um, some people, uh, someone asked in the chat. This, yeah, so I'm what Rockefeller documents where he was Christian referring to. I don't know if these are it, but there's a whole reset the table, meeting the moment to transform the U.S. Uh, food system. Rockefeller Foundation, basically, on the heels of. COVID-19. So like right after they, they basically they so that's a 2020 talk about COVID-19 Rockefeller. being the catalyst. There's other ones from the past decade that I think Christian is referring to. More so my point is that's a 2020 Rockefeller Foundation document as opposed to their 2010 Rockefeller Foundation document containing the lockstep scenario, which brought about the need to reset the table as part of the Great Reset. Yep. That's exactly it's right. It's part of the larger theory. You shouldn't read those documents. It'll agenda. ruin your brain. That it will. Document addled brain. Oh, the food reaction chain game as well. That's, uh, I think, a simulation. That was the Podesta. So, Rich, right. you talking yeah. about the, the Burmese clip on the Pentaveret? Well, we could go with that, but I wanted, I thought they'd have a trailer or something. Trailer? Okay. Or if we could get the original quote from So I Married an Axe Murderer, because it was his. He played his dad in the movie and he had the the line, but that's in the Burmese report probably too, that piece, but they don't play the clips. So if we could play, do we have those, uh, those clips? Uh, like there's a, a two minute trailer. Yeah. I can play yeah, that right here. Congratulations. You've just been kidnapped into the world's oldest and most effective secret society of five men, Lord Lordington. Our highest ranking member, former Australian media mogul Bruce Baldwin, ex-member of Putin's oligarchy Mishu Ivanov, Alice Cooper's former manager Chef Gordon, and you. Can man in the street opinions come from Twitter now? Please, give me one more chance. Maybe you're destined for something greater. I'm being sent to Dubrovnik, I repeat. Sent to Dubrovnik. What's Dubrovnik? Is that a euphemism for being probed in your no-no hole? There is something rotten within the pentaverin. I got a plan to get you in. What do you have to lose if you break a story like the pentaverin? You can do something good for this world. Where were you born? Well, actually, I was born in Toronto. No, you were born in your mother's ass. Well, that's less than kind and impossible. Are you going to kill me? Calling to the world, you're already dead. The future of humanity is at stake. No pressure or anything. Ah, yo, ready to ah! Off the record, is the Illuminati real? Yes. Both Beyonce and Jay-Z are part of it, sadly. That's what lemonade is about. <laughs> yes, yes. We are the... Oh, the Illuminati? No, no, no. We are the... Oh, uh, you're the Masons. The fucking Pentaverit. The Pentaverit, asshole. Yeah. 
He's a total schmuck. Depend on what the fuck? And there you go. Fine work of Mike Myers. He's like, let's just muddy the water a little bit on these. Topics. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Another one of those films that just points one to it, like a Kingsman. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, the Kingsman is obviously a whitewash in defense of the Empire. Yeah, that's that one thing out of the silver lining. The role of the Pentaveret. Sure. The silver lining might be. He might be exposed a little bit more through the Netflix. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll have to check it out. I don't know what the point of the Pentaverd is yet. But I did catch um, uh, Burm- five, right? So. Burmis had a clip on it. Okay. Uh, talking about Pentaverd. Do you have that, LD? Yeah, I've got that up here. All right, cool. Let's let's go to Jason Burmis, not at Clay Clark's summit, but uh, giving us a little deep dive anyway. Hey everybody, Jason Burmis here, and I am coming at you from South Carolina. I'm going to be speaking, like yet again, if you follow the channel, you know, I'm going to be speaking over at the Reawaken America tour about NASA, transhumanism, and the truth about Elon Musk. And on this road trip, I was able to watch the new Netflix series, The Pentaveret, The Pentaveret, and Here's the deal. Before I even get into whether I liked it or not, okay, or what I did like about it and what I hated about it and what it's really all about, number one, this is going to be spoiler-filled. So if you don't want to know what happens in this series or what it's about, um, other than the trailer, which clearly shows it's about a secret society that rules the world, probably not the broadcast for you. But Out of the gates, I want to say it is the best thing that Mike Myers has done since Austin Powers. 100%, okay? Without a doubt. And the reason for that is because it really goes back to old school Mike Myers playing a multitude of characters. And the Pentaveret, or the Pentaveret, the Pentaveret itself, it actually is almost 30 years in the making. What do I mean? It's almost 30 years in the making. So if you check this out right here, you'll see um, that So I Married an Axe Murderer came out all the way in 1993. And I've got to tell you, number one, I think it is an underrated classic. I think it's an excellent, excellent movie. And people should really be more aware of it. It's funny. It's lighthearted. It's that mid-range romantic comedy that even a guy can like, right? And he plays his um, Scottish father, okay? And at one point, he is uh, talking to somebody. I was thinking, this is back in 1993. I was 14 years old. I'd certainly never heard of secret societies, etc. And he's talking about the Pentaveret. And obviously, it's kind of an Illuminati reference, right? So he talks about it for a while. It's a funny movie to this day. I listened to uh, Bay City Rollers Saturday night because of that scene where Mike Myers is kind of walking around and singing the song as the old Scottish man. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the video, everybody. And I want to remind you, if you are watching this on YouTube, hopefully, first of all, the connection is pretty good and that everybody uh, can see and hear this. But... Remember, Rockfin, Rockfin, Rockfin. The crypto crash is real, guys. Um, 
And again, I, I've been talking about the fact that, yes, you can support me here and I want you to, uh, but we're going to have to find another way. I mean, these trips that I'm taking, you may think they're like vacation-like, but really I'm trying to uh, connect with people and then get this information out to as many people as possible. That's why I'm doing this. So I want to broadcast from the road. I want to grow. Um, Rockfin is one way to do that, but we got to find other ways. We're on Podbean as well. I want to remind you, and if you're not subscribed, please do. And remember, I am a documentary filmmaker. Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture are all free right here, right now. Okay, Pentaveret. So, obviously, you see the robes, and they're very much based in the Illuminati, and the joke is, but they're nice. Okay, number one. This gets into every single conspiracy trope that you can imagine, right or wrong, correct or incorrect, which is frustrating, right? But aliens. Aliens are the only thing I, I can think of that were really stayed away from. And I kind of wonder why he did that, um, because obviously, quote-unquote, aliens have been what I think is a large part uh, of the disinformation, okay, within the quote-unquote conspiracy world. And um, I think that a lot of that stuff is aggrandized, is uh, Hollywoodized, right? It's very much entertainment. And that's totally out in this, okay? So that's totally out. So who are the Pentaveret, okay? Well, you got Lord Lordington. Uh, you got Dimitri. Uh, you got probably my favorite good character in this, uh, Shep Gordon, who is Alice, Coopicer, Alice Cooper's ex-manager, right? Funny stuff. I, I, you know, they, they did a good job. And then they have a guy over here on the right uh, named Bruce Baldwin. And he is a media mogul that started tabloids. And later on, they reveal, you know, he distorted the truth, right? Um, but remember, the Pentaveret are supposed to be nice. So he becomes this character that gets into fake news, but he saved us from Y2K. Y2K was real. And now they have an AI that was created by a former member, okay? And via the AI, this is really one of the worst things throughout because there's some really good stuff in here. Number one, it's funny, okay? It is a funny, funny, um, it's, like I said, it's the best thing he's done in a while. The jokes are there. They're mostly juvenile dick and fart jokes, unfortunately, um, but... They work, right? I mean, wasn't that what Mike Myers' uh, Austin Powers was? Mostly dumb, juvenile sex jokes, right? So it works on that level. And, and one of the former members, again, creates this AI. And, and it's really the end, the last couple episodes I have the most problem with. Now, they do have, again, as I said, an ad hoc Alex Jones character, Rex Smith, you can see in the thumbnail here in the bottom that the truth battle uh, is very much of the InfoWars style font, right? He's not in it that much. And other than the gravelly voice, really, you know, it's just something to, you know, put in lizards and chemtrails and nonsense. But he talks about a thing called the Meadows, right? So the Meadows is kind of like a mashup of the Bilderberg group. And then you could argue the eyes wide shut parties, right? This had a lot of nods to Kubrick. One of the things I really, really loved about it. Um, I mean, there was just so much. First of all, they used the eyes wide shut music. 
Um, the orgy sequence was actually kind of hilarious as long as you don't mind a lot of dong. If you can handle a lot of dong, guys, it's funny. Okay. And, you know, again, he did really good work with this. So you have the Kubrick reference and not just, you know, conspiracy Kubrick. Uh, there's one scene in particular when they're getting into the AI part and it's, uh, an ode to 2001, a space odyssey. Of course, they put the moon landing stuff in there and we're going to get to what I disliked about it also in a moment because listen far from perfect far from perfect but what is right and and the thing is that you could argue that you know he's he's having a go at everybody but at the same time you have to understand that he must be uh pretty knowledgeable oh didn't want to do that one of these kind of subjects or uh it wouldn't be there the baldwin character in particular right let's go back to him uh the baldwin character in particular really reminded me of a robert maxwell and one of the aspects of this show is that everybody um, dies in the real world before they uh, are, a, you know, one of the five main pentaveret members. Because there's like a whole organization built around them, right? And, and again, with the Kubrick stuff, they built in the uh, the piano keys, uh, the orgy stuff, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the supposed moon landing stuff. A lot of great stuff there. So I did like that. Now, let's go through all these different characters right here. Um, and as you can see, uh, first of all, it's Ken Scarborough. He's the main guy, right? And here, here's my feeling on this. He's a mainstream media guy who's doing fluff pieces and he's got to get a big story, right? And they throw uh, the pentaveret his way, okay? And he's totally dismissive of all this stuff. So it's good that they kind of show that these people are being naive, Right in that manner, but then later on, you know, when you when you get to the uh, trope characters, right? You have Lord Lordington, pretty accurate, right? A lot of these people at the top, Prince Bernard of the Netherlands, uh, for instance, Queen Beatrix attended attends. You know, these are um, those type of characters. Uh, then you have uh, Mishu Ivanov. I guess it's not Dimitri. Sorry, that's right. The Demetrius Protocols is what I was. Uh, confusing that with. So he's like the lone Russian. Uh, here's Shep Gordon. And, and like I said, he's a fun character. You know, he's like the Hollywood guy. They don't show Baldwin. Uh, Jason Eccleston is the one that created the uh, uh, the AI. And they have some weird sex jokes. Now, Anthony uh, lands down. You take a look at him. Okay, now this is the conspiracy guy. And this is what's upsetting. Is like, here's the main trope, right? And they always try to push this. All these people that believe in conspiracy conspiracy theories believe in everything, right? So they throw the QAnon sense in there. Sasquatch, of course, has to uh, have a big part. And if you go back to my interview with the guy from the New York Times, like, I don't believe, I don't care if you believe in UFOs and Bigfoot and blah, blah. It's like, no, nah, man, we're talking about geopolitics. We're talking about reality. And the thing is, when you look at this, it, it, which blows my mind, you look at this thing and he's actually right a lot of the time. You know, he's, uh, you know, they throw in what about her emails at the very end on top of it with this guy. And he, but you know, he's got a bumper sticker of NASA lies. Of course, uh, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. That's on there, but he's a smelly guy. He's lonely. He feels like he's been kept down by these people. I don't feel any such things. I'm a winner. I'm here to win. Okay. No one's holding me down. That's nonsense. And I've never portrayed myself as the victim. Okay, that, that's ridiculous. Uh, um, 
hopefully not just like a smelly old man with no relationships, right? But that's what they want you to believe. That's a big problem. Now, on the flip of that side, when Baldwin's plan is revealed, he's going to sell the AI to the highest bidder because it's going to be the ultimate truth aggregator, right? And that way you can lie. They already do this, right? And the other thing I didn't like about it was there were people like in the secret societies, you know, of course, the king and queen and prince and Merkel and even Musk and the undertown underground tunnel system these guys have is the Musk. So he didn't lay off Elon Musk. I like that. I like that a lot. But when uh, Bruce Baldwin, the bad guy, goes to sell the AI, almost everybody leaves. And who's bidding on it? Oh, it's Putin. Another one of these tropes. Another one of these falsehoods. And to be quite frank, although there were laughs in the last episode, a lot of them, the way they end it is just absurd. You see, they get Ken Scarborough because they need an AI. You see, man has to merge with machines. Okay, but they want a newsman. It didn't matter that he was duped. They want a newsman with that power who's nice. And this is Ken Scarborough. Okay, so he merges with the AI. So ultimately, at the end, it's this weird, diverse, transhumanist approved message, uh, which I did not care for. But again, still the best thing Mike Myers uh, has put out there in quite some time. So I recommend it. Go check it out. Let me know what you thought about the review. Thumbs it up, subscribe, and share. And remember, guys, it's not about left or right. It's always about right and wrong. And you kind of have to take this one into the perspective that, yeah, it's making fun of most of it. It tries to make a message about truth. But at the end of the day, it pushes a diversity transhumanist agenda. It's not about left and right. It's about forwards and backwards we got to move forwards and grow in the light direction that was a wonderful report by jason Burmis going into some it seems like not serious material but there's pre-programming in that message of a transhumanist future variety not unlike neo in the matrix it's like the squid game recently revealed i mean it's a totally different genre but you know it's a revelation of the craft it's sort of an acceptance of you know, yeah, you have uh, to enunciate because, you know, there's the squid game and then there's Alec Baldwin playing the squib game. Both are ongoing yeah. presently. Yeah, fair enough. The squid. Yeah. Squid. A little suction cups. Squid. You know, the thing the Japanese consider to be a delicacy. I talked to us, I guess. But... Unagi? Mm-hmm. Well, the one you ever see, the one where no, they eat it live? Unagi's eel. Yeah, eel. Yeah. 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 I cook my food. So, all right. Well, um, Italians also eat it, right? Squid. Calamari. No, they have that. Calamari. Like, when I was in Venice, squid? they had like with the, with the ink. They, they do. They do. With, they have the ink this, pasta. I don't. Ink. Yeah. yeah. It's gnarly. I had a little bit of it. It was like, not my stuff. It's right up there with haggis for me. You know, brought stuff in the sheep belly. Yummy. <laughs> that's a tradition around here, ironically. That's, well, uh, that's a Mike Myers callback. He did the whole thing on the haggis. Yeah. Is that Austin Powers? Austin Powers. One of his other movies. All right. So uh, coming into the home stretch, mm-hmm. I did want to see maybe the Christy Lee video because it said boobs are popular again or something. <laughs> something about boobs. Yeah. Rest yeah. is best. He said, rest tits. is best. 
<clears throat> breasts the breasts are the, the best don't worry about the rest all right do we have that yeah christy lee or do i need to highlight it because uh, um, i'm searching for boobs uh it's not <laughs> coming up. Be, be well, careful. wait is it Oh no okay i'll look up christy lee it's a calculator joke for those of you from the 20th century there. You got to turn it upside down to see. Yeah, it's the elite language, L33T. You know, oh, breast. Elite language on the calculator. Breast. You used the word breast. Uh, oh, just trying. It's the breast video of the bunch. Cleavage at the end of it. The was there a cleavage site? Nature. You guys are studying a cleavage site? Cleavage. See, this is the problem. So much, so much equivocation. Who's named Fern? Or and why are you studying, in this case, actually. Who is Fern and why are you studying her cleavage site? Fern doesn't even sound like a female. Fauci made these jokes funny. All right. It also Fauci's inspired. into Fearin. That's where it all be, became a thing. Yeah. 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 There was he's a in, He's also into F-E-A-R, He's in the spikes. He's in the spike. Site. You know, spikes and furin. He likes I to spike the furin. Leather you know, chaps spikes too. Those cleaving. <laughs> and biker hats. All right, I think we've we've milked it enough. You ready? Yeah, to okay. go? <laughs> good, good, good one. Yeah, he wanted to find a. There you go. We can milk it just a little bit more. Lock Let's go key. to Christy Lee. It's a helpless feeling. When your baby is upset and you're uncertain about how to best meet his or her needs, imagine the desperation some moms are feeling seeing these empty shelves if they rely on baby formula. Store after store has little to no baby formula left to buy or is rationing what they do have left. Even the Atlantic admits this has become a full-blown national crisis. Many states are now at least 40% out of stock, according to Data Assembly. Legacy Media is partly blaming the pandemic, but there's also the issue of a major manufacturer, Abbott Nutrition, remaining shuttered. The FDA has not let them resume production since a voluntary recall in February of this year. The facility says it will be at least two more months before his formula can fill the shelves again. House Republican Dusty Johnson of South Dakota says that's unacceptable. He's blaming the FDA for dropping the ball and is urging it to do more. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is also fired up. $40 billion, but there's no baby formula for American mothers and babies. But if you dare even acknowledge this crisis, all these empty shelves, then Democrat Representative Jamie Raskin will say you're just repeating Putin's propaganda and disinformation. Uh, Here's a formula for the destruction of democracy, repeating Putin's propaganda and disinformation and appeasing imperialist assaults on sovereign nations. If this is about claiming that it's about saving lives, let's be real, then we would care about war-torn countries like Ethiopia. So that's a bunch of hypocrisy because I never hear Ethiopia brought up here. So while we've sent more than $54 billion to Ukraine this year, what is being done about these empty shelves? Wait, these shelves look full? Oh, that's a processing center on the U.S. border, according to Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Absolutely have to share with you right now is the craziness of the empty shelves Biden movement and the fact that they are sending pallets, pallets of baby formula to the border. Meanwhile, 
in our own district at home, we cannot find baby formula. But have no fear, Bill Gates and billionaire crew conveniently have had a backup plan in the works. From a 2020 article in Science Times, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, other billionaires invest in environmentally friendly, artificial, breast milk cultured from human mammary. Oh, hey, isn't that convenient? Dr. Syed Haider has a different take. And so I would recommend don't use the over you know the stuff that's available in stores ever again you know this is a good time to like find a good alternative for for your breast milk for your breastfeeding need or for your you know child and formula needs um because if you read the ingredients on the breast milk in the stores it's a bunch of junk honestly like it's a bunch of oils that i wouldn't recommend that human beings use and a bunch of other you know sugars you know there's a lot of sugar in all the breast you know, for, or the infant formulas. And so making your own is actually got boobs far, on far better. Now on cue, this is contrary to what the mainstream media is advising. CNN, homemade infant formula can be dangerous. Misinformation about how families can get through infant formula shortage is fueling concern. But the nonprofit Weston Price Foundation has been around for more than 20 years, offering an at-home recipe many moms swear by. Other moms are recommending goat's milk as an alternative. So goat milk isn't the perfect substitute for human breast milk. Um, it doesn't have all the same things that human breast milk does, you know, all the same nutrients. There's different, you know, um, levels of different nutrients in the goat milk and in cow milk. Um, so Mad if you want to try to mirror human breast milk as closely as possible, then I would recommend the Weston Price formula. You can find that online. Just Google Weston Price Foundation, you know baby formula. Um, and it's got a whole lot of stuff and you're not going to have everything on hand. So you're going to have to order some things. You know, it's got all these different oils that you add in and you got to really mix it up really well. Otherwise and it that separates. Weston Price, it, it gives like a recipe of how. You yeah, do they it. have a recipe and it's, it's kind of complicated. So, you know, you're going to have to, you're not going to have everything at home. I guarantee you. Um, there's a lot of different like specific oils that you add so that you get the right level of omega threes and the right level of DHA and EPA. And, and so they, they trying to mirror human breast milk as closely as possible. And it's really important for brain development to have something that is as close as possible to human breast milk. Perhaps the silver lining in this is that for those that are able to, they'll heed the advice that breast is best. For KLIM.news, I'm Christy Lee. That kid looked like a happy camper to me. Wasn't missing Similac there. So it's a sad situation. I don't want to see kids go hungry no matter what imaginary border is drawn around where they live. It seems like we have enough baby formula in this country and it's been getting shipped out other places. And it's a good time. Just like when they took the schools away from the parents and the parents had to learn how to homeschool might not be a bad idea to find out an alternative to what Abbott labs is cooking up. Yeah, it's mostly like GMO soy shit. Since the 70s, like when it started with Similac and, you know, you know, there's always been people that have needed, uh, you know, so there's mothers who have various, uh, you can have uh, nipple ailments and these sort of things. And you got to have a reason, uh, you know, have an alternative method. That's true. But then some just don't produce. It was done for convenience of feminism. That's why you had it come on the market like it did. Right. What you're pointing to is a s- smaller minority of women have certain conditions whereby which they need an alternative, but that was not the majority. They sold it to the majority of women as though this is a better way forward because it allows you to maintain your independence. You can have Schedule, your child and have planning. your job. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there's the, yeah. So it's unfortunate because I see even women that do everything with the having midwives to vaginal or natural births to then jumping on formula. And I'm just like, you know, what has been sold this idea that they can have, have it all. And, um, at the, at the expense of the child, because unfortunately the child needs those key nutrients like colostrum, um, DHA, EPA, you know, um, mm-hmm. essentially the, the, the key fats you find in cholesterol and that you're what we consider to be essential fatty acids because your body doesn't produce them. So you need to be able to obtain them from your diet. So if you don't have those, um, at specific times and specific ratios, it becomes a problem. And traditionally in history, they cited the Western price foundation along, uh, he cited, I guess, indigenous communities would use raw goat's milk. That was the closest that we know of to mother's milk. Obviously now with modern science and microbiology, we're able to determine the actual components that make up breast milk. And that's how they came up with a formula that you could come, you know, but unfortunately yeah, it's pretty extensive and it does require you to not only source things that you don't have, but then have the ability to have the equipment available to emulsify them correctly. So the oils don't separate. So it's not an easy procedure, but it is at least available, but if all goat's milk was traditionally what was used um, in many different communities that had access to goats, obviously uh, in the absence of the mom or the mother being able to produce milk. But you can't, you can't, uh, replicate that oxytocin in the process of the feeding. They put a smiley face on the bottle. True. Yeah. That's how they do it. Gotta have that mother child connection somehow. Right. Get the feeling of love, the love chemical oxytocin. They say the the binding chemical. William Sidus, Harvard, uh, Harvard, MIT student and Ted Kaczynski, Harvard student. They didn't need that, that connection. They turned out they, just fine. How they turned out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bounded yeah. harmonic functions. My ass. They're more All like right. disharmonic functions, cacophonous functions. Disharmonic functions. That'd be a good documentary. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, starting it now. Yeah, there you go. Uh, stunning list of 56 food processing plants destroyed since January. That's in the show card. You guys can see it in the notes for this episode and every episode of grandtheftworld.com. Uh, yeah, I guess in history, if you look at some of the old like, actuarial tables, you see some usually around like 24 to 30. So to have 50. So now some claim that a lot of those are from 2021, which is true. So it happens to be a bit higher. We'll have to see what it's like towards the end of the year. I think that'll give us a clear viewpoint as to whether or not something to be extremely concerned about or just a statistical aberration. Um, many of them are processing plants for uh, Look, junk you food, can tell me honest. all day there's nothing to see here. And I'm going to say, what did you think of National Security Memorandum 2000? What were you talking about? You know, where Kissinger has t- said, let's control their food and depopulate the planet, basically, you know? So it's not like when people were saying conspiracy theorists, like, oh, you know, some assassination happened, conspiracy theorists. But wait a minute. Do we have organizations, taxpayer funded, that professionally kill people for a fucking living? And do we ignore that those things exist and then say conspiracy theory? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. These people are fucking with shit in labs. But it's yeah. conspiracy theorists to think that labs had anything to do with the thing, right? 
whether it was anthrax at 9 11 yeah. or pandemic flu everything Illuminati, from sars Illuminati. to avian to all these various outbreaks i wonder now that the origin of all of them not saying there can't be zoo there isn't the possibility for zoonotic transmission i'm just saying i'm curious now knowing the evidence that exists in regards to sars cov2 yeah and to yeah to your point i mean it's like what uh, Christian was saying they're not increasing acreage for even things like uh, grain production in America, even though we know it's going to be, it's already, the winter crop was down quite dramatically. Baby formula is being shipped to the border. That's very strange. Like they're, the Biden administration is definitely at the sort of the forefront of this controlled demolition that will lead to the Great Reset or is, is leading and manifesting the Great, the agenda of the Great Reset. So. What's a movie where like the there's a bank robbery or something, but the way they gain entry is by acting like incompetent retards? Is there a movie like that? Because that's basically what they're doing. We're like, are they just retarded? Are they like, you know, not I'm not talking about people who are handicapped mentally, like by nature. I'm talking people who did it to themselves. Self holding back. That's what the word means to hold oneself back. It's right up there with Relegare. Relegare. Only Relegare is, is how someone else holds you back. Yeah. The self holding back. Yeah. So I, I just can't tell. It's like, is this accidental? Like, uh, you know. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's tough to. What we do know is. Burning least... down a constitutional republic, but it was an accident. But they're not putting it out. Even if elements were accidental, like let's just say ideologically biased, it's completely irrational. Let's just give, you know, let's let's play that hypothetical. Let's say, yeah, it's mostly accidental. It's still irrational. It's not reasonable not to increase acreage for grain production. It's irrational to ship baby formula to the border when there's a crisis inside one's own country. It's irrational to give $40 billion to Ukraine. And uh, especially and a lot of that's going to go to military industrial funding. So like stingers and, you know, ballistics of all types are going to continue to go to the Ukraine and uh, to support a war that should never have taken place in the first place. If we didn't cause a coup, the sort of the Maidan insurrection, whatever, in 2014, and you have Victoria, Victoria Newland saying Yats is our guy and you have Strove Talbot, you have all those, you know, connections even if they thought they were doing it for the greater good. I mean, it just leads to a situation of more chaos. That's no, what always think, happens. I think these the people know good. goddamn well. It's about no, they power know what for them. Doing. Yeah. And they hope we don't realize that. But the bigger question I have. It's Rich, just a ruse that they're out there trying to like save. When Prince Charles is like talking about conservation and all this stuff, it's like, no, these people have it out for the rest of us. It's in their, it's in their papers. One of the things I wonder is how many of their own will they consume? Like how high up the hierarchy? Like once it starts, once these, um, once the infrastructure begins to collapse upon the weight of its own um, bad decisions. Can zombies eat zombies? That's what I'm wondering. They should put a fence around like uh, Buckingham Palace and keep them in there. Like a prison. He owns 52,760 hectares of land. Who does? Prince Charles. Prince Charles or Bill Gates? Bill Gates only owns a couple. Yeah. Like uh, Soon to be King Charles. Is there a Deadpool on the Queen? What's what's the uh, summer look like? On the planet. 
So Bill Gates owns 240,000 acres of farmland. God save like I feel like this is very. So remember uh, the hectare development question. Why the according to John Donne report? This is yeah, talking to your mic, dude. The Express. Come back. Don't go into the light, Carolyn. Yeah, it's late if we're throwing out. Uh, I don't film this a lot. Poltergeist. Well, maybe maybe Prince Poltergeist Charles make the news next week. Poltergeist. Poltergeist. That's good. That's right. That's right. That's what that line was from. All right. So, um, LD. Aside from our fine members over at Grand Theft World, well, and I, I, I tallied up uh like from all the places that students came into autonomy from pretty sure grand theft world had uh one of the biggest groups of students that joined there was like more than like 15 so thank you audience you guys are leveling up you make it to the end of the podcast you realize you could do other wonderful things in life too this is just a starting point what were you going to say ld well, oh, yeah, we uh, can we thank got... the uh, Rockfin tippers. I wanted to see if you wanted to hit that Samuel Rivera clip. Yeah, let's the do the out. Samuel Rivera clip. And then do we have a clip of you on the uh, band video? Yeah. Yeah, we could uh, check that out. Let's see. Uh... All right. Yeah, here's the Sam Rivera. Right on. Sam Rivera. And it's entire. Human beings are now in such a state of like hyper complexity where everything is integrated, everything is connected, that there is no individuality, there is no original thought. You become an amalgamation of everything that you've heard and been exposed to, but you really do nothing. Like the jury's out. Wake up, do hard work, learn about yourself, turn the shit off, eat a carrot every now and then, and life is going to be pretty good for you doesn't mean it's going to be easy but you'll have the built-in tools and you'll begin to learn about your higher self and to me the hero's journey is the journey of learning about yourself and using those tools to overcome the external circumstances that you face shift focus from a person that is always looking out for answers to a person that is looking in for answers and then using those answers to then change the material world around them with their choices because everything is designed today to keep you from knowing what you are. You are the energy source that feeds your own demise. Social media doesn't exist if you're not there. Everything is designed to fulfill these physical desires. So you give your energy to feed your own destruction and then you complain about the very thing that you're feeding when it's always you. You're the one. It's not there if you're not there. You feed it, you are feeding and you are arming your own captors. Does he just recommend the Jocko podcast at the end? Or does he have a formal affiliation? Uh, that looks like his own clip. With, uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I lost it. I yeah, I was on looking Joe at his Rogan. calls to action. Um, yeah, it's a recommending. Oh, right on. Well, it's good thought, good editing. Uh, he's got a couple good little elements in there that make it go boom. Um, I like his use of uh, the soundscape in the background to kind of like. I uh, agree. That's direct. my favorite part of it. Yeah. Yeah, but you can learn. I mean, 
we can all learn how to do those things. It's uh, you get the sound library and you know what the, you know, sometimes you want the kettle drum and you have to know what the different elements are named or sound like that you're looking for. But that, you know, he could have like a, so many a dynamite fuse now. burning and you, you know, and that's what that video is like right there. So it's nice. a work of art. I mean, that's how you, you have to sort of pre-plan a lot of these elements, put them together, edit it, understand where you want some of the accents to be, what you're trying to highlight. So in a way, like you get to voice. Yeah, I'm sure it just starts with, he writes the script, does yeah. the audio and then starts pasting it all in. Right. Boom, boom, boom. Layer, layer, layer y'all and once you get like six or seven layers working together it gets like ooh, pretty fancy it's got all the layers working in that all right magician then, uh, of time. ld where were you at that you got uh the sunglasses and the hat on the cowboy hat oh that was uh that was me playing music last month but that's just my uh yeah profile picture no but um Oh, oh yeah. Well, it, it was on the it was on the cover of it was on the front page of Band.Video today. Uh, big thanks to Scott Armstrong, the Rebunked podcast. He had me on for a little interview last Tuesday, and he just published it to to Band.Video today. He let me know. So uh, yeah, Chris Chris said I was talking about autonomy about thirty two minutes in. If you wanted to, let's well, see let's see if, if Chris is a liar or not. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What... You know what I mean. Uh, software, um, and was moving to New York city. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a it's a community as well. Uh, it's, it's oh, a place for people to come life. It's, it's, um, kind of centered around these 19 essential autonomy that this is Richard Groves, uh, it's go. a 12 week course. It's kind of like a skeleton key for life. He describes it as, um, oh, so, no. Hey, hey, Lawrence, your, your audio is doing that cutting in, cutting out thing again there. Not sure. Okay. Try it again. Does it sound better now? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, it's, it's so uh, Richard, Richard, Richard's course, it's, it's a skeleton key for life. It's it's um, kind of centered around these 19 essential skills that uh, distillation of his experience um, as an entrepreneur and the skills he, that he learned paying for college for a college degree that didn't really use you know by the time he's graduating and um skipping out on graduation he he had networked found himself a sales job in uh software um and was moving to new york city um but yeah it's it's a it's a community as well uh it's, it's a place for people to come they're looking to develop skills um skills of entrepreneurism, uh, folks with existing businesses. It's, it's a place for them to come, um, and, and grow that business, uh, you know, learn some of the tech stack that will help them, uh, expand. And, um, you know, it's, it's an incubator, I suppose, for, for ideas, um, people wanting to put ideas into action and, and, um, a place to, to network and, you know, if, if that's a, a difficult thing for you, learning, learning how to network. Uh, and it also starts, it, it starts with sort of an unlearning of the, um, the, the learned helplessness that, that many of us experience through the, the schooling system. And, uh, you know, it looks at the schooling system 
historically why why it is the way it is how it came to be so who's responsible um and that that sort of kicks it off you know unlearning the uh the learn helplessness and then tapping into the learning how to tap into the limitless potential that we all have i mean rich rich likes to describe uh our brains as a supercomputer that we all have access to but many of us uh, we don't know how to use it and we're not taught how to use it. We're taught how to think in a very, yeah. Uh, opposite of how to like not access that. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's autonomy in a nutshell, in a nutshell, you get, um, lifetime enrollment. Uh, and there's, there's so much within that 12 weeks to, to go through. So one pass really isn't going to do it. Um, I mean, you know, some, some people, some people do <laughs> pick it up and they take off, but you know, you have, you have time to, to come back to it, um, take another pass at it and, and re-examine the material and interact with the, with the other students. That's awesome, man. And what, what was your experience like with it? Um, I definitely, I definitely came in, um, a, not quite understanding what I was getting into, but yeah. but drawn in because of the uh, the quality of Rich's work. His uh, Peace Revolution podcast made made a huge impression on me yeah. with his his writing and and um, precision in writing. I thought and and um, the integrity he displayed in in uh, the production of of that podcast. So. At some point, I visited tragedyandhope.com and I got on the mailing list and I saw the offering for the beta course uh, in the winter of 2018. And I I saw that. I said, that's something I should do. But I was sort of caught up in, in something else. And I was still going to school at the time. Uh, I was studying kinesiology, community college. Uh, and then, then I sort of got involved in some, another opportunity. Um, and I had to learn some things the hard way and come, uh, September of 2019, uh, I took another look at it and, and, uh, went on, went through, filled out, filled out a survey that he had on there. Um, my wife encouraged me cause I was, I was a little hesitant. That was a hurdle I had to overcome. Um, and I got on a call with Rich and uh, got involved in season two. And um, at the time, I was working overnights at uh, at Home Depot, and I uh, took advantage of that, you know, because I'd be listening to, to podcasts constantly. So Friday nights, I'd, I'd tune into the lecture while I was at work, and then I would uh, participate when I could in the uh, the Q and A, and do some of the the student the interviews, the exercises, uh, when I could fit those in. And, um, you know, initially I'd say the first, I started exploring some things like, uh, like a full stack web development, uh, course, uh, with the intent of, of building a website for, for the music that I've made in the past, kind of electronic music. And, um, I also, you know, I picked up some confidence in, in an approach to job interviews. So sort of going in, into the new year in 2020, 
I wanted to get off the graveyard shift and I applied for a um, sales position, you know, an opening position. So I'd be in the same department and building and lumber, but, uh, you know, it was technically a sales job, but still doing a lot of the, the uh, forklift work and stuff that I was already doing. But my approach to uh, an interview totally changed. Um, just uh, viewing it more as a, as a conversation and coming in prepared with a bunch of questions and sort of being more proactive about the, the interaction. So it was a really positive uh, experience. Um, and, you know, I actually within a short time, I, I sort of switched positions um, moved into doing deliveries and it was kind of a more autonomous position as far as uh, positions go in, in that sort of environment. And, uh, you know, then of course the, the pandemic uh, that, that started rolling in and that was an in interesting experience. You check out the rest if you want. At, uh, yeah, right on. You can post it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll throw that in there. Yeah, Scott posts to the, uh, GTW community. Scott is on on Band.video. Um, Great job, though, Adi. Thanks. And you yeah. really you're really finding your voice. And when I first joined, you were. I'm not saying you were struggling with it, but you've come a long way. I can tell. You know, um, and now you get the fun, the fun experience of listening to yourself back. That's always enlightening. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. Just yeah, cut out a, a few job. of those uhs and um, <laughs> I'll be in business. Uh, so, ums, yes. Uh, we all do this. It happens even to the best of us. What Rich you got to do is you got to fill, fill in the ums and uhs with you knows. And then it sounds cool. You know? <laughs> Mix it up a little. But you did a great job. That's awesome. And see, now you got a little bit front page action of Grand Theft World. Well, next week we got a clip of Tony from this past week's uh, town hall. I heard there was some things said. Yeah. The fuck did I say on the town hall? Oh, yeah. That, My wife came reminder. out. She said, Tony just dropped a testimonial in town hall for autonomy. I was like, clip it. Yeah. I got, I, clip it. We're going to play it. LD's I don't even it. remember. I know. About see? It. See? It's how, it's how like right after talking. the town hall. It was. Well, it was at the beginning. No, it was during the town uh, hall. It was like it's way at the beginning. It was like 730 when she told me that. Oh, yeah, I think I kind of I've done that promo before I did it once oh. when I was hosting GTW. I sort of I go, you know, it's just about telling my own experience. It was yeah, long before asked autonomy Tony, existed. Like, what do you think but... of the course? And he's like, I was there 10 years ago when Rich was making the course. And I learned it firsthand. <laughs> yeah, it's called the University Reason back then. It was. And it's I was going to be right the, the trivium of component of that, which is exactly you pick how up it's this worked DVD out on the autonomy sign. At a retailer near you. No, it's out of stock everywhere. But on the back. There's a university of reason right university there. University of reason. That's right. And that's, that's, that's a real thing. So got to have wow. those visions and not quit on yourself. That's what LD's showing. He's like, this is what happens if you don't quit on yourself and you just keep going. He joined right. season two. We're in season seven. He keeps going through it and keeps getting better and making friends and kicking ass along the way. And now the nickname we made up for him, LD, like that's on a, a lower third in somebody else's interview. <laughs> yeah. LD is a badass. Yeah. I just, it rolls off the tongue. LD. Yeah. If you, like, if you liquid if you dynamite wallet, it would look like the one that Samuel L. Jackson had in Pulp Fiction. Says, Bad motherfucker on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, what's a BAMF mean? I'm a badass motherfucker. Whatever, <laughs> however, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, that's such a classic. Well, I haven't that, seen that film in like 15 years. That was my nickname. I I was the uh, I was a bad boy for a minor league baseball team in 2001. That was the summer. Poppy Bush came and sat next to me during a game in Portland, Maine. Oh, yeah, but that geez. was the that was my nickname because I was taller than half the team. They called <laughs> some uh, Dominican player called me big motherfucker. So I was, I was like, BMF. BMF in baseball. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, ca- a lot of catcher first base. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, catcher. Yeah, makes sense, dude. Uh, I don't you know what I'd do if I was a batter and I saw a catcher as big as you. Oh my god! I would yeah, feel intimidated. We gotta, you gotta oh, rewatch boy. that. Oh, you gotta rewatch City of Lies. And look for for the number twenty three catcher. That's. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. It, and, wait, City of Lies. That's the one with Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. About the. He's like researching yeah. murder. Right. So yeah, son. I remember. Yeah, I said a couple weeks ago when we talked about that. I said, "Yeah, I was watching this movie and I thought there was a fat Johnny Depp in there, and then I figured out it was Johnny Depp. It was Johnny. <laughs> I didn't know who it was. I'm like, who's this fat guy? that Looks like Johnny Depp. When was that film? He's not even that fat in it. It's just like he's had no. It he's a couple he's years not. Ago. Yeah, that's the thing. Like coming like off of the 2018. Okay, January. Yeah. Or maybe like, like, like Captain Jack. He was probably going through rehab or something at that point. And they're like, what What role do we have for a puffy Johnny? And they're like, we got this role, City of Lies. You play an ex-cop. And they're like, yeah, it looks like donut weight, right? Cool. <laughs> yeah, spare tire. Some of those. A little bit of rolling blow, skin dude. there. It's a low blow. But yeah, they're about to go blow. live with that trial in a couple hours again for the next week. So oh, who, man, who, knows? Going on. who knows what we're going to hear in the next week. They're going to cross-examine and grill that chick because I think they just let her. You know that that Napoleon saying, "Never interrupt your enemy in the middle of them making." When they're a making a mistake, yes, yes, yes. And I think there were some things said last week or two weeks ago that are probably going to be brought into stark contrast with evidence this week. We'll see, though. That's kind of neither how the one looks of good. Let's neither place. one looks good. Yeah. yeah, but it seems as though the way they're painting it is Depp has been actually honest. Where at least that he's he's owned up to the fact that he's a drug addict and you know has all these issues in his personal life. Oh, yeah, he was not a good husband in any way, but he, you know, no, it's, it's tragic. It's tragic. But on the opposite side, she was literally physically and mentally and emotionally abusive. The problem is, and I think it's in Virginia. That's I forget where it's being taken place, but yeah, it's a trial in Virginia. It's in Virginia where they're allowed to put it on live TV. Yeah, it makes sense. They, figured they that couldn't do out. that for Jis Lane because they couldn't get a trial in Virginia for her. It's a little too sticky for that one. Uh, Web of stickiness. Yeah, a little too sticky. Lane, the Giz Lane, Jis Lane. The problem is that the statute, like the statute that exists there as far as domestic abuse is very extensive. So it can be anything that's just like minor psychological How does Virginia abuse? even have jurisdiction? Is it because of like Washington Did it take Post? place in Virginia? Like that's what I assumed uh, it had to have taken place. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, I, I, I didn't research I that far. It's one of those things in the Jack Spearco. Here's the 10 things you ask about how to analyze a topic. I stopped at like number two on that. And like, I don't care. Yeah, it's kind of don't need to that's know. how I felt like. But anyways, yeah, the statute that exists on there for domestic abuse is very extensive. So, so any all all Amber Heard's team has to do is that 
Johnny Depp was just had a modicum of psychological harm done to Amber, and that will be enough to get her off. Well, and there's like a, a very colorful background. Like she's like, uh, apparently when he was on the Lone Ranger set, like he was given new definition to cowboy junkies. New it wasn't low. I mean, you know, the classic music of the 90s. All and all in my heights to pump up the volume callback for James Pilato. There you go. Play that soundtrack next time on Media Monarchy. All right, uh, LD, who we got to thank for the tonight's stream <laughs> aside from our members? Yes, yeah, Tony had a delayed giggle on that one. You got it though. Thanks to the Grand Theft World members. If uh, if you're new to the podcast, you can go to grandtheftworld.com, click join community up in the upper right corner and uh, select a level of support that you would like to help us out with, keep the show going. Uh, big thanks to the Rockfin tippers, Nicholas, Steve, Crabapple, to Zach Boyles, DM, Mr. Jim Garrison, David Levine, Levine, uh, SCSI1, TCAN, and Roy Binder. And, um, yeah. Oh, thanks to B1. Um, he submitted a design. We've got a new shirt at freedomunitedrevolt.com. A little Klaus Eatsybugs t-shirt. If you want to check that out. Um, I think they're going to try to use the PCR on bug populations once they get those in place. They're like, <laughs> oh, we just got to kill off all the bugs around the world. Like, you know, the the, the foundational level of an ecosystem. Um, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there because the things I was about to say probably shouldn't be said. And it's because it's 3 a.m. in the morning. And I'm tired of Klaus. He's bugging me. Yeah. Bugs and, are good for chickens. Know. And chickens make... Great eggs, you know. Great eggs and delicious meat. I'm pretty sure. If and you they're go actually back, pretty nice pets. If you go I mean. back, there's a 1979 movie with oh, what's the dude's name? Uh, I can't. It's, anyway, it's a Dracula movie. It's not Bella Lugosi. It's the other guy, Frank Lang Langella. Uh, and in there, the Renfield eats bugs. So, like, he's always chasing bugs and eating them. And that's what I think of when I see Klaus Schwab, the Renfield that's happy to eat the bugs. And he thinks we should eat the bugs, too. But I don't think that's what we should do. Is that really a glass of wine? Klaus Schwab. Fuck off. All right. So uh, (laughs) thank you all for tuning in and not dropping out. You know? Getting to the end of this podcast like bull riding. Yeah, we did well stay on the whole time, but you're gonna have a lot of fun. I'm glad I was able to get through. Obviously, I just moved. People haven't figured that out, so I just got my computer set up in time and just got the show card done. So I'm glad we were able to get through another productive episode, and we'll see what craziness that are out next week because it sounds like you know nuclear war and famine and all hosts of nice things they have potentially planned for us, or at least they tried to. Our fear mongering. In an effort to gaslight the public and cause mass paranoia or confusion. And hopefully we can have the perspicacious awareness to cut through that and find a way to move forward in the light direction, as Rich likes to say. And, and I'll have my studio in my setup. JP Sears to play us out.
Let's see if LD finds it. It's at the way bottom of the card. Yeah, the the one that's on topic with the show title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim before the food shortage hits. Oh, man, that's a recursion back to the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bringing it full circle. That's my job. Another circle. Oh, wow. Inner circles, outer circles, circles within circles. Good to go. With the, see you next week. Have a good night. Peace. Today's video who helps me be less scared of the rain. Ask me a question. Oh, man. Food shortages are coming. Why are they coming? And what's causing them? We'll have all your answers in tonight's special food shortages report. These people are absolute morons. They believe everything I say just because I say it. The winner of the 2020 presidential election, Joe Biden, announced that along with record-setting inflation, a destroyed border, an impending war with Russia, the Afghanistan disaster, and his Nuremberg Code violating pharmaceutical agenda, food shortages are the next phase of his Build Back Better plan. Take a look. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did re- re- talk about food shortages. Well, that definitely wasn't English. Let's hear more. And uh, and it's going to be real. It's going to be real. You heard it here, folks. Food shortages are coming your way. But why are there going to be food shortages? Well, always a stellar example of self-responsibility, Biden is blaming Russia for our upcoming food shortages. Once again, Hunter's dad is telling Americans it's Russia's fault, as it is with rising gas prices, inflation, and his dementia. That is 100% all there is to know about the upcoming food shortages that you get to look forward to. (laughs) That's it, we swear. However, Some dissidents who are unwilling to submit to our kaleidoscoping narrative believe the food shortages are being planned and deliberately caused in order to control people. But that is absolutely crazy talk. Those views should be immediately silenced because they're really quite dangerous and completely unfounded. How insane. You could deliberately create food shortages in the U.S.? Like, to do that, you'd have to destroy a bunch of food processing plants, and nothing like that could ever happen. These nut jobs. This just in! In just the past few weeks, over a dozen food processing plants in the U.S. have been destroyed through fires, explosions, and planes crashing into them. Huh. As we rework our narrative, here's Tucker Carlson with a ton of misinformation. Just moments before we went to air tonight, a plane apparently crashed at a General Mills plant, a food plant in Covington, Georgia. Six tractor trailers were reportedly on fire. You're seeing pictures from the scene right now. This is the second time in a week that something like this has happened. On April 14th, the plane crashed into the Gem State Processing in East Idaho. What's going on here? Well, the story gets weirder. Food processing plants all over the country seem to be catching fire. A couple of days ago, a fire destroyed the headquarters of Azure Standard, one of the largest organic food distributors in the country. At the end of last month, a fire severely damaged a fresh onion packing facility in South Texas. In Oregon, a potato chip processing plant to support a boiler explosion that sent workers to the hospital. Now, what are the odds of that? Well, it turns out the odds are 100% because it happened. But it's not what you think as the most suspicious president in U.S. history warns of upcoming food shortages and then multiple food processing plants are destroyed, this certainly isn't happening intentionally. It turns out 
The food facilities catching on fire, exploding, and having planes crash into them is being caused by climate change. How's that for a rewritten narrative? Next up, as food shortages are definitely not 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 being deliberately caused, and we swear this is just a coincidence, completely unrelated. We're happy to report that a narrative of an avian flu pandemic is causing millions of chickens and turkeys to be killed. What does that do to the food supply? It makes it much worse. Oh, that's interesting. An avian flu pandemic. That sounds just as scary as the one we've been trying to scare you to death over for the past two years. But this one is definitely severe, and they can tell, because they're detecting the avian flu using PCR tests. In spite of what the inventor of the PCR test says, you, as an obedient believer of our narrative, know how accurate they are at diagnosing viruses. Now, with a full explanation of what's going on with food processing plants being destroyed all over the place and millions of poultry being killed due to a global chicken pandemic, here's your emperor. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. Whoops, kind of sounded like he said, Increase more rapidly food shortages when he said, increase more rapidly food shortages. Probably just a typo. I don't think it was a typo. It wasn't written. He said it out loud. Let me ask you a question. Do you care about your wife and children? Yeah. Of course you do. So just remind yourself of that next time you're tempted to open your mouth. As we prepare for food shortages in the U.S. that Russia is doing to us, to be fair, there have been starvation periods throughout history inflicted on people by those who are trying to establish themselves as dictators. In 1921 and 1922, Vladimir Lenin's famine starved 5 million people to death. From 1930 to 1932, Stalin's famine starved between 5.7 and 8.7 million people to death. From 1958 to 1962, Mao's Famine killed about 45 million people. Amongst other evidence that shows these famines were deliberately caused by the dictators, the whole time Mao was actually exporting grains for profit instead of feeding them to his people. But that's how droughts and famines work. It's also weird how food shortages and communism just coincidentally go hand in hand. Now that is insanely evil. But a dictator destroying independent food production so they can monopolize all aspects of the food supply so they can have complete control over the population? That could never happen here. This just in! Saying that could never happen here is the exact mindset of denialism that keeps the door open for things like that happening here. Whatever that means. But truly, that kind of thing could never happen here because the state and the authoritarians who run the state don't own the food supply. Bill Gates does. He owns more farmland than anyone else in the U.S. Why? Bill probably just wants to be a farmer for a while because he's trying to control people through computer programs, tracking, and forced injections. And recently, Elon Musk said of America's favorite farmer, in case you need to lose a boner fast. Ha ha ha. Well, it worked, Elon. I haven't had one since I looked at that picture. Kind of looks like Bill needs to go on a bit of a famine himself for a while, doesn't it? But if you're so paranoid that you still think the very altruistic authoritarian state dictators are intentionally sabotaging the food supply in order to have complete control over the population, then just take matters into your own hands, buy some real estate, and grow your own food. Except you can't, because BlackRock is buying up all the real estate at prices far above market value, and the Fed is funding BlackRock. But that's probably nothing. That's it for tonight's special report. Enjoy the food shortages. Bon appetit.
conspiracy is a story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there. Thank you.